Friday, April the 2nd. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We are loaded. I don't have any time to mess around today because we're going to be talking NCAA basketball with Eric. We're into the Final Four. We'll also do our NBA Who's Hot, Who's Not segment with Eric. Everything going on in the NBA. We're going to talk about the stable dual schedule for the weekend. It's opening day and opening weekend at Keeneland. We're going to talk the Friday Keeneland Pick 5. It's closing weekend at Sam Houston. We'll get you everything for Friday Sam Houston. Andrew Champagne joins me for the late pick five. Then on to Saturday, Aqueduct Stakes Races, the Wood Memorial, and a couple of the undercards with David Aragona. We get to Keeneland for the Saturday pick five. Scott Shapiro joins me to talk about the final three graded stakes races on the card, which include the Ashland and the Bluegrass. Chappie, Jeff Chapman, joins me to talk about Santa Anita and their big Kentucky Derby prep. There are four graded stakes races that we discuss, including the Santa Anita Derby. Then to closing day at Sam Houston on Saturday, Andy Villanueva joins me to talk early pick five. The track uh, track morning line odds maker Nick Tamaro joins me to talk about the Saturday stakes. And then I'll close it out with that pick five and wrestling with Chad Cooper will be our final segment on an absolutely loaded edition of That's What G Said. No time to waste. We're going to get right into NCAA basketball final four chat with Eric Etoff, 2-1 Sports. And then there were four. We are down to the final four of the NCAA Tournament March Madness. Uh, Eric Etoff, 2-1 Sports, joining me here. Eric, uh, I'm a Trojan fan. I was rooting for the Trojans. I know you had a nice wager on uh, Arkansas. You were rooting for them. We got a, a solid run here with both the, the teams that we were rooting for, but when it came down to it, they just ran into a, a beast in uh, uh, Gonzaga and then one in Baylor that was a little too much for them to deal with. I mean, this Gonzaga team is insane to me. They, the only one team has come within single digits of them, and that was West Virginia. I think back in February, yeah, not even, not even February at the beginning of the season. Um, USC's height was and they were supposed to dominate the the glass. The Zags out rebounded them by twelve. Like they're just built like a machine. <laughs> Suggs doesn't turn the ball over. Timmy gave Mobley a schooling oh. down low. I mean, it was just, I mean, he just took him to the woods. He, I mean, was... he showed him oh. like, hey, I'm a couple years older than you. In five years, you're going to probably be an NBA player and I won't. But right now I've got an offensive game that you probably haven't seen a whole lot of, you know, oh, I mean, and that's exactly a... what he did to him. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was crazy. I mean, they, I, it's their tournament to lose. Like I, I mean, I, I, if they're hitting threes, I, and when you, um, double Timmy and they can hit a three, I mean, they're, they're going to be, I don't know if anyone can beat them. I thought Arkansas could just because of the havoc they create on defense with everything, but Arkansas decided to cut it to four and go eight minutes without scoring. So I just, you know, that, that game to me was so frustrating. Arkansas comes out deer in headlights. They battle back. They cut it to fourth and nine minute mark. I'm like, Oh my God, this is it. This is it. This is it. And then just Clank City. I mean, they could not. They start settling for threes instead of driving it to the hole. So I just, it was brutal. But Baylor's tough. I mean, this was the Baylor team that we saw pre-COVID the last couple of games. I mean, they're playing insane. I mean, they play uh, Houston. And I have made a good amount of money fading this Houston against certain teams. And Baylor kind of fits that team. I locked in Baylor. I was lucky to get them. It opened up at minus four and a half. I locked in that four and a half. It's up to five now. I still like Baylor at minus five. Baylor's the best three-point shooting team 
in college. Not that's left, but in college. They have three guys that were all Big 12 defense. I just don't think Houston's going to be able to score mm-hmm. enough points. I think Baylor's going to be able to create enough turnovers. I think they're going to cruise, and they're going to be making open jump shots. And we have to remember, to me, there's always like that one team that makes the Final Four that's the quote-unquote bluff. Last time it was Auburn a couple years ago. This time for me, it's Houston. I mean, Houston should have lost the Rutgers. Against Syracuse, the game was tight, but um, Buddy just completely didn't show up. And then Oregon State, they had the game tied, and they just shot themselves in the foot the last three minutes. So I just really, I'm just not drinking it with this Houston team. I they mean, played double-digit seeds all the way through. Not yep. one single-digit seed, too. All um, their games are first one, first one to 60 wins. You're not holding this Baylor team to 60. They're going to get up and down the floor. They have guys that can make shots. I mean, that... The guy that looks like Joe Dirt, who I'm spacing on his name, number 24, that guy's going to be in the league, and he's their sixth man. You know what I mean? Like, they have dudes top to bottom. I just I just don't think Baylor has enough. Uh, I, I don't. I can't really honestly make a case. It, it does feel like a collision course with Baylor and Gonzaga right now. I just can't really make a strong case for, for either of these two teams to win, or I think even keep it close. Like, UCLA has... Give it, give it all the credit in the world to to Cronin. He has been phenomenal coach. He has somehow every game gotten them to get to play, like turn it into a rock fight. But they're in a situation where um, Michigan scored forty nine points, right? And Gonzaga scored forty nine in the first half. Gonzaga scored at least eighty in every single game. I mean, they're just a. I I just don't know how to stop them, but no. With like you mentioned, Cronin, they when you looked at the beginning of when your season was starting and everyone was like, "Oh, this is going to be like in the summer." This is who their starters are going to be. When you looked at that list, they lost three projected starters, and he's and still one got this that team. would be one of the better players in the entire college basketball, uh, and he's, he's starting on that G select team. Yeah, yeah, he is insane. He and this team lost four in a row, down fourteen. I mean, they are playing well. And that's the one thing, like, when I look at these two teams, as crazy as as it's going to sound, in my head, I can see UCLA winning before I can see Houston winning. Just because UCLA has more shot, not shot creators, I'll say. I'll use that term. They have more guys that can create a shot. Juzang has just been insane. That's why they were able to beat Michigan. Michigan, for how talented they are, they didn't have any shot makers. And that's why losing livers was so important during crunch time. Once, I mean, like, once they got yeah. to a team where it mattered not to have liver, you know, the the, the their player their livers, um, Michigan that they, it didn't hurt them as much the first couple of, a little bit against uh, LSU I think when they made that run back, but you, you they were really hurt late in the game and Wagner was just awful. Oh man, he was just brutal, missing shot after shot after shot. But and that still blows my mind. Why do you run that play for him after he's been so cold the whole game? I mean, you, that just blew. I mean. I, it just, I don't, I had no, that just blew my mind. And they should have had Smith go, Smith should have went coast to coast. When he drove down um, Campbell, number 10, the point guard for UCLA, he was on his heels and he pulled up for that three. Yep. He should have just drove right past him. I mean, get the game to overtime, extend it, but he went for the three. And especially like you go to Wagner on the out of bounds play after he airballed an open three a couple possessions I know. before. You just really got a question, like, why are you going there? I mean, I get it. He's been good, but I've never been a Wagner guy this, like since he's been at Michigan. I don't no. think he's going to be, like, that that good of a player in the NBA. I just – I think there are better options. Um, the one thing with UCLA is they're making their threes. I mean, they're going to – if they're able to control tempo, make threes to, to keep them in the game, 
and create some sort of scoreboard pressure because Gonzaga hasn't felt that, then it could get interesting. Exactly. And because remember, USC put themselves in a really bad spot. They got down seven to nothing right off the bat, and they couldn't even attempt to do some of the things that people thought. USC could make it hard on Gonzaga They didn't even get a shot to like Set their defense up They kept turning the ball over And Gonzaga was just getting easy runaways I don't think UCLA Because the with with Tiger there And I, I think with now with Juzang and, and some of the perimeter game that they have UCLA is a lot better on the perimeter Than USC was just in general So if they're not turning the ball over And if they're just slowing things down and trying to make it as low scoring of a game as possible They they are the type of team that I think you would look at and say Oh there's no way Gonzaga could, could lose to them Because they're not nearly as talented But it, they're not going to try to beat them in a Hey let's put our talent against your talent They're going to try to just suck the whole life out of the game They're going to try to do what they did against Michigan Make the big yeah. defend Try to win a game that's 61-59 or 51-49 you know, That's what they're going to try to do And he's going to make Cronin's going to make them play defense for 35 seconds And they might get and, beat by 30 You know, yeah. they very easily could And they're the, they're the type of team like USC too Unfortunately, like, if Gonzaga and Baylor Were playing, uh, and Baylor was down by 15 I think, like, Baylor would probably Be in some trouble, but they shoot the ball Well enough to where it wouldn't be absurd If they made a run back Teams like USC and UCLA Don't, while they are have shot well Throughout this tournament They're not, like Lights out shooting teams that could get hot like that They have to stay close and competitive early If they get down by 10 or so They're going to be in big trouble That's going to be way But they did come back I mean, granted it was against my boys at State But they have come back from 14 But you're right They're just going to Gonzaga's got way too many weapons To be down by that much And, and just expect them yeah, to go that cold Yeah, yeah you know? way too much But I mean, I work with scoreboard pressure Is a legit a real thing. The game Especially is completely for a team that hasn't has had it. it. Yeah, they haven't yeah. experienced it all year. The one time against BYU, really, and that was like it. So you that was a, only a half. That was that legitimately was, only a half. So and that's in the regular season where okay, you could lose that game and you're going to still come back and be in the tournament. Like, do you imagine you get down a little bit here, you start getting nervous and you start going, "There's no way we're going to lose. Like, we haven't lost all year. This we can't lose this." You know, thinking how good they are and realizing like if they lose, there's no tomorrow. That's um, and you saw what happened to Texas. Like, Texas probably had that against... Um, Abilene? Um, yeah, they probably had it against Abilene. He shot, shot his face after they, they lost. They had an 80% three-throw shooter missed a three-throw. You know, like, it's just scoreboard pressure is a really thing. You're in a situation where you don't think you can lose. You look up, 55-54, two minutes left. You're like, oh, shit. So that would be UCLA's only chance. It's a long shot. For me in this game, the first half over-under is at 69 if it gets up to 71, I'm going to take the under. But that would be the the only thing I'm going to take right now. Um, I'll look at the game, kind of see how it plays out. Maybe hit a, a second-half total if it, like, is a low scoring or shoots up. But I'm just sitting this game out and kind of kind of see what happens. Yeah, and, hey, man, it was, um, you know, the, the first round and or so was really good and then we haven't had as many like close close games that UCLA Michigan game was good the other day but we had some wild upsets and i think we all re- realized how much we missed this damn tournament not having it last year oh my god like i it is i mean this month stretch is phenomenal i mean and if you haven't been to vegas for it you guys need you to have go to. i mean those first couple I'm, days oh, you have to i mean 
Conference week is great. First round is great. Sweet 16 is often, Sweet 16 Elite 8 is often overlooked, and that was my funnest one. I've been there for the Final Four. It's always just so great. And, like, those hit and misses, like the Oregon State guy that hit the three-pointer, that secured the total and the cover. So, I mean, being in there when the sport books go crazy for winning or losing a bet is just, just a great experience. And that's, you know, a great time to go to Las Vegas if you guys haven't been. Eric Etoff, 2-1 Sports, uh, helping us out here with college basketball. You're going to hear his voice again in just a few minutes when we talk about NBA and our NBA Who's Hot, Who's Not segment. So, uh, Eric, for uh, those uh, folks who are not going to be listening to the NBA segment of the show, let us know about the the podcast you have going on. For the college basketball fans, you're going to have more than just the college uh, analysis and and discussion about the men's side. You're going to talk a lot about the, uh, the women's side also. Oh, the women's final, the women's NCAA tournament has been great. The Baylor-UConn game this past Monday was probably the best game I've watched, second to the UCLA-Michigan game that was uh, a couple days later, or the day after. Uh, Final Fours tomorrow, I will be previewing the final on Saturday's podcast, talking a little bit about the uh, Final Four games that happened. I will also talk about who I think should be the next coach for the Tar Heels. A ton of stuff that you're going to get uh, Every time you listen to Eric over there He'll hit on literally everything going on In the world of sports And uh, oh yeah like I said man We got a, a fun week coming up too for us wrestling fans We got a bunch of uh, stuff happening with Wrestlemania Coming up this uh, this week So I'll definitely be going back and forth with you And uh, wondering sometimes what the hell are they doing there <laughs> So uh, look forward to chatting more with you Eric Thank you so much for helping us out Oh no problem anytime Don't go anywhere folks We're going to bounce all around the world of sports Stay tuned here on That's What She Said Before we get into the NBA with Eric, we have to hear about one of our sponsors, Cindy Carava, full-service realtor, Cindy Carava. If you head over to my YouTube channel, you will see an interview that I just did with Cindy. I'm actually going to play it on next week's episode of That's What G Said. We have it on video there, and then I'll put the recording, uh, the audio of it on here. We spend about 10-15 minutes talking everything going on in uh, the world of real estate, what the market is like. We talk all about everything going on in Southern California, and how Cindy, as a full-service realtor, she can help you wherever you are around the country. Let's say you're somewhere and you just don't know a good realtor in that area. Get in touch with Cindy. She will put you in touch with one of her friends, someone that she knows and trusts and can really help you. As a full-service realtor, that means she can help you in selling, purchasing, leasing. She can help you find vendors, landyman, painters, landscapers, gardeners that she personally uses in her own home. Maybe you need help getting pre-approved for a home loan. She can connect you with lenders that she works closely with and can highly recommend, covering all parts of the San Gabriel Valley, San Diego County. As I mentioned, even if you're uh, outside of California and you need some help, she will help you out. One of the kindest and most genuine people I have ever met. The website, CindyCarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. You'll find all her listings, all the contact information, everything you need there. Uh, She will take great, great care of you. Let's move along on to NBA with Eric. We spend, uh, I think, about 45 minutes or so going through, uh, busting around the league, Um, you know, notes, news, who's hot, who's not, everything going on in the NBA with Eric. The trade deadline is beyond us. The buyout market really taking shape, and a lot of the big names uh, have uh, have surfaced with some of the major contenders. And so we now kind of have an idea of what these teams are. What's going to look like uh, heading the, the final, you know, 
half to third of the season here in the NBA. Eric Etoff, 2 1 Sports, who joins us to talk the NBA who's hot, who's not segment, uh, is here with us again. And uh, Eric, you know, um, just like right off the bat, before we get into some uh, specific things, I think the one uh, thing that's really interesting when you just look at the teams overall who are. You know, projected and supposed to be really good and up towards the top. We have some injury concerns. Uh, Embiid just right now going to be coming back. Uh, Durant, we don't know really what's up with him, even though Brooklyn's been playing well without him. And then obviously for a team like the Lakers, you know, uh, Anthony Davis should be coming back soon. Le- LeBron, who knows, still probably a month or, or so for him. So uh, for some of the major contenders, we. In our head, we can project and say if they're healthy, they'll be tough, but it might be hard to say that for some of these teams. You have no idea what's going to go on. You have no idea. I mean, Durant, there's a million issues going on now. They're saying the NBA may get involved with a little spat he had online. With Rappaport. With with Rappaport. (laughs) Plus, I mean, he got, Durant got upset because everyone viewed Golden State as like Curry's team. Okay. Now, when you think Brooklyn Nets, like, I mean, in my eyes, that's James Harden's team it's, right now. He's been he's played more games and been I've, more. Yeah, he's I'm, I'm, the point Durant's guard. Played, I think like seven, what, 16, 17 games in two years there, and I really don't even know if he if uh, how healthy he's going to come back this year because them signing Aldridge and Blake Griffin to kind of tell me that they're going to be holding Durant out for a while that he may not even yep. be back to the playoffs, and then it's going to take him. And then who a knows? A while to get back. And you've got to ramp back up. you got to get acclimated with these three guys playing together. How They barely have played any games together, too. And that's sort of one of the issues that you know I'm starting to get a little more worried about with the Lakers. What's nice with them is that AD and LeBron played together. They know each other. Uh, they played deep into the season last year. And uh, I mean, and together. And, and then they had the quick turnaround. So for them, maybe uh, this this gets a, a little bit of mileage off them on the quick turnaround. But you know, they got to get back and and play some games too, and and sort of you know get acclimated and ready. It's it it's not going to be easy in a pretty tough Western Conference for the Lakers to just assume they're going to walk right back in and and beat whoever they play. I mean, I'm looking at the standings right now. They are only two games up on the Nuggets for sixth. Yep. So, I mean, a lot can change. They really need LeBron. I mean, Drummond came out. What he, I mean, Drummond only played, what, 14 minutes, a minus eight, and four fouls yesterday, and then his toenail fell off. And the problem and- with, with Drummond is he's the type of player that when LeBron and AD are there if he who knows if he plays with AD on the court or not but but when those guys are around his his strengths i think will be highlighted but like in a game like last night he did a couple things well early on he was excited but then you saw some of his weaknesses when he tries to drive he when he whenever he tries to do a little bit too much it's very much like a Dwight Howard type you know if if Drummond could just go sort of understand and and I think he will when LeBron and these guys are around, but but that's the problem. Like you know, the Lakers need. Um, they, they did get a little bit lucky to pick up a couple wins. Uh, um, prior to this this most recent loss to Milwaukee, and who knows, you know, you, losing to Milwaukee is not not the worst thing in the world. But they're sort of in a really weird like just survive mode. Try to get and, like and any win is big. And also, it they tried to move Schroeder, and then they offered Schroeder that contract extension. And then he turned it down. I mean, that kind of, I don't know. Like, I am always tend to overthink everything. No, but, but I, I don't like that. that I don't like. That kind of tells me, like, Schroeder's a little bit upset. 
you know, I don't know if and the locker room would be is, upset. People yeah, the are... locker room is such a small with like NFL and baseball. The locker room's huge with and the NBA. It's fifteen dudes, and if one guy's upset, then it can just Everybody trickle knows. on down. Yeah, oh yeah, and then there's issues on the court. I mean, one of the funniest text messages I've ever gotten in my life was I was watching a Pistons game and Drummond did some crazy, some some crazy shit. And my buddy texts me and goes, "Does Drummond think he's Magic Johnson?" He, it was I one mean, of those like drives. Yeah. Try to do like the, a no look pass and went sailing into the crowd, like a dribble through the legs and then drive, right. you know, like while you're driving. And it's like, what is happening here? Um, for a big man, too, he doesn't really finish that great around the rim, you know. Um, there's he is like his percentage on layups and and right around the rim is, is not great. I again, if, if he's in there with LeBron and LeBron's you know, giving him really easy opportunities to finish and drawing a lot of the, the defense, I think that could be a nice spot for him. But but what happened last night, I, I didn't like. You know, watching the game, he he played okay. The Lakers were hitting shots early, then they stopped. And then Marcus Gasol was basically out of the rotation; he wasn't going to play. So once Drummond got hurt, they had to bring Gasol in. And then Gasol played really, really well for a few minutes, like very energized. It was like blocking shots, good defense, making some good passes. And it was now you wonder if you you kind of pissed off someone like that, who I think a lot of people. At Laker fans in general, I'd read a lot of stuff and oh, Marcus saw this, Marcus saw that. Well, you know, they still had the number one defense in the league, and he's a he's one of those guys that does a lot of things that don't show up. You know, he's just kind of in the right spot. He's like a, a wily veteran who just knows how to make plays happen, and so. I don't want him upset. You know, KCP and and Schroeder, like you said, they think they maybe heard that they were getting dangled. Who knows about that? THT. Who I'm telling you, I like. He's going to be a very good player. He is in the last like, month or so has gotten into this funk. He, it, it, it's it's a mental thing. He's turning the ball over a ton, traveling. It's like he's just lost out there. He can't hit. I think he's two for his last twenty three from three. Um. So yeah, I mean, I, obviously, I'm a big Laker fan, and like we so said, hindsight being twenty twenty, should they have dra- Should they have made the trade for Lowry right only, right now? The only reason why I still say no is that. The trade for Lowry would have included three rotation players. Yeah. And and I don't know how like Lowry is no doubt better than Schroeder, but would Lowry have been able to carry a Lakers team that all of a sudden wouldn't have had KCP, who is your, you know, your starting shooting guard, and then wouldn't have had uh THT, who's like your seventh or eighth man. So um that that was my only problem. If it would have been like a Schroeder for Lowry, I and, and you had Schroeder even for like another year or something, that wouldn't have bothered me. It, for me, it was just roster guys. You, you know, right now the Lakers like even jokingly, who would help them for 10 minutes of a, of a game was is Jared Dudley. Like he's he's hurt too. And um he's he's not even like a great NBA player, but he would come in and sort of help all of these guys that are in, in different roles and in different spots and just kind of, hey, this is where you're supposed to be. You know, hey, here, go, you go here, you go here, you know, he'll go pick up a couple fouls for you. Yeah, things aren't great. They need to, they, they're going on a road trip right now too, that once you go on the road, it doesn't matter who you're playing. You could lose to any team, especially this group of the Lakers, and they could lose six or seven in a row. So they got to find some wins here and there, Eric. Um, let's get into some of your uh, your uh, bullet points that you had um, listed. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, just for a second the Nets signing Lamarcus Aldridge and Blake, and you were hitting on the point that this might be more than a oh hey yeah we want to we want to you know uh, bring these guys in. I think it might be a 
maybe maybe sort of what the Lakers are doing with Drummond. Hey, if AD is is banged up, at least we have another option here. Hey, if KD is banged up and you have to, at least you've got an Aldridge and a Blake that can give you some minutes throughout the season. And if we're even if worse comes to worse, let's say he's he's banged up in the playoffs, that gives you a couple other options there. So I think they're a little more worried about KD than we keep hearing. Oh, for sure. And also Harden left the game last night with uh, hamstring yep. tightness, and Nash does Nash doesn't think he'll be that long. If Harden is out, if that was just Kyrie and with no Harden, this Nets team would be down there with the Celtics and Heat right now. Yep, um, completely different team. And then we also have to remember how bad defensively they're going to be once like Aldridge and Griffin, those guys. Yeah, they're good household names, but. I mean, Griffin was out of the rotation for the Pistons, who have the worst record in the East. Lamarcus Aldridge was bent, benched for the Spurs, who are fighting for a playoff position. I think people are getting too caught up in their names and remember what, what those guys did a couple years ago. Totally agree. This year, I mean, you know, career low in points. You know, they just aren't fast to defend. They're going to be really bad defensively. But it's going to be worth it if Griffin comes on, like, let's say it's game three in Milwaukee in the second round and Griffin scores 12 points. And helps them win a game in the playoffs. That is yep. worth it. And yep. I mean, that's what they did it. So yep. I mean, those guys aren't going to carry them to a victory, but maybe uh, able to help them win a game against Milwaukee, or if they make it to the conference finals against the Sixers or the Bucks, whoever may help them there. If it if it does, it does. I mean, if it doesn't, it doesn't. But yep. I I just I just think defensively, there's way too many liabilities on that team. I agree. I still don't trust them. And you know, the team that is starting to play uh, a little bit better and and kind of quietly. Is Milwaukee and now You're starting to see what Drew will Do for them like last night They they were struggling early on and Drew was like had I think 16 points 70 points in the first half He was excellent he was just keeping them in the game He's become very confident uh, Offensively too hitting the three off the Dribble he is an excellent defensive Player so then when Middleton uh, Struggles a little bit um, It takes some pressure off of Giannis Giannis is shooting a little better from the free throw Line too you could tell he's really like Slowing down and taking his time He's taking like 12-15 seconds Each free throw there I, I think because of what's happened With them the last couple years People don't want to buy into them um, and, and like honestly Giannis Like if, if Giannis had not won the MVP The last couple of years he, was, he would be winning it this year For sure But I, I think people don't want to vote for him again Because they have And this team I don't want to say choked But they just really like no-showed uh, In the playoffs last year And two years ago when they were up That's when they, they really fell apart uh, what do you think about the Bucks too? Before we get into some other stuff, I think with Giannis, I think it's voter fatigue. I mean, I really exactly. think that's why he's not going to win it. Yeah. And I said it as soon as they made the the move for Holiday. Holiday is the calming factor they may have. Holiday yep. is going to be able to calm everyone down, get everyone in the right position, and he's going to be able to check their best wing player. I mean, historically, Giannis would panic, Middleton would force it too much with his jump shot. In tight games now, they're going to have the ball in Holiday's hand. He's going to calm everyone down. He's going to give them the open look. And also, not to be forgotten, David Chenko was supposed to be moved to the Kings in the um, Badanovich trade that fell through. David Chenko is shooting lights out this year. Bobby Portis, athletic center that can come in when they play the center that extends out like an Embiid. I mean, they have a lot of pieces, and they're just under the radar right now, which is uh, yeah. probably 
the best place for them to be right now, to be honest. Exactly. No pressure. They don't have to hear about everything uh, day in, day out. They're uh, a couple games back of uh, of Brooklyn and uh, of Philly right now, but they have a legitimate shot to uh, to win it all, uh, to win the East. Um, you know, and, and we have to the- remember, they picked up Tucker. Like, that team, yeah. they are going to have Tucker, Holiday, and Giannis defending. I mean, that is... Giannis, if anyone is built to stop Durant and assume Durant is think 100% of, close to think it. Think about how switchy Giannis. Tucker, yeah. Giannis, Middleton, and Holiday, those four, and then you add in like a Portis or, or somebody else, you know, even if it's like a, one of the wings or, or guard, that's like they, sw- they can switch everything. Yeah. I mean, they, they can they, switch. Defensively, they are stout. And I, yeah. it, it's for them, it's just all going to come down. Are they going to be able to make the three pointer? Yep, and uh, yeah, like they're a team that I think is uh, is definitely in my eyes has uh, looks like a legitimate threat right now. Let's talk about the Jazz. They continue to uh, motor along. They've won seven in a row, but they had a scare the other day. Uh, the uh, emergency plane landing. Oh, and like it freaked Donovan Mitchell out. Mitchell didn't Mitchell didn't make the trip to Memphis. He that's how freaky out he is. He's scared to death about flying, and this I just triggered everything. I was reading something like he may not be traveling for road games now for a while until he gets this taken care of. Because this anxiety, right? Like this fear. Yeah. And I mean, that's a big issue. I mean, John Madden, he busts everywhere. Um, Oh my God. Who is the guy that used to play for Iowa State? Yang. Yang, same thing. Yang, Gordon Yang. I think he. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yang. Yang. Yeah, yeah. Or Arizona State. Was it? Or no, George's name. Yang. Yeah, he played for Iowa State. He yep. he couldn't fly either. So I mean, this is a legit thing people battle with. Yep. I oh, mean, absolutely. And hopefully Mitchell can get what he needs. But Just I imagine mean, with the, having it. an incredible year like they are, and then something bizarre that we would just never even think about. But like you said, this is something that's an actual problem that a lot of people deal with. My mom hasn't flown in twenty five years. You know, oh. she, she's terrified too. Um, I, I and a lot of people are either. The claustrophobic or the fear of flying And then you have a situation like that That is uh, I mean, that's- And also you have to remember I found this out I didn't know this I texted my friend who played in the NBA And he works uh, for the NBA And I'm like don't these have these top of the line jets And everything like I don't understand These jets are actually like these old Delta or American airline Planes that have been retired Some of them are like 30 years old and that the airlines have taken out their cycle of flights and they just sell to the NBA team. So it's yeah. not like there's you know, like, there are these deluxe brand new yeah. like like there's you would some think old ass planes that these guys are flying. So I'm everyone has that head, miss. Uh, major league, right? You remember like oh, the for... Cleveland, you think the Indians with that plane oh, yeah. that's all yeah, that's what I'm picturing <laughs> right now in my head, you know. Yeah, these are old <laughs> planes. They're not top of the line stuff. So I mean, like it would I I'm not I hate heights and it would freak me out if I was Dude. in that position. I remember I, mean, I, I was flying I'm to okay Florida. Flying. Yeah, I'm okay flying, but I'm not a big fan of like being in a situation where I'm looking down at from from way up, you know, um, or being like where I'm not in in clo- like I, I prefer the being enclosed up up high. I'm not I'm not that doesn't bother me. But um, yeah, I was flying man. down to Fort Lauderdale once. I was coaching some kids. We're flying down to an event down there, and I'll never forget. Like we were going down, and we just dropped for like 15 seconds, and it freaked the crap out of all of us. Yeah, I mean. It's a freaky thing. It, it is, uh, and uh, the Jazz, you know, their their season has been excellent so far. We'll see um, if they can uh, get Donovan to calm down a little bit. Like this is not a, but we know we're laughing and joking about it. This is something that this is um, a serious thing. Like legitimately, yeah. they, they may be. Could you imagine if they're busting them to playoff games? Like, which legitimately is a possibility. Oh, I know. On, I mean, and in a playoff situation, they would be 
better off because they could go to one place for a couple days at a time, you know, and and then make just like one trip. They would only have to make a few trips with it, but but getting there even, you know, like getting to that situation for the next few weeks, and then it's one of those things where it's like if it starts getting in his head even more. Right, if he just starts becoming very comfortable and familiar with the fact that he doesn't have to fly, um, that uh, yeah, th- this is this is a, a definite thing to monitor, and and something like that's got a lot to do with basketball, but not on the same sense, like a lot to do with just real life stuff. And um, it goes back to the thing we've talked about; these guys are just regular people like you and I. Like, yeah, it's just the smallest thing that yeah. We look at the numbers, the stats. We we build our, uh, you know, we build our numbers and we build our computations for what we think these lines are going to be, or number this and that. But like you said, they're all regular dudes. They're these guys and gals are all regular that we're uh, watching, and uh, we get to a Celtics team right now that has just had such a strange year for them. You know, they they've had some COVID issues throughout, but they find themselves right now after a couple losses at 23 and 25 and they are the number 8th spot in a weak eastern conference i mean the the thing i've noticed about them is historically when stevens has been there when they got punched in the face they would punch back when yep. playing there's no punch they just completely roll over bill there simmons was... who's the the biggest celtics guy in the world said this he said they're soft mm-hmm. you know they're and very he's, soft. He's the homer, he's the biggest homer in the world. He says they're they're just soft, exactly like you said. They're, they don't fight back. There were two plays that stood out for me yesterday when they played. They got just murdered by the Mavericks. Um, play number one, I believe it was Brown was falling out of bounds, went to save it, threw it back to uh, Kemba, who was by the uh, half court line. Kemba made zero effort for the ball. Uh, a guy from the Mavericks got it layup. And then there was another time where there was a possession and Tatum dribbled for 22 seconds of the possession. Like literally 22 seconds was Jason Tatum dribbling to one of those step back three pointers that he does. I mean, zero ball movement, zero, zero driving the lane, zero trying to get to the free throw line, which when, when you look at someone like that, because he he's had what a crazy career he's had that his, his first year, was incredible. I mean, he's like breaking records for three point percentage, and everyone's talking about him as being like a top five untouchable guy in the league moving forward. Then year number two, Kyrie's around and it screws him all up. He has a, a bad year, really regresses. Last year, year three, he looks awesome. I mean, in, in a lot of those playoff series, he's the best player on the court, but now it's the same thing. It's like he's not, it, it seems like he takes a step forward and then a step back because. His passing, his playmaking, all that is is very like subpar for someone who's got as much ability as he does. In half court sets, the ball doesn't move. He dribbles it, and when he someone does come at him, he doesn't get the pass. Now back to piggyback to back up with the net with Aldridge and Griffin going, and Harden is driving. Those guys will go to him. He'll kick it out and give those guys an open look. Tatum, the ball's just going up. He doesn't make anyone better. He's showing zero leadership skills. Neither is Brown, and neither is Kemba. And those three are supposed to be the three best players and the quote-unquote leaders of the of the uh, of the team. Kemba's not playing back to back. What I've seen of the Celtics this year, they play their best when they play fast. They're running it out, but once again, the half court set like set like we just said, the ball is stale and it's not moving, and there's they're they're basically easy to defend. Yep, uh, it's going to be interesting though because the UNC coach um, retired. I Roy mean, Williams, just, yeah, just even just say F it, I'm going back. 
Because, I, I mean, he, that's a prestigious job. That's that would, not one of those, like, Indiana, and I hate to be mean to Indiana Because he'd love to go to Indiana because he's home, but this is different. That is a perennial, This like, is, like, a best top recruits. five job. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, I don't think Indiana is, like, the job everyone thinks it is, or at least the Hoosier fans think it is, just because they've been so, I don't want to say irrelevant, but they kind of have. UNC is, like, like you said, like, what? UNC, Duke, Kansas, Kentucky? Those are the top four jobs. Yes, that Absolutely. Uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable to to talk about the fact that Brad Stevens maybe even thinking about leaving, but um, yeah, it's just been that kind of a year. And you know what? You, you, sometimes you got to. I, I wonder. I, I, and this is all speculation and stuff. I wonder what the relationship would be like with you know working for someone like Danny Ainge. You, it would probably be a little bit frustrating sometimes because I, I wonder if, as you know, as Boston fans, there have probably been a few times here or there where they felt like. They could have had the opportunity to go all in with some of the assets that they've had and made a move to bring somebody else in. And it seems like, for whatever reason, those moves haven't ever worked out. And the guys they did bring in, Kyrie, Kemba, Horford, Hayward, they never really worked out. And there's there's this like uh, buzz. And obviously, you know, I'm a Laker fan. I'm not a Celtic fan, but there's a buzz. And, and it started, you know, I think around the time of Isaiah Thomas with what they did to him and. And then what what has sort of happened afterwards with with um you know when they traded him after he played you know through injury for them and you know Anthony Davis's dad was very vocal about him not wanting to go to Boston. There's just not a really good vibe I think right now about people wanting to go play there. I think with Ainge, Ainge strikes me as a stubborn guy. He just believes in his guys, and I think these are my guys. This is what I have. This is what I saw. This is what we're rolling with. I mean, with how many trade assets they have. Yeah. For them not to do anything is just astronomical to me. And you brought up a good point. You mentioned his name, Gordon Hayward. You look at the Hornets. We can all agree the Hornets are probably the story of the NBA. Yep. They're vastly overachieving. And you have the Celtics team, which is vastly underachieving. I mean, is that Gordon Hayward? Is he that big of a locker room presence? I thought him leaving Tatum was going to elevate and be the guy. I mean, every, everyone's playing bad on the Celtics. Everyone's playing better on the Hornets. Maybe Hayward's a bigger glue guy than everyone thought he was. Yep. The Raptors um, didn't end up getting rid of Kyle Lowry. It looked like there were going to be a lot of places where he ended, he could have gone. But I think the key was, you know, I, I think if he would have made if he was like a guy that made around twenty million, it would he would have been gone. The thirty million was really hard for some of these teams to match. Like for the reason that I was saying, a team like the Lakers, a team like Philly. Any of the teams that were looking to bring in Lowry for this year were, I think, contending teams that thought he could help push them over the top. But the price they were going to have to pay for him was going to be like multiple rotation players off of a team that's been pretty good. And it's hard to, you know, you have to weigh, can you do that with 25 games left, try to bring someone in? Get rid of a lot of players that were playing big minutes for you. How much? I think that's the reason why he ended up not going anywhere. I mean, hindsight being twenty twenty, they probably should have traded for anything they could got because I mean yep. he's out now. They're not going anywhere, and I admit it, I was wrong in this team. I thought Me this too. team was going to like take that like maybe playing in Tampa wasn't going to be that big of a deal. But I I found out this week they don't even have a place to practice. They're practicing in a freaking conference room. Like that's where they have their practice, which is that. astronomical. And just think so, about that compared to I mean, what other people are dealing with. They haven't been home at, at all. I didn't think the bigs were going to hurt them that much. I thought they'd still be okay. Um, but yeah, Bynes and Lynn have been awful. I just, mean, like losing all those bigs were 
awful. And the fact like they traded Norman Powell just tells me they just completely given up on the season because he's been their best their best player, like oh, from yeah. top to bottom. I mean, the fact they gave him up tells me they're just out of it. And that I read somewhere the NBA is supposed to compensate them for playing the year in Tampa or in Orlando. How are they going to do that? I mean, that just were they, they going to give him an extra first round pick? I, I know I, you can't. I mean, this has fair. been a completely yeah, like just... wasted season. And then I'm. I talked to my buddy, and he told me that um, the uh, Siakam nurse altercation was legit heated. Bad. They had to be separated. Bad. I, I heard it was I bad. Heard, yeah, I heard it was, like, insanely bad. And hindsight being 2020, they maxed that guy out. I mean, it wouldn't and surprise me if they try, they try to move him because he hasn't taken that step no. up. And this all. is a weak East. Again, like, for teams like Boston and Toronto, the fact that they're not playing well – in this version of the East Where there's really only been A couple of good teams Even Brooklyn, they've been banged up a lot of the year They haven't been full So it's it's been really disappointing For, for the two teams that we just talked about For uh, the Celtics And then for the Raptors Because this would have been a prime year For, for either of those teams To be right in the mix For a, like, you know, a top three seed And top three, four seed And to, to be you know, a, a very good, good team because the bottom of the East is so bad. They just, they've not, both of these teams have struggled all year long. I uh, mean, you're looking at the playoffs right now. I mean, you have, this would be the first round of the East. You have Philly against Miami, Brooklyn against the Celtics. I mean, those, like, I mean, first round, like who had that? You know what I mean? Like, and that's even if Boston and Miami right now would be in the play-in with the Pacers and the Bulls. So, I mean, it's, it's realistic that the Celtics and Heat Right now, because whoever this, I, what is it, seven and eight play each other, and the loser plays the winner of the nine ten for the play. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like one of those teams theoretically could not miss out on the play-in. So I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, the Heat have had their COVID issues, and I think are getting a little. I don't want to say tired, but like because of the long season they had, they just weren't used to it. Um, my buddy who's an executive, he told me that the reason why many teams didn't go after Butler is the history of players that played for Thibodeau over 30, their bodies just break down because they have so many miles on them. And that's and then you add in the fact that he had that quick turnaround from last year where he had to carry that team deep into the playoffs. They got banged up. He was just like, he could barely walk a couple of those games after playing the Lakers. He would just leave every ounce of everything he had out on the court. Um, yeah. I just very disappointing for those, uh, the Celts and the, and the Raptors. JJ Redick was not happy uh, in uh, in New Orleans. There, it seemed like that that was just a, a bad situation. Do you think uh, you know him now showing up in Dallas? Is, is he going to help them? And uh, let's talk a little bit about JJ. He's legitimately pissed because I guess he talked to Griffin, and Griffin told him, "Hey, we're going to buy you out, and you can go wherever." And he wanted to go to Brooklyn. And the one thing that was weird to me when he was a free agent, he initially wanted to go to Brooklyn from Philly, but Brooklyn was like, hey, you're going to play behind Joe Harris. And he didn't want to do that. He thought he was better than Joe Harris. And that's why he initially didn't sign in Brooklyn and he went to the Pelican. But then now he wants to go there and play behind Harris. I mean, that's just a ring chase in my eyes. He's shooting what, 36% from three, only average at eight points. He's another guy. He's just not what he used to be. And the fact that the Pelicans were able to get anything for him, I think they were silly not to make the trade. And he's making Dallas sound like Dallas. If I had to play for an NBA owner, Mark Cuban would probably be at the top of the list. 
Yeah. And, and you got Luca that will drive, will give you some open looks. Even when Luca's out, Jalen Brunson has shown he can carry the team and give other people open looks for that 10 minutes a game. So it's not like he went to a bad place. I think he's just bitter because he's not control he's not going to get that ring at yep. the end of the day. That's what he wants. So I think yep. that's why he's like so upset. But I mean, the end of the day, NBA is a business. You have an asset that you didn't think you're going to be able to get anything for, and you got something for like, why wouldn't you? Make- he is still a little banged up too. And you know, he's got a heel injury. It's going to take him a little while to get back on the court. And then he's going to have to get with the new team. So um, yeah, it's weird. It's like, it's weird. It's a weird time to, to he, he's pissed, but it was a weird time to be like, so vocal. He just, you know, he has a like podcast and um, um, you know, lots of a, a lot of a platform where he can uh, share what he, what he wants. But yeah, we'll see. There were, you know, between him uh, and what we saw with, I don't know if any of these guys are even, like you said, are legitimately going to be able to help any of their teams. But Aldridge, Griffin, JJ, and uh, Drummond are some pretty big names for a buyout market. You know, oh, insane. And you, you kind of got you look where they go. Drummond went to the team that needed him the most. Yep. I mean, and then you look where Blake went and where um, Lamarcus went. In my eyes, those guys are just ring chasing. Lamar said he feels like he can help the Nets defense. I'm like, dude, like I've watched in San Antonio, you've done nothing. Um, Boogie just signed with the uh, Clippers, was it? I think they're about to sign him. Yeah, the, yeah, is that right. So, I mean, or something. Yeah, I mean that that could be interesting. I think Boogie, I think Boogie could be better helping a team than Alteridge and Blake will. Yes, just I agree. Because I think Boogie will accept. Hey, I'm playing ten minutes a game. I'll give you 10 rebounds, eight points, four, like three assists. I'll try to stretch the court, shoot a three if I have to, you know, make, can make a couple open threes if need be. Yeah. Um, he's been in situations before now where he's taken a lesser role and, and he can help you win a game. Just like, like you were saying, he, he did it for the, the Warriors a couple years ago where they were actually depending on him a little bit too much because they had so many injuries there, but he can help you win a game or, or help you kind of like swing a game. Um, here and there, he's just one of those guys that you don't really want to count on all the time. But but I I agree. I think he I would prefer him over the probably the two guys that that went to uh that went to Brooklyn. Oh, for sure, for sure. It's gonna be interesting too. Like like Drummond is the one guy. Like I mean, I've watched him so much when he played for the Pistons. I have zero faith in him. I hate to say, but if he just accepts, hey, I'm Clint Capella. I'm gonna do pick and rolls. I'm gonna dive. Don't filter the offense for me. I will get rebounds. I'll get like you know what I mean. I'll be the rim protector. Then it'll be fine. I just don't know if he's gonna buy into that because I think he he's he's himself. saying the right things. You know, like when he's come in so far, he's said I'm gonna do what they need. I'm gonna play defense. I'm gonna do that. And so it's just the the problem for him is that we're not gonna get a lot of time to see him with LeBron, and that's where he was gonna, he will be the most successful. Just like we said, as we'll talk a little about the Lakers before, as we finish up here with the with the NBA, um, they are currently in the fourth spot right now. They are only a, a half of a game, and they're actually tied in the loss column with both the I think the Nuggets and the Blazers. Nuggets are playing right now. Um, they're only a few games ahead of uh, you know the the the, the bottom of the in the loss column, the bottom of the West, but they do have a, a few more games built in. They didn't have a, a, like, they haven't missed any games or hadn't have had any canceled, which has been a, a positive for them. They got a road trip coming up. That's a, a little bit difficult. And um, so I guess, you know, the Drummond shouldn't miss too much, but they need to win against the like first three coming up. They got the Kings, you know, they have to beat the Kings. You know? Oh, for sure. But you look at that stretch, they go, he, 
Nets, Knicks, Hornets. I mean, that's yeah. a brutal, brutal stretch. I mean, what is it? That's a uh, that's a five game stretch. Yep, I and mean, then bef- they got a stretch. game. Obviously, you know, against the Clippers too, that they'll probably have a tough time winning with this with this roster. They have to try to win those games against Sacramento and at Toronto. Um, but they could lose that game to Toronto. Then after that, even a game like they got back to back games against Utah and then back to back games against Dallas. You know, th- this is not an easy stretch for them. A lot of these games on the road. So um, as we One's said, four four or five weeks. I yeah, mean, I think they said. said I think they said four. Somebody, somebody got my dad today with an April Fools, and, and sent him a thing that said LeBron was done for the year, and and oh. he, he may never play again or whatever. And he sent me a thing. He's like, "Oh my gosh, you gotta call me. I think LeBron's really bad." And I said, "Wait, Dad, it's April Fools, though. You know, I'm getting a lot. Of, there's a lot of these things floating <laughs> a lot around." Of them floating around. <laughs> he said he looked and he's like, "Oh shit, you're right. It was <laughs> April Fools." Day. I was like, "Okay, but um, it that you know, it's it's what it will all come down to because." Uh, I, I've seen pictures of him in his uh, hyperbaric chamber, you know, and um, I, I think I I genuinely think if the playoffs started in like a week or two, he would be out there doing his best. But but what is that? You know, he needs a few more weeks. These guys ne- needed a little bit more time off in the season and they had the quick turnaround. And unfortunately, this is what happens sometimes. So it's a very, I think, a simple formula for the Lakers. If those two guys are not pretty close to healthy, they're not going to win. You know, like I think that it's it's simple. Um, and if LeBron is healthy and AD is pretty healthy, and they have everybody else, I mean, they got a puncher's chance. Um, I, I still don't know how much I trust a team like Utah yet in a playoff series, or a team like the Clippers yet, who had has had trouble closing games out still. So if they get there and they're healthy, they're going to be tough. But that's a big, big if right now, Eric. That's a huge if. And, like, right now they play the Blazers. I mean, Blazers with Powell, you know, year six coming back. And that's a tough little series. Nobody – and here's the thing about the Lakers, too. If if a team like – like a good team, let's say, like the Clippers or the Bucks or someone like that, went in and and was playing and, and had a road trip, but they were on that road trip like without Giannis and and Holiday or and, and Middleton, and they were playing like with a, a lackluster roster, some of the other teams might – Take them for granted and you might be able to sneak up On them that doesn't happen when the lake With the Lakers because everybody loves To beat the crap out of this team That they hate this team that's been good And has beat them for many years when they're good So and when anyone Can get a chance this happened when the Lakers Were bad a few years ago with all the kids You think any of the teams ever would take Their foot off the gas when they were up by 15 Hell no they beat those young Laker teams By 35 and I get it you know We're, we're like the heel a lot of the time The team that people loves to hate so you you're a Laker team that's not gonna gonna get away with a lot of easy games here going forward. I mean, they're gonna have their hands full. They're they're relying right now on Schroeder to carry the team. I did you yep. see the graphic? Um, the, whenever the, they played the, the Bucks, it was Giannis the, against Schroeder. Giannis Schroeder. Like, yeah. It I'm was like, so geez. funny. It was really funny. I, yeah, it was so. Um, I mean, the West is tough this year. I mean, you look at the West like from top to bottom. Like we've never really talked about the Suns. Suns are doing a great thing. You have the you have the, the Blazers, the Nuggets. I mean, Lucas finally snuck into the playoffs. You have this young Memphis with John Morant, who I think is I mean, they're obviously not there yet, but they're trending upwards. Yeah. I mean, the West is completely, you know, wide open and you got the Warriors who are probably gonna be in the playing game. So, you know, it it's 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 just a crazy it's a crazy year. I mean, this is 
it's wide open more than anyone thought it was going to be at the beginning of the season, which makes it great. And then on the flip side, could you imagine if you're a team like the Jazz, the the Suns, or the Clippers, you have a really really good year, and all of a sudden. With like a week or two left, the Lakers get get everybody back healthy. They start playing well, and you have to deal with the first round matchup against like a fully healthy LeBron and AD. That would I mean, be that'd be the, oh, brutal. that'd be brutal. That'd be <laughs> insanely brutal. <laughs> the four Suns who have waited to get in the playoffs for so long. Do you imagine if they're the two and the Lakers are like the seven there, and I it's mean, like oh crap, they're the, the Lakers are going to be favored. If if they come in healthy, they'll be favored over probably everyone. But you know, oh, for it, sure. the road, the home road stuff won't matter for them. It's just the what version of health will we have for them as a, uh, you know, Utah three games up in the West. Uh, so the West, Utah, Phoenix, the Clippers, the Lakers, Denver, Portland, and da- uh, Dallas, and the Spurs right now are your top eight. Over in the East, it's Brooklyn, Philly, the Bucks, Hornets, Miami, Knicks, the Hawks, and the Celtics make up the one through eights over there. Etoff two one sports. Eric, let everybody know what do you have coming up this week, and where can we follow you on social media? Um, I'm have a podcast called The Saturday. I'm gonna talk about the Watson situation, uh, who to replace Roy. You, how many massage therapists do you have? Um, I have never had a massage in my life. From oh, a so you don't? I was gonna say because so like, I, I got 19. Yeah. You know, at 30 is a little much. You know, so like in the teens is probably a right amount, a correct amount, right? <laughs> I mean, this whole like the whole Watson things is either this guy. Is the most effed up person in the world, or this is the biggest attempt of character assassination by uh, the owner of the Texans? It's the whole such thing, a polarizing situation. It really what, is. Like, whatever the truth is, and I'm sure eventually it's going to come out, is just it's going to blow my mind. And I would, and that I, if this is true, I am never going to be more disappointed in a person that I've never met before. He, than he I will is be with Watson. Sort of like held in that. Um, that class of like a few people nowadays, you know, it, it, almost like how Jeter kind of was, right? Like yeah. someone that you would have felt like, even if you're not a fan of them, if you found out they were caught up in a scandal, you probably would have been like, oh no, really? Like them, you know? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. This is if it's either, if, and it's another thing. It's like, wow, how was he able to? How was this able to stay quiet for so long? It's like just, yeah. normally, if you're an ass, it gets out, and everybody talks about him like he was. He's such a great guy. So something. This is a a very interesting topic to discuss because, yes, something bizarre is up in that situation. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things where it's just. And the thing is, is like the lawyer who's representing all these ladies used to be as a friend and used to be the neighbor of the owner of the Texans. There's just so many like like layers to it, and then there's like I don't even know. I don't. Then there's like these therapists who come out that say he's been nothing but professional. So I don't know. I'm going to go in and I'm going to give my two cents about that. Um, the women's final four. If you guys haven't been watching the men's basketball, it's been great. The Baylor-UConn game that was on last Monday, probably the best game behind the UCLA-Michigan game that I've seen for this March Madness. I'll give a little preview for the women's final because the women's final four is Friday, guys. So definitely watch that because there's no uh, no college on Friday. Um, so, yeah, I'll just be talking about that stuff. And, uh, oh, I made my return to dating apps this week, so I'll be uh, – <laughs> <laughs> Telling about the uh, lovely ladies I've matched with on the old bumper. 
There you go. Bumble there you Tinder, go. So. Bum- I I'll, awesome. I, I had one yeah. Bumble a few years back before, and I, it, it wasn't a bad situation before I ended up meeting uh, meeting Stephanie. So, oh, that's great. I can't wait. I'll have to tune in and hear uh, everything going on on the podcast there with Eric. Thank you so much, buddy. Uh, uh, a lot of people are probably going to have heard you talk some NCAA on this podcast, also. So they'll hear hear some uh, some double dose of Eric. So uh, they might get uh, more Eric in just a minute too. Thanks a lot, bud. Oh, no problem. Anytime. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering, multiple formats to view. You got the overview page with recent speed figures, current day's odds, easy access to expert selections and analysis. You got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse. And you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. Big thanks to Eric for helping us out with college and then with NBA. Lots of basketball here as we close out the Final Four and we start making our way to the NBA playoffs. We're going to make our way on over to horse racing and talk about Stable Duel. The schedule this weekend for Stable Duel is incredible. So on Friday, they have options at Gulfstream, Tampa, and Santa Anita. Multiple options at Gulfstream, multiple Santa Anita, and then at Keeneland opening day. They've got the Keeneland kickoff $75 contest, $7,500 in in cash prizes. Top three win free entry into the big Saturday bluegrass blowout contest. They have a feeder Friday contest. I'm going to explain that to you a little bit more. That's a $250 contest to enter. Then the big one on Saturday at Keeneland, the Bluegrass blowout, $150 to enter, $25,000 in prizes. They've got Gulfstream contests, Tampa, Santa Anita contests on Saturday. Then on Sunday, Gulfstream, Santa Anita, and a Golden Gate free ride. 
I was telling you about that Keeneland Feeder Friday contest for $250 entry fee. You could win free entry into the live on-track $400 fall challenge during the Keeneland October meet. So on Friday, April 2nd, Friday, April 9th, Friday, April 16th, and the 23rd, there will be opportunities to qualify to get into the live on-track fall challenge. Make sure to check out StableDuel.com for more specifics. I posted about it on social media if you follow me on Twitter. And StableDuel is also giving away free tickets to Keeneland. A race day experience at Keeneland, box seats, six box seat tickets, programs, and stable dual swag. All you have to do is go to the website and fill out the entry. Totally free to enter. doesn't cost you anything. Stable Duel, this Keeneland meet, they are going to be rocking and rolling. Uh, I can tell Bree is working hard. Beho, the whole crew over there. I look forward to uh, doing some real Stable Duel analysis coming up in the f- next few weeks. I'm going to do a lot more video stuff too, so we'll get some more uh, of those where we really go through some of the lineups for Keeneland races. Speaking of Keeneland, let's get on into Friday. I'm going to have to roll through these races uh, because we have so much. I won't be able to spend quite as much time as normal, but I'll still give you all the goods as we get to race number six. I'm going to play the late pick five Keeneland on Friday, get those past performances out for April the 2nd. You've got a really tough maiden special weight race here to kick off the late pick five. So this feels like a spread out race for me. I'm going to use the one Bahama Mischief. Uh, second off the bench, blinkers on inside. Stand by you, the first timer for Todd Beatty with Joel jumping aboard and some quick works at Penn. This horse is a little bit interesting to me. I'm going to use her. Shoshone Moon looks like the one to beat. I do think Saw Fordada with the uh, first time Lasix could improve here. I th- also thought Miner's Queen was a little bit interesting, showed a little tactical speed, and also is getting Lasix for the first time. And then you got Distorted Verb. I generally like horses with a little bit of experience at six and a half and seven furlongs. So one, two, three, four, six, eight for me to kick off that pick five. We move to the Palisades turf sprint. I like the four blameworthy who's going to be trying the grass for the first time. Uh, she's got uh, plenty of turf in the ped- uh, He's got plenty of turf in, in the pedigree. I just, I couldn't really single him. I thought about singling him, uh, but I will use a couple others in here. Uh, the two, Bodenheimer, who was only 8-1 to one in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. I think he's a very talented horse. The the nine or the 8, Fauci, who makes uh, a ton of sense in here. Very, very logical. Rustler is the a horse I'm a little intrigued by because it seems like there's a lot of horses with speed, but not necessarily a lot of horses that I think want to pass. That's sort of why I think Blameworthy might end up in a good spot. He's pretty quick, but he might be able to track just off a little bit um, cutting back. So I'll use the 4. Uh, Blameworthy on top. I've got the eight Fauci, uh, the six Rustler, and the two Bodenheimer. Two, four, six, eight for me in leg two of the pick five, le- uh, the first leg of the late pick four there. We move along to the grade three Beaumont. I respect my girl Red. I respect Slumber Party. I respect uh, 20 Care to the outside. I think all three of those horses are going to end up making it difficult on each other because of their speed. I'm going to use two in here. The three, Farsighted, and the four, Amalfi Princess. Farsighted has a monster win at Keeneland, and she should get a really nice trip. I like the fact that both the three and the four have a recent prep race under their belt. I think they should be fit and ready for this one. Amalfi Princess had a tough trip down on the inside on the grass. Now she gets back to the dirt. The three and the four for me in race number eight at Keeneland. Moving along to the ninth, the Transylvania. Uh, a couple horses that I'm looking at in here. The four fire at will, I think, is the horse that if you're looking to single someone, he's getting back to the turf. 
He's going to be close to or on the lead in a race that does not have a ton of pace. He's the most logical winner for me. And what's difficult about this race is you have three horses that are going to be short price and take a lot of money, and you probably don't want to use all three of them in a pick five or pick four situation. So if I had to, I would single the four fire at will. I stacked them four, six, one here, uh, Palazzi, if you were looking for some sort of a price to, to spice things up in any way, shape, or form. To close things out in race number 10 at Keeneland, I really like the one Queen Bourbon quite a bit. I might play some tickets where I single the one, but I will use one three nine uh, on my main uh, pick five ticket. Uh, the three and the nine are, are very logical. I don't really have to sell you on them. But the, the one, Queen Bourbon, was at Tampa first time out, debuted going long, which is never easy, was tracking inside five, six lengths off, and then moved right up into contention on the inside, was right behind the leaders, um, got some room inside, but things were really, really tight. She kind of got bumped around. I think she got discouraged a little by the, the really tight quarters down there. She angled around. She kept trying. I thought it was a good effort, and I think any improvement off of that would make her very, very tough in here. I'm going to use 139. I have them stacked 13945. So if you want to go a little bit deeper or if you can't afford to do so, uh, that's how I'll try to close out that pick five on opening day over at Keeneland. Best of luck. Let's continue along with the Friday racing action. We head over to Sam Houston. I'm going to jump to race number two because the opener is an Arabian race. Uh, in the second race, it's the start of your early pick four sequence. I like the four, Zipto, first off the claim for Broberg. The nine will actually be my top selection here, Larch, who had some excuses for uh, for some of the, the poor races. I think he got a bad ride on uh, the 21st, uh, uh, you, you go back to December, the third was in a little tough in February was in the slop in tough. So, you know, l- l- poor excuses leading all the way back to that November 21st race where I didn't love the ride. Now you get some class relief, got the nine on top of the four, two, three. If you want to go a little bit deeper, nine, four for me in race number two at Sam Houston in the third race, I have them stacked eight, six, to silver and gold toss the turf he gets a little pace to chase in here the six curlins capo looks like the one to beat and the two cha-ching bling uh, i think if you toss the last two in the slop you can find a pretty good effort three starts back that would be really competitive in a group like this eight six two underneath you want to go a little deeper the four cato fox i've chased a few times uh, he wouldn't be a shock but um he's probably going to be a shorter price than i would like um so Eight six two one in the third there at Sam Houston. Moving along to race number four, optional forties, non two on the year, five furlongs on the turf course, and I will start with the eight. Bob's bad boy, who's going to go third start off the bench. He's tactical. He's versatile. He was was just tracking, um, and, and he angled around. He got by JC's nightcap, but power end was able to duck to the inside, and it was a. It was a tough beat for Bob's bad boy, who ran really well that day. I have the eight over the one. You get two for one action with the entry uh, about our time and Topper T. Topper T, who comes in from Aqueduct off of a, a big win and will try the turf for the first time. The two JC's nightcap really, really quick. The inside draw concerns me a bit, but he's going to be going. The four grab the money underneath. You know, you can make a case for. And the five, another one, share the upside. It's like, I'm not sure what really to do with him, but at a short price, I don't need him. Let's go eight, one, two, four, you know, five underneath spots, but we'll try to play against him in some of the early pick fours and fives. 
in the fifth race, open maiden special weight, six and a half furlongs, the distance. I will use four horses in the exotics. The eight, Sheer Devil, if I had to pick one, it would be her. I think she is the quickest. She broke with the leaders last time out, but she was inside of a couple others, and she ended up getting shuffled back as they went on with it. She was in really tight. She moved through, but she just never got room. It was a pretty good effort, and if she's able to get the lead in here, she could be tough to run down. The seven, Content, who uh, completely missed the break from the rail and closed very, very well. I think she's going to improve with a little more real estate here. The one, Fashion Rage, that's the horse to beat from the inside. And the five, Van Haven, was a step slow. Made a big four-wide move up into contention. Eight, seven, one, five in race number five there. So early pick fours, that would be you know, something like four, nine with two, six, eight, with one, two, four, five, eight, with one, five, seven, eight at Sam Houston Friday. Some of those early races. And now we're going to move on to the late pick five on Friday with Andrew Champagne. We go race by race. We spend a lot more time going through the late sequence. Kick back and enjoy. We try to send some winners your way. Closing week at Sam Houston So as part of the Sam Houston send-off I had to take advantage of my good buddy Andrew Champagne This is the normal time when we'd be recording The uh, the old wrestling rewatch But our buddy DZ is uh, on family vacation So hope he's having a, a fun time Andrew, I, I thought that uh, We have a really cool Pick 5 sequence to talk about I, I think Sam Houston got some great Great races for their closing week it- It's been a very successful meet And it's, it's pretty cool because this this is a racetrack that um, you and I, you know, have played for a few years, but we've really seen grow now. And Chris Griffin, track announcer, who's going to be leaving, we'll talk about him in a second. He's done such a great job there. Uh, it's it's a really good way for them to end their meet, and we have a strong pick five to discuss. This is a really fun sequence, and it's been a really fun meet at Sam Houston. Shout out to everybody down in the Lone Star State. This is a track that has made significant advancements in the past couple of years. That 12% takeout really is a game changer. And I am not as much of a takeout snob as somebody else is in this segment. But anyway, 12% takeout on multi-race exotics wagers is really, really tough to beat. And it winds up putting a lot of money back into the pockets of betters. And that's a good thing for everybody. They have hit on a winning formula down there. The quality of racing has improved considerably. You get some really good horses. And you get some really big purses for this time of year, too. Some really, really rich races going to be run on Friday. And this late pick five sequence is far from a cakewalk. Yeah, and it's funny, like you said, they, they check so many boxes You got the takeout, low takeout, good for the, the betters there They got the purse influx uh, in the state of Texas the last couple of years And they put it right back into um, you know, their Texas bred races and, and a lot of the purse structures And then because the betters were, were uh, really you know, supporting the product early on in the meet They were able to get a couple different purse bumps And then what ends up happening are things like They've got much bigger of a social media presence than ever before. They were able to bring in, you know, more handicappers and do more stuff on social media, more videos, things like that. They were able to expand that. Uh, in the last couple of years, they expanded their um, their coverage in general with the uh, like a, a, just a better HD product. So it's just so many of the things that are. Not rocket science, really, Andrew. You know, like you and I went through what was it your hundred point plan? To save, uh, 50. it was 50. 50. I, I, I have to give you double the credit, you know. I so. appreciate <laughs> that. Thank you. And you know yeah. what? 
one of them actually did come to pass. It just wasn't the one that we all thought it was going to be. Gulfstream Park is running races <laughs> at the listed post time. If you had asked me which one of the 50 was least likely to happen, it would be that one. So uh, Andrew is going to help me out with the late pick five for Friday So we're looking at Friday, April the 2nd Get your past performances out This is the second to last day of the meet So uh, remember, make sure to check out the Saturday card After you've played a lot of the big stakes races around the country Then settle in at Sam Houston Because they will have three stakes races themselves Open stakes races also um, on Saturday night On a really good card there So let's make that money on Friday So we got plenty for the big Saturday all around the country um, Andrew, just the quality you, you know, you'll get a quantity Sometimes, and at Sam Houston's a track That, like we said, the the quality of, of Racing has improved, but There is such a quality um, This weekend in particular, along with The quantity, you get great betting races You get big fields, and you get uh, You know, feels like this first one, it's the first level Allowance race, the, there's some nice Horses in here, they're going to be going five furlongs On the turf course, who are some that you look to start? Who's going to go favored in this race? Some look right. at the morning line. The morning line favorite is for Reef's sake, four to one. And I think for Reef's sake is logical, but that tells you this is going to be a really good betting race and you're going to get a price on whatever horse you like. I like Quinella in here at a little sure. bit of a price, 10 to one on the morning line. This is a horse that got claimed for $5,000 three starts ago, was third beaten a length at that level was claimed by a barn that does not run many horses. Well, they run this horse back going a mile and a 16th. It's too far, but they may have discovered that this horse is a turf horse. They cut her back going one turn. She runs really well last time out, being second beaten just a half length and was flying late at a really big price. Yeah, she middle moved in that that five furlong, or in the, uh, in the, the race going longer too, you know? So she, she, it wasn't like she was just, Hopelessly beaten and just ran around the racetrack There was some some method to the madness Right they they tried going longer it didn't work And then you cut back yeah exactly And the cutback she may well have been The best horse that day it's wide going For home so this is a case where I think Quinella certainly has a shot At 10 to 1 on the morning line If I was putting together a pick 5 ticket And you know what let's do that let's put together A pick (laughs) 5 ticket for Friday (laughs) night I'm going 5 D in here I'd use for Reef's sake I'll use number three, Hello Bubbles, even though it doesn't appear as though there was this for the clunker last time out. I will also use number nine, Ignis, who seems to run pretty much the same race every time out. Certainly has at least the last couple. And I got to tell you, if you like Ignis at all, you sort of have to like Quinella because Quinella beat Ignis last time out. The yeah, wild and card in a here, better I price. Think, yeah, the wild card in here, I think, though, is number 11, Lee's Princess, who hasn't run in a couple of months, draws a Far outside post, which could be either a very good or a very bad thing, comes off of that layoff in her first start for a 24% barn, have to throw her in, hasn't won in a while. If any horse is going to come down from their morning line price, it's probably that one. She's a defensive use for me. She could win, but I certainly don't think she towers over the field for sure. We have a lot of similarities in here. I'm probably oh, also no. Yeah, so we're in some trouble. We might be knocked out of the pick five and into Gino. pick four. We might be into the pick four quickly because uh I also have uh combinations of five that I'll probably be using on different tickets to start. And we've got four uh four similarities for Reef's sake. Hello Bubbles. I you know it's funny, I completely agree with you. I loved her 
last time after she was so impressive two starts back and she was just a little bit flat. I'll kind of give her somewhat of a pass because she was just sort of chasing a lone speed situation or a horse who kind of won the battle of the speeds and, and wasn't passed there. So um, I'll give her a, a shot back here. I will also use the four who you mentioned, Quinella. You uh, you told the the reason the great reasons why. Um, I'll be using the eleven who you mentioned. The other one I'll throw in is the seven Moon of Love. I kind of treat it as a wild card uh, for Stidham. This one has I think had some issues recently. And you know, obviously, you see the layoff lines hasn't really been able to put a couple starts together. But I do think that if she were to show up with one of her better efforts, that would definitely be good enough to compete with these. And and you know, she might offer you a very nice price with a very live rider who does a great job of getting aggressive and putting horses in a really good spot. So she's kind of just got the running style where she might just be able to fall into a good spot. And if she's better than she's been in in, in her last couple, then that might be good enough to uh to uh, have a slice or uh, have a say in here, get a slice in here. In what's a great, great race to start the pick five as far as quality and as far as like you know we're both going five deep in here using a lot of the same but uh, we we've you know out of the five I've got a couple double digit horses you've got one and, and cases for um, you know many in this race it's a great way to start yeah I completely agree it's a fantastic race to start the sequence and. If Moon of Love runs to the promise that she showed earlier in her career, she's certainly got a shot. This is a horse whose prior connections saw fit to run her in a group one at Newmarket. And now she's running in a five furlong term sprint at Sam Houston and is going to be double digit odds. There's stuff to like, and you don't need to be, you know, arm twisted too much in order to find reasons to bet on pretty much anybody in this field because everyone's going to be a square price. A lot of fun. We move to the seventh race. How about this one? It's an optional fifty non-two for with a fifty thousand dollar purse here. Yeah, Sam Houston. They're going five and a half furlongs, and that's why you see these fields just uh bulking up at the end of the meet. There, there are ten horses in this group. I mean, you look towards the inside. You've got the truth is the truth. You've got Fashion Moon, Mid Year, Lovely Ride. You can make legitimate strong cases for all of them. Proofs in the pudding. Only one by you know almost eight in uh, in her debut. At uh, Redoso, Tis Magic is really, really fast. You've got the, the three towards the outside, War Falcon and Blame It On Mamie, who both come off of uh, fine efforts last time out behind a really sharp horse named Dr. Francis. And then on the outside, I don't think someone said so, will be 30 to 1 with uh, Ray Lu jumping aboard, coming back from Oaklawn. And he was, you know, third at a similar level a couple starts back. This is another race, Andrew, that is uh, really fun on paper. It is. My best bet of the day runs here. I think Lovely Ride is absolutely the horse to beat. Gino, can you find me a closer in this race that's done anything on dirt? Because mm. I got nothing. Um, and the more I look, the more I think Lovely Ride is going to sit a lovely trip just off the pace. I think Lovely Ride is going to get that catbird seat trip two or three lengths off the speed. I think they're going to be going very, very fast early. And that Lovely Ride who hasn't shown an ability to pass horses in some form or fashion, is going to get the opportunity to do that here. I really liked her effort last time out off of a long layoff. She earned a 75 buyer speed figure in beating Maiden. That day's third place finisher has since come back to win. I think she could potentially be a pretty nice horse for Brett Calhoun, who's had some rough luck at the meeting. Yeah. He's seven for 85. A lot of trouble 20, trips, too. And just like second place yeah, finishes. Really My unlucky. Goodness. Yeah. Yeah. That's just brutal. He's a better trainer than that. And I think he gets this one home. Lovely ride for me playing an economical pick five ticket is a single. 
I think Lovely Ride is sitting on a pretty big race second off the bench. Calhoun hits at a pretty high clip with those horses. I love the workout two works back going four furlongs at 49 and one. That's a serious work for Sam Houston. I think she's absolutely the one to beat. Uh, well, I will be using Lovely Ride. I do think it's a little more wide open than you. I'll probably be using three horses in here. My my only concern with um with just singling Lovely Ride is that Tis Magic is really really fast. She's not she's not quite um that uh consistent, and obviously she's got the, like the one sort of big number, and then other than that, she's you know a horse who sort of runs. Number speed figures in like the mid 50s Or so but she is really really quick I think the six is also pretty Quick I'm not really sure how quick coming in from Rideau so so I'm a little Worried that with those two maybe even a horse Like blame it on Mamie who is cutting back but Has actually also showed some sprint speed I'm a little worried that lovely Ride might get pushed now I don't know if she's A need the lead type and I don't I don't think she Is with the way she won she was kind Of a step slow and she sort of just kind of rushed Up and was handled just like she was the best Horse there so I won't be trying to Beat her or playing against her but I'm Going to use two others in here uh, the three Fashion moon I actually like some Of the races that she's coming out of and I think she might have the, the right kind of running Style in here where she's got enough positional Speed to keep her in a good spot And she's got a little bit of finish here You I believe liked canoodling uh, Earlier in the canoodling. meet and- there we go, right? <laughs> you uh, and she came out of that canoodling race. She actually ran really well, and she's had a very nice meet at Sam Houston. She has not done really anything wrong in her three starts. I think this race is probably a little bit tougher than some of the races that she comes out of. But she was in a really tight spot in between horses early. She kind of got kind of pinned inside. Uh, once she got through, she actually ran well. She was a little bit flat late. I think she kind of you know used up some of her her best run when she was just kind of waiting, 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 and now she gets a cutback. So she maybe has a little bit more punch late I'll throw her in And then for me the total wild card in the race is the four Trying to dirt for the first time mid-year Who in the career debut was behind uh, Toby's Hart Who was a turf stakes winner at Saratoga And then in career start number two Mid-year was very impressive Beating three next out maiden special winners on the grass And the dam of this one was a stakes winner on the dirt She has produced eight fulls to race besides mid-year Seven of them won on the dirt Including a multiple graded stakes winner Named Yearly Report Um, I thought the win was just super impressive Visually too So if we do end up needing to find a closer And she can take to the dirt at all And if she's in the 10 to 1-ish range I'll throw a couple prices in Along with Lovely Ride Who I absolutely need Um, There are some fun under horses in here too Some of the ones I mentioned like Tis Magic at a price you know will give you some speed Maybe she can hang on Uh, Proofs in the pudding who the heck knows what you'll get You're going to get with her Um, And then you know even like someone said so What's wrong with those first two races And and maybe just ran into a little too tough a company over at Oaklawn A like really solid race in here And I think you're right uh, with the lovely ride Probably having the most upside to be the best horse But if she gets a she gets some company up front Maybe I can uh, I can sniff out a little price To uh, to uh, come along and, and pick things up I can't fault the logic there From a ticket construction standpoint I've got a $30 ticket I needed to single somewhere sure. yeah. These are hard races to handicap they are. And you're going to need to take a stand somewhere I went with the single here Because I loved Lovely Rides last race You mentioned Fashion Moon I would probably pick Fashion second Fun fact Every handicapper has a couple of jockeys that they just never win with. Jason Beam did the the How I Root video and goes, this guy, I can never win this guy. At Sam Houston, it's Goncalves. Goncalves is a 21% rider enjoying a stellar meet. When I bet him, 
79 percent no when i bet he's one percent all of his other wins when i'm either against him or not playing so he's he's enjoying a really strong meet and he's got a shot in here i just prefer others i think lovely ride might be sitting on a big one she's bred to be a really nice horse by candy ride out of it is now mayor and any improvement out of the last out race would make her very tough the eighth race is a Non-three allowance, $51,000 purse here They're going to be going a mile on the main track So um, where are you looking to start? Okay, so we have a field of eight in here Number seven, Pit Boss, is your likely favorite And I'm using him simply because he's been running up against stakes quality horses His last two starts at fairgrounds He ran into Ollie, my boy He ran into Cowboy Diplomacy and Sir Alfred James Those are just far better horses than what he's going to line up against here I've got to use him. He's not my top pick, though. I prefer number two alternate time, whose record looks a lot better if you toss the springboard mile, where he was just in way over his head back in 2019. He ran pretty well last time out. His first start in almost a year was beaten just a neck that day. Gets wheeled right back by a very competent barn. Eichelberry sees fit to ride back. He's listed as a first-time gelding. I'm not entirely sure I buy that. I think that might have been a first-time gelding last time out, and it was reported as a gelding here. Having said that, though, any improvement off of that race I think makes alternate time a player here. I'm going too deep in here, two seventh. Yeah, this is a race where I might play uh, on one ticket. I might actually just single uh, alternate time, try to get a little bit of separation here. Because while and and I'll play another ticket, like you said, I respect Pit Boss quite a bit. And he very easily could just be better than this group But I do think alternate time has the opportunity To kind of sneak away from this field Drawn down towards the inside Next to him, doesn't feel like Flexati is quite as quick And if Pit Boss towards the outside Tries to take more of like a tracking tactics there How about the alliteration by me yeah. there? <laughs> and, uh, then, then maybe alternate time can sneak away uh, the other horse I would Or maybe the other two that I would look to use In some form of exotics Depending on how you're playing out there um, I had two eight seven five, Kind of how I had him stacked in here The 8 is a little interesting to me too Pepper Pike uh, he was traveling well along the inside last time out And you can see it with his running line It's kind of weird He just he had absolutely nowhere to go Kind of sneaky traffic He had to back out of it He ended up losing like a length or two Then he had to angle around And now he's going to go third start of the form cycle He's drawn well towards the outside Where he can maybe just sit a little bit And stay out of some traffic He might be interesting And then Backshot who is um, cross Entered and we'll see if he ends up running On Wednesday you and I are recording this uh, Early so if Backshot Is scratched he won't be in here if he doesn't End up running on, on Wednesday with the blinkers coming Off you know he is just coming out of a couple Races at Oaklawn that are against better You look back to you know the, the effort At Keeneland um, and you you wonder he he's the type of horse who can jump up and be competitive with a, a good enough effort. So definitely would be an underneath horse at least for me in here. But probably on one ticket, AC. I'll be singling the two, so we're in some trouble. Yeah, yeah, we're agreeing <laughs> way too much. But yeah. I'm gonna correct matters here and go completely off the rails. If you're looking for an underneath horse and you want to get crazy, what the heck do we do with Jungle Runner? Right. Look at this horse's running lines. This right. was a stakes winner at two. They saw fit to run him in both the Arkansas Derby and the Belmont last year. We don't see him again until Oaklawn, and he doesn't run a jump in that race. He comes in, Asmussen trains him, couple of nice workouts, but what do you do yeah. with a horse that didn't beat anybody last time out, was dead last in the Belmont, 
was 22 and a half months behind Charlatan and hasn't won since November of 2019. Uh, this, to me, was the most confounding thing. The one thing I will tell you is, and for as much as I respect morning line makers, I got to say this, I can't see him being 20 to 1. I just no, can't see an Asmussen say, runner being 20 to 1. I was going to say, if if you look up in, and this is the eighth race, the start of a, like a late pick three, and if you're playing a pick four, pick five, or you got those alive, or maybe you got knocked out, and you look up and you're playing this race individually, and if Jungle Runner is double digit odds if he's 10 to 1 even if he's even half of his morning line i think you you have to play some sort of a pick 3 and throw him on your tickets and play or play some sort of um something and throw him in the mix because maybe you can't afford to quite do so to start off on your pick 5 if you're you know however your budget is but if you're looking if you end up looking up and he is around 10 to 1 or so he's worth trying to to get onto a ticket some way shape or form because he no doubt has the ability to win this kind of a race i mean they kept trying him too against you know tough company and you could make a couple excuses in spots that he was but i mean we're talking he's charlatan and tis the law who he's running against you know what i mean like like this is just you know not if he has even like half of some of the ability they thought he did and he shows up in here feeling good at double digits you got to throw him in i'm glad you mentioned him uh to andrew in the in this eighth race so the uh Ninth race, we've got a maiden $25,000 claimer. They're going five furlongs on the turf in here. So not quite the uh, the quality, but we've got a field of 10, a field of 12, excuse me, 13 with a, a main track only in here. So we're going to have a, a massive field sprinting five furlongs on the turf of maiden claimers. Nothing crazy could ever possibly happen in a race like this. No, not at all <laughs> whatsoever. I'm going to make another bold prediction here. Number three, San Giovasi will not be fifteen to one. No, that yeah, uh, yeah. But just, yeah, just, uh, just on the Broberg first off the claim. Yeah, and you look first back time at the three Broberg turf races. Is, yeah, yeah. First time Broberg is one of the most powerful barn switches in the game. Ryan Eichelberry gets the mount, and this is a horse that going back to turf. Yes, it was at Lone Star, and Lone Star and Sam Houston's turf courses aren't always simpatico. Anything close to those Lone Star races, and I think San Giovasi is a likely winner. So I have to use San Giovasi in here and is my top pick. Number nine, Oso Prieto, I really hope I'm saying that right, has shown a lot of early speed. The blinkers go on. Logical morning line favorite. I wouldn't be surprised if that horse won. I'm using that one. And I'll also take a little bit of a shot. With number seven, Bandy's Map, who tries turf for the first time. He's got a 291 turf Tomlinson number. That is very good. Asmussen going first time turf. Stuart Elliott sees fit to ride. And the faster they go early, the better his chances figure to be. This is a horse that has shown some ability to close. Drops down in class. Eight to one. Maybe we get that price. And I think maybe that's one that comes running late if the race completely falls apart. I do think you need to spread a little bit in here. Yeah. And there's another horse that I think you need to, at the very least, ask yourself a couple questions about. If you were the person who signed the ticket for number 11 Outer Banks at the Keeneland September wow. ruling no, sale that was, in 2018, yeah. Yeah. you spent $700,000 on that horse. And you're in He's, for 25 and you didn't even get a run. Anywhere no. else, not even one shot somewhere else. And you look at the pedigree and it makes sense. You buy Empire Maker out of a Johannesburg mare. The horse probably previewed lights out, but got gelded in May of last year. There has to be some story 
with this horse. And I may well have to hit up Chris Griffin to see what the story is with yeah. this horse. The workouts are not bad. I, I know there's surprised. a couple that are actually pretty yeah. good. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if this horse is a runner. The thing that scares me a little bit is this is a barn that is 0 for 19 with first-time starters. And when you see Empire Maker on top, five furlongs is usually not the goal. Having no. said that, I took a look at this horse showing up and went, wait, what? Yeah. And and the key with a horse like this, too, is, right, like, I would never, ever tell someone, oh, here's a great handicapping angle, a $700,000 horse showing up for Maiden 25, right? So, but... The key to any angle in any you know situation like this is if this horse is over five to one, he's worth using in some spots because there's no doubt ability there, and there's obviously issues and obviously a story. But does that mean this this horse still couldn't be good enough to win this race against maiden twenty five claimers here at Sam Houston? Absolutely. So I think same sort of thing with Outer Banks. Like if you're if you're looking at the ninth race and you're watching this and you see Outer Banks up there at around five to one, if you see San Giovanni at anything over, you know, seven to two, I, I would probably be surprised also there too. I think that one's probably just a, a little bit of a miss. Um, and uh, you, you know, you, you mentioned San Giovanni you need to use. You mentioned the nine Oso Prieto who you need to use. A couple that uh, you didn't that I will uh, give a little love to. I think uh, the twelve. Is going to get a, a sizable jock upgrade here with Lindy Wade jumping aboard, and we're going to get a horse who's uh, going to go as a first-time gelding. Um, we'll see. I think so. They gelded this horse. It looked like right after his last race. So I think you get a big jock upgrade. He was just sort of a little, like a little one-paced late. It really was not a bad effort though for a first-time starter. I, the, the post does concern me. Does scare me. He will yeah. have to work out a trip from there. So um, that's obviously an issue. And then I, I just have major question marks and. Um, what what do I do with the horse like the five? I think synthetic Joe would would be very capable. Um, you know, with the with the five, like his effort at Golden Gate going long last time out was good, and he's run well sprinting on the synthetic. So I'm not really worried about him sprinting. I'm just worried about him giving us the best effort that he possibly could right now when we haven't seen him run since June of of 2020. Yeah, that was what scared me off of him as well. I could have gone Mm -hmm. significantly deeper in this race, but ultimately just decided to go three deep in here. You mentioned Viatorum. This is a horse that finished three lengths behind also Prieto last time out. Goes second time out for Dallas. His runners tend to need a race or two to get going. Class drop for sure. Rider upgrade for sure. The post is what scared me off of him. And with regard to horse number five in the program, Synthetic Joe, for me it was just the layoff and also the fact that I just think the horse is a bit more one-paced and may want a little bit more ground than the five furlongs that he gets here. I thought the race he ran last time out going two turns at Golden Gate was pretty darn good. I mean, this was a horse that had a little bit of run and just got stuck behind a front runner that coasted on an easy lead. So Synthetic Joe, to me, may be a horse you want to throw into your stable mail. And if he comes back going a two-turn mile, that, I think, is when you unload on him because this is a horse that absolutely has the talent to win at this level. I just think he needs to start. We head to the 10th and final on the Friday night card. We've got Texas bred maidens, fillies and mares, four and five years old. They're going to be going six furlongs in here. And uh, another instance where you just look at the, uh, the way the morning lines are set. You've got a seven to two entry. You've got a three to one airline drive. You got a uh, Kylie's two socks who was listed at nine to two. You got miss Cameron Carmen, who I think is probably, Going to be bet down a little bit off that six to one morning line, but the the money is likely going to be spread in here. It's a Texas bred maiden special weight for the fifty thousand dollar purse here. So, uh, who are some that you need to try to close this thing out, Andrew? 
I'll start with a couple of horses that I want no part of. I don't like the entry in here. I didn't think Pixie was all that well I don't need him either. first time out. Yeah. And I don't need Classy Bling, who is 0 for 12. The last out effort was fine, but you start getting up to 0 for 10. I start thinking about, okay, do I really want you at a short price? And in this instance, I don't. I think the entry may well go favored just because of strength and numbers, but I prefer others in here. I'm also not going to use airline drive. This is a horse that's 0 for 9 with 3 seconds and 4 thirds. And this is a horse that has been bet pretty much every single time out. It's not like she was bad last time out. But if you like airline drive, you have to love Miss Carmen who beat her that day despite being very ranked going into the gate and probably needing this horse's first out effort. I think Miss Carmen takes a step forward. I think she's the most likely winner. I unfortunately agree with you that we're not getting six to one, but seven to two, four to one, I yeah. still think would be fair. I'll yeah. also use number two, Kylie Zusox, whose first out effort wasn't bad. That day's second place finisher has since come back to win. If there's a concern here, it's that I'm not crazy about inexperienced closers drawing the rail, but I do think there's a chance Kylie's two socks drops out and makes one run circling the field. And it's not like she'd have to be a whole heck of a lot in order to be. So for me, I'm 2D using horses two and nine. The nine would probably be my top pick in here. And if I was going to use another one, I'd get a little bit nuts with number 11, David's dream girl coming back to dirt. That effort two back was not terrible. Gets a five pound bug and maybe David's dream girl clunks up finishes in the money and lights up an exact or a trifecta to end the day. Yep. The nine uh, must use Miss Corman. I'll probably, uh, I mentioned the two um, alternate time as a possible single for me earlier. This might be another possible single on a ticket trying to, to get here. Maybe I can uh, give myself a lot of opportunities to try to stay alive here and play one where I have Miss Carmen, who she was really good in that turf debut. She was a step slow. She settled fourth. She was in between horses. Then she gets shuffled inside. She moves in between three wide up to challenge. She got to, uh, got to within a length, but she was just a clear cut second chasing sweet Linda. It was a very nice separate that day and now she's going to try the dirt her damn won three times on the dirt i have no concern with her taking to it so miss carmen a must use for me Uh, you mentioned the three airline drive who uh, i'm not using the entry i have airline drive fourth so it it picked fourth in here depending on how people want to you know go how deep you want to go how you want to use i would use airline drive and underneath if you're playing exact as tries and supers but i don't necessarily feel like i need airline drive either andrew if you're if you're playing like a shorter or a smaller pick four or pick five i don't really need the entry either i like the nine miss carmen i thought the 10 bearings light was a, a bit interesting to me too i think this one is going to get a, a sizable jock upgrade today with kennedy jumping aboard in the career debut was outrun was about 12 lengths off and then angled to the outside and closed really well, made up a bunch of ground finishing third that day. Then last time out was sort of asked for a little bit of speed, but was way outside, dropped back, was like 10 lengths off. It was 11 out of 12, did show some late energy. I think with just a more decisive ride, uh, Bearings Light has a, a little bit of ability and, and lightly raced with some upside. So I've got 9, 10 as sort of my must-use horses all over the place, um, I do thought uh, I do think the two. I have the two and three sort of in the same um, airline drive in Kylie's two socks, and then my other kind of crazy horse was Miss PV Spates. There isn't that much speed in here. If Miss PV Spates got out front, got a little bit brave, 
And then hung around for a piece At 15, 12, 15 to 1 Finishing second or third and spicing up Some of your exotics uh, This also might be a horse who I, I would like to have on, on a late ticket if I was closing And turning for home this horse was out front So uh, maybe a horse to include In some of your others because again you know You look up and down the field there's really no one That's got a ton of proven speed So uh, Miss PV Spates Could be a loan on the front end This is a fun race to end the card It is because you could go a lot of different ways And it's another race where you don't need A ton of different insane Handicapping angles to be drawn into a Particular horse no because whatever horse You like is going to be a price You mentioned bearings light to me The most appealing thing is something you didn't Mention the first time Lasix Yeah that's huge I think bearings Light absolutely has a chance to hit the board My thinking with that is I just want Kylie's two socks because Kylie's two socks dusted that one last time out. But can Bearings Light improve and hit the board? Potentially, sure. If you're playing things like Dime Supers, you throw horses like that into the third and fourth spots. And every once in a while, you get lucky and knock out a lot of tickets by including the right price. Andrew Champagne helping me out with the Sam Houston Pick 5 for Friday So uh, Andrew, you said you put a little bit of a ticket together You want to tell us uh, what you're kind of looking at right now? Sure, it's a $30 ticket And again, we're recording this a couple of days in advance So if there are scratches and changes, I'll modify them as we see fit But my ticket is 234911 with 5, with 27, with 379, with 29 that's 60 combinations, $30, nice affordable ticket. And remember, 12% takeout. And if we get knocked out in one leg, they do pay four out of five. So we're eligible for a little bit of a rebate there if that hits. But I'm attempting to take a stand a little bit with a single in the second leg. We get that one home. I really like my. You mentioned we are recording this on uh, Tuesday evening. Um, I'm, I, I can't even really, I, I mean, I, I guess I would. Assume Keeneland but with all the Big races coming on this weekend I don't even know What what, what do you got going on with Champagne and JD This week we've got Keeneland preps we've got Aqueduct uh, prep we've got Santa Anita prep and massive undercard Races at all of them uh, like we said Sam Houston's closing out their stakes Card with three stakes races on Saturday what a Saturday coming up yeah, I think we'll go to Australia or something <laughs> for a quiet week. But on a serious note, no, we're we're definitely going to be looking at it's opening so. week. Keeneland is one of my favorite meets. I really, really hope that the track is playing closer to the Keeneland we know and love as opposed to the Keeneland we saw last fall where the track was completely scraped. Please, for the love of God, just give us a fair track. That's all we want as horse players is a fair track where every horse has a shot. But having said that, Keeneland is Keeneland. It's special. I was supposed to go there last year. Did not happen. Thanks, COVID. Really appreciate that. But another meet coming up. Some really good horses are going to be in action, including, as of right now, maybe your Kentucky Derby favorite, Essential Quality, and for my money, the Belmont winner, Rombauer, in the bluegrass. There you go. And it's a race that at early glance just does not seem to have a whole lot of pace on paper, too. So uh, we'll be talking about that race. I believe uh, Scott Shapiro is going to be joining Good me guess. a little later Good in guess. the podcast. We've got Scott set up for Keeneland. We've got David Aragona set up for Aqueduct to talk about the wood. And we've got uh, Jeff Chapman, Chappy, to set up to talk about some Santa Anita. So uh, we'll have Saturday racing just a little bit later on 
in the show As we finish up here with the Friday night action From Sam Houston Thank you so much buddy, uh, really appreciate that Give us your plugs again, where can we follow you on social media Where can we check out the uh, the podcast Sure, always happy to help And hopefully I didn't sound too terrible In case anyone out there heard anything I'm getting over a cold, thankfully I'm on the downside of it So things are alright But if you want to follow me on social media At Andrew Champagne on Twitter at 128 winners on Instagram. I've got to think of a different shtick to use now that the basketball tournament is mostly over. Uh, Elliot's picks went over very, very well. Mine, not so much. I sort of got my butt kicked on the Vegas trip, but some really good news is going to be coming out later this week. Really excited about that, so stay tuned. That's called Foreshadowing Kids. Also really Jeez. excited, uh, Gino, because tomorrow... I will actually speaking to Ithaca College students as Whoa. part of an old professor's class. So this Whoa. is going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. I did this a couple of months ago and absolutely loved it. It's one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. And I'm really enthusiastic to be able to have that chance to be able to do that again. So a lot what are you of talking about? to look forward to. Not entirely sure. Um, nice. Nice. It's a spring break at Ithaca College. So they're doing little seminars and stuff that you get oh, one cool. credit for for showing up. So cool. in, in a really strange and scary twist, these kids have openly decided that they want to listen to me. Oh my goodness. So uh, that's I know, right? A- an audience, a like receptive audience, watch out world. Andrew with a, an open mic. This I, I need to have some sort of and video. No of this. governor. There's Just nobody so. in my ear. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, buddy, I look forward to uh, hearing uh, about that. And thank you so much for helping us out here. Gr- good luck this weekend, man. So much going on all over the place. Thank you very much. And before I go, congratulations to Chris Griffin on the new gig. At yes. Parts. Parts yes. made an absolutely tremendous hire. Chris is one of the good guys in racing. He did a lot for me when he absolutely did not have to. I will always be indebted to him for that. Parks, you got yourself a job. Love Chris. And yeah, hopefully this will uh, lead to some even bigger opportunities for Chris. He'll get Indeed. a... Yeah, so out there on the East Coast, you never know. He'll be calling uh, and maybe New York sometime soon down the line. Great, great opportunities for Chris there. Thanks, buddy. Good luck this weekend. You too, man. Take it easy. Okay, folks, don't go anywhere. We'll wrap up the Friday Sam Houston action, then we'll get into Saturday racing. Great work from Andrew. So uh, for me, the late pick five will look something along the lines of. Uh, two, three, seven, eleven. I like Hello Bubbles most in race number six. Three, four, five in the seventh. I did think Fashion Moon and Midyear have a shot uh, to use along with Lovely Ride. They could spice things up a little bit. Two, eight, seven. I like Alternate Time. I do think Pit Boss is going to be tough, but Pepper Pike could spice things up a little bit there. Also, three, nine, twelve for me in race number nine. Uh, I'm looking towards the outside with uh, Viatorum. I think Oso Prieto is going to be tough, but Sanjio Vasi could offer a little value there as well and then 9 and 10 to close things out I like the 9 Miss Carmen I like the 10 Bearings Light and I don't necessarily need some of the shorter priced horses there so I think Miss Carmen is going to be pretty tough and likely takes a, a lot of support so there's a look at my pick 5 for Friday over at Sam Houston we're going to head over to Saturday racing in just a moment first let's talk a little bit about Old Smoke Clothing 
And I'm talking about quality clothing and merchandise that horse racing fans and those who love the atmosphere and lifestyle of racing will be able to enjoy. Like all of you, you're listening to the horse racing part of That's What G Said. I'm sure you're racing fans. There aren't exactly a ton of horse racing shops where you go out and buy a, a t-shirt or, or buy uh, some really cool racing memorabilia. This is what OldSmokeClothing.com is. And when you use the promo code G-I-N-O, it'll get you free shipping on your order. I'm talking t-shirts with horse names, polos, hoodies, long sleeves, zip-ups, hats, big races, slogans, custom designs. You can create anything you want. Show the horse racing fan in you. And with that promo code G-I-N-O, it'll get you free shipping on your order. We head on over to Saturday Racing. First, let's get to Aqueduct. We have the Wood Memorial there. A couple graded stakes races on the card. David Aragona joins me to talk about Three races on the card. We conclude with the Wood Memorial. We head on over to Aqueduct for some Saturday graded stakes races. Big day coming up over at Aqueduct with the uh, the grade one Carter. We've got Kentucky Derby points on the line in the Wood. Kentucky Oaks points on the line in the Gazelle. Joining me to talk about the, those graded stakes races on a big Saturday card at Aqueduct is the man who makes the morning line for the NYRA. You know him from Timeform US, DRF Inside Post, analysis, analysis videos, podcasts all over the place. David Aragona. David, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Happy to be back on. And there's a lot to look forward to at Aqueduct on Saturday. Yeah, and, and and even more than Aqueduct. I mean, it's one of those uh, one of those weekends where we've got big day at Aqueduct, big day at Keeneland, big day at Santa Anita, and by uh, by the end of this weekend, we'll really only have like one or two major prep races left. We'll get a lot more clarity this week with horses like Essential Quality showing up. We'll see what happens uh, with the uh, Santa Anita Derby, and then even in this Wood Memorial, where there may not be any like. Of the big heavy hitters so far But we've got a Wood Memorial where we have The Rens- the Remsen winner, the Gotham winner, the Withers winner And the Sam F. Davis winner Some very intriguing horses in there Yeah, I would say that this Wood Memorial is the most Competitive of the three derby preps that we're seeing Completely This weekend agree. There are many contenders, you can make a case for a lot of horses Maybe they're not all as proven as horses like Medina Spirit and Essential Quality uh, but, but it's definitely a race where I could see a lot of different Scenarios playing out we're going to hit on a couple of races uh, before that uh, Wood Memorial. Let's start in race number six. So for those of you following along with your past performances, we're looking at Aqueduct's sixth race for Saturday, April the 3rd. We're looking at the grade one Carter here, seven furlongs, just a field of five. But we have a couple of horses that are in really nice form right now. And the two to the outside in Chateau, who has always flashed speed. Uh, it actually took him, I think, like 15 or 16 starts to break his maiden, but he's really put it all together as of late with back-to-back victories and then winning the Tom Fool. He's got a, a tough customer to his inside in Mischievous Alex, who is also very quick, but he can stalk and has a little more positional speed if he needs to, to kind of track off. Yeah, it does feel like the race really goes through the two of them because they're clearly in the best form right now and they both have plenty of early speed. So it'll be interesting to see how things shake out on the front end. I mean, I would imagine that Chateau will be clearly in front early. They're going to have to try to harness his speed a little bit going the seven furlong distance because that seems like it's the big question for him getting that extra furlong given how fast he is in the early going. But I love to look at the time form USPPs because he's routinely one of the horses that gets the fastest early pace rating from us that really I see anywhere in the country he just sets incredibly quick fractions relative to how fast the track is playing in all of his races and he's been really good in his recent starts for rob Battress. you just have to wonder how much pressure mischievous alex is going to apply and whether or not he can get that distance yeah and 
Mischievous Alex is a horse that uh, we know from uh, being on the Kentucky Derby Trail sort of last year. He was a sprinter, uh, won the Swale, and then he stretched out and, and won the Gotham. And, and he got, got pretty good uh, for, with those couple races. He tailed off a little bit uh, in the Woody Stevens and the Jerkins, but he's bounced back nicely in his first two starts for the new barn. And he'll be pretty tough in here. Um, mind control. He's he's over his last six. Former Grade One winner. He ran into Sleepy Eyes Todd in his last few. I I don't know if I can really make that strong of a case for him down on the rail. Um, I guess that, like for Super Stonehenge, he was definitely flattered, no doubt about it, by Zenden's win last weekend in Dubai. Yeah, the one thing I can say about mind control is that he has woken up and run some of his best races at Aqueduct in the past. He has nearly a perfect record over Aqueduct main track, and it's been a while since he's run over it. Uh, if he ran back to that Tom Fool performance that we saw out of him all the way back in March of 2020, he'd be a major player in this race. It just feels like he's lost his consistency since then, and he really hasn't produced one of those top speed figures in a while, not since last summer when he was second in the, or third, I should say, behind Volatile in the Vanderbilt. So it's definitely some question marks for mind control but if they can remember who he once was he's a major player in this race and he could be the horse that works out the right trip especially if mischievous alex has to work too hard up front trying to go after chateau on the lead the other two i mean they're a little more difficult for me to make i mean super stonehenge as you said zenden did come back and run a gigantic race out of nowhere but i mean i just don't love his form overall and shoplifted would really need the race to come apart yeah, that's the problem. Like, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Shoplifted step forward and be a, an okay, like, late running sprinter type horse or one turn type horse throughout the year. Um, he, he ran into a horse named Special Reserve who came back to win next out and earned a 94 by your speed figure in doing so. But he just doesn't seem like he's got any sort of tactical or positional speed whatsoever. He had a slowish start last time out, but that's just, that's just really who he is. Like you said, I think everything I would, I would really need to see like uh, mischievous Alex and Chateau getting caught up or maybe super Stonehenge like wanting to try to make it a point to show some speed. There would have to be something that doesn't really seem like it on paper in order for shoplifted to get the trip. Yeah, I agree with that. And I don't foresee this as a race that's going to feature a very fast pace that completely falls apart because you just have those two front runners. And I I doubt that they're going to get engaged in a cutthroat duel on the lead. It seems like one of them is probably going to let the other one go. Probably mischievous Alex, who's totally proficient stalking. He probably lets Chateau go a little bit and we'll just see which one's better. Yeah, they they could be very comfortable with their early positions and just kind of lope along all the way, and we'll see if Chateau would, is good enough to hold off mischievous Alex when he comes calling there. But yeah, hard hard for me to really project uh, um, a whole lot coming from well off the pace in that particular race there in the the Grade One Carter. Let's skip to later in the card, and we're going to move to race number nine. We're going to take a look at the Grade Three Gazelle in here. So Kentucky Oaks points are on the line, and. What makes this race, uh, I think, very interesting is that you've got the one horse to the outside, Search Results, who is two for two, who was very impressive winning the busher. She stretched out from six to a mile. She was determined. She had to work. Um, she's had a perfect trip just off, but it, it was a, it was a very, very nice effort. And then you, So you've got her, and then after her, you got a couple horses who have been on the grass and, and are a little bit intriguing. Um, and you got maybe other couple wild cards, but it does sort of feel like it's her. And then, depending on how you want to approach the exotics or wager on this race, there's like a next tier of horses that all sort of feel like they're in the same, uh, like, uh, I guess, that have the same sort of chance to win this race. 
Yeah, search results is going to be a heavy favorite in this race, and you could argue that she should be based on how well she ran in yep. the busher last time. But I mean, I would kind of view this race as the two Chad Brown runners, with obviously search results being uh, the A team and the grass is blue kind of being the B team. And then everybody else is just a major question mark because a lot of them are turf specialists. Some have just broken their maiden, so they're stepping up in class. Just a lot of horses that have much to prove in this race. And I think that just solidifies search results standing as the horse yeah. to beat. That's a great point because while you're like projecting with a lot of these other horses and we're wondering, um, okay, they're in good form, but can they compete with this level or they're in good form on the grass? Is it going to transfer over? You, you just have the least amount of questions to ask about search results. She just seems like she really fits very well in this spot. So um, if we're taking her out of the race, the you mentioned the other, uh, or t- moving on from the discussion on her, you mentioned the grass is blue who. Was in that race with search results And search results definitely got the better Of the trips between the two of them The grass is blue was sort of in between horses And wasn't exactly a smooth trip Not like a ton of trouble or anything But didn't just really get the opportunity to stretch Her legs like search results did In that really nice stalking position Yeah, I think actually both of these Chad Brown runners are contenders in this race. And the grass is blue. I think what you can say in her favor is that I'm pretty sure she's going to get the mile and an eighth distance. Obviously, Mm -hmm. she won the Busan to going this far, not against this level of competition, but she had no trouble seeing out the nine furlongs that day, really getting stronger as the race went on. And with search results, she still has to answer that question. I mean, she could arguably regress a little bit and still win this race. But based on her pedigree, I don't think it's a given that she's necessarily going to love nine furlongs. And with the grass is blue we already know that um i do like that she's been much more involved in her races the grass is blue since they put the blinkers on two back it's made her a little bit more keen than she was in the early going and her rider sometimes has to fight her a little bit but at least it's put her in the races where she actually is in a position to win and i think she's gonna narrow the gap between these two chad brown runners this time uh we'll see what kind of price she is and if she offers sufficient value to take a shot against search results but i would lean toward the two chad brown runners just because i have so many questions about everybody else yeah questions we don't have about two of these that have been uh, running well on grass The three Mia Martina and the six Always late I don't think we're, we have any Concerns about them getting the distance uh, But for, for the both of them And I guess let's start with Mia Martina um, I, I like this filly quite a bit I, I was very high on and not necessarily In this spot I just like her as a horse I, I really thought her first two wins Were very impressive uh, and then last Time out she was just way too far out of it She showed some late interest I just don't Know it I'm really not even Worried about her taking to the dirt I just don't know if she's quick enough Like she has not shown very much positional Tactical speed at all Does She she might get outrun in a race Like this that's what scares me Yeah I agree she's just kind of one of those one speed Runners and she's got this way of running Where it just looks like she's out for a morning gallop She's got her yeah. head really low to the ground Like she's not even really engaged in the race She seems like one that'll run all day I just I wonder if the dirt Is really going to be her preferred surface Because it feels like both of these turf Forces are going to have to take a slight step forward on the dirt to beat search results, assuming that that one shows up. And Mia Martina of those two turf horses, she has the more turfy pedigree on the dam side. I know she's by not this time, but I just wonder if she can overcome that to be competitive in this race. And then we've got Always Late, who just won at a mile and an eighth, has put two uh, two back to back victories together. Visually very impressive. I always do you take anything into the fact that uh, Alvarado shows up on Mia Martina and not here for Mott, who he seems to ride a, a bunch for? Yeah, I, I saw that and I thought it was a little interesting. I'm not really sure why the jockey shook out that way. It's definitely not what you would expect. Um, I'm not really sure what to make of it. As for Always Late, 
her pedigree is kind of the opposite of Mia Martina in that the dam side is actually plenty of dirt pedigree. She's a half sister to analyze the odds who won over $450,000 racing on the dirt as a New York bred. The problem is while animal kingdom was a good dirt horse himself and really able to run on any surface. If you look up the stats for animal kingdom, he is strictly a turf sire. And I just, I just wonder if she's going to be able to translate that improved turf form to the dirt. And one more just uh, to mention, we've got the, uh, the four army wife who, was able to get a victory last time out at Gulfstream Park uh, Throughout her career she's not Done a whole lot wrong she's been Pretty competitive she lost to a, a nice a Nice stakes winner Olivia the Desert a couple Starts back she made her first start in a few Months and she could take a little step forward off Of that if she steps forward would It be enough to compete with the best in here Personally she's not for me I Have thought very lowly Of most of those allowance races At Gulfstream whether they're for the three year old Males or the females this winter it just Feels like it's not the strength or depth Of competition that we've seen at Gulfstream and Past years and that allowance race that she's coming out of, you can look up some of the past performances of the other horses in there. They're just not at the level that you would need to be to be competitive in a graded stakes race. So she's got to prove it to me from a class standpoint. Let's get to the feature, the 10th, the Wood Memorial, grade two, mile and an eighth, Kentucky Derby points on the line. We'll have a couple in this field that'll end up in the starting gate in the first Saturday in May, most likely if they pick up the points and everything uh, stays, everyone stays healthy along the way. So uh, let's, as I mentioned, we got the Remsen winner, the Gotham winner, the Withers winner, the Sam F. Davis winner. We have a lukewarm five to two morning line favorite in risk taking who we haven't seen since February. But, uh, honestly, if you're playing like, if, if this was like a pick four, pick five, pick six kind of race, and you wanted to come into this race just alive, I mean, Brooklyn strong crowded trade risk taking, What's wrong with Dynamics 1 last effort at going and getting a mile and an eighth? Prevalence and Candyman Rocket, both Weyburn. You're literally talking six or seven horses that feel like they could legitimately win this race. Yeah, I would say there are probably five major contenders in this race, and they're all the horses that I have below 10 to 1 in the morning line. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, they're, they're very closely matched from a speed figure standpoint. They all have similar things to prove, whether it be class or distance. Uh, and it's just difficult to make those comparisons to decide who you want. And it's one of those races where it feels like you might want to let price be your guide. I completely agree. This is one of those races that, that individually you want to see because somebody's going to get forgotten about. In this spot like someone who's around that four or five to one is going to float up and probably be double their price and that might be the place to go um, Let's start with some just kind of from the inside maybe and work our way out So we've got Brooklyn Strong who in uh, in his four race career has been excellent and uh, his win in the Remsen looks even better now with known agenda Coming back and, and putting a couple uh, wins together recently he, He's just got nothing since December and now he's going to try to go a mile and an eighth That's my major concern it's you know, it's that that's not going to be an easy thing to do. It does kind of feel like from a wagering standpoint, he might be the forgotten horse in You're this right. race because it feels like yeah. nobody's talking about him. And he does have that race that makes him good enough to win this f- against this field without any improvement in that Remsen. It's just this was not the original plan to debut in the wood. He had a setback over the winter. And obviously, you can just look at the work tab. He only started serious training in February. And it's it's really difficult to get on that accelerated path to put forth a top effort in a final derby prep and head on to the Kentucky Derby. For the horse, it almost might be a good thing if he loses this race and targets some other spots and can develop a little more yeah. slowly. Um, but I do think he's talented enough to win this race. I'm a fan of this horse. I just yeah, wonder if it's it, the right spot. And if, and if he is, you're right. Like, if he's, like, 8-1 to one or something, and, and I, I would have a tough time not 
wanting to try to get him into some exotics. Is that the horses like this are interesting. He's got the his A game, and let's say he progressed a little bit over the last couple months, right? Like he he very well could have matured a little bit, grown up a little bit from uh, the transition from two to three. So there may be a little like hidden upside in there built in as well. Um, crowded trade. So I guess let's talk about crowded trade in. Uh, in with Weyburn who both come out of the Gotham crowded trade was stretching out and I guess you know the hot Chad Brown horse in the Gotham was highly motivated but crowded trade ran ran very very well he sat a nice trip he loomed up it was kind of like a search result uh, result sort of effort he just didn't really win the race Weyburn ended up winning at almost 50 to 1 that day so those two coming out of that race the race has come back um and, and it's been uh, figured very well like I think most Speed figures whatever you look at they all Graded the race pretty strong yeah it feels Like it was a solid race and we'll get a line On how good highly motivated it is in the bluegrass Obviously but uh as for crowded trade and Weyburn, I think the real question for them is the added furlong and stretching out around two turns. And that feels like it's going to be, I mean, neither one has done it, but it feels like it's going to be a bigger question for crowded trade. Being a son of more than ready, his damn side pedigree can kind of go either way with regard to sprints or routes. His dam was pretty versatile herself. Um, but this is not a typical Chad Brown move to rush along a horse that debuted at the end of January to make the Kentucky Derby. He's just running this horse in these in these races. Because he has so much talent and he ran too well in the Gotham to deny him a chance at the wood. I wonder if he can continue stepping forward. And as they stretch out in distance, I do prefer Weyburn in this race and kind of along the lines of Brooklyn Strong. I mean, it feels like Weyburn could be another horse that gets a little bit lost in this race because I agree. the Chad Brown duo has garnered so much attention, obviously. He was fifth, almost 50 to 1 last time out. People kind of think it was a fluke. Yeah, I could see him being floating floating up to probably maybe even double what he is. That wouldn't be it wouldn't shock me. If if money really starts to come in on a horse like risk taking or even prevalence, like prevalence could be a horse who's he's it would what's interesting. So let, like we'll get to Burbonic, I think a little bit overmatched. Do you you have a, a case for that one? No, I, I trouble yeah. making a case for him. No, me too. Um, risk taking though, your withers winner, and he has progressed very nicely. His debut was sprinting, uh, but since he stretched out to the long races on the main track, he's run very well, and he's obviously just. He's not really like exciting or anything really like all that sexy about him. He's just he's just very good, been very workmanlike, and he would be absolutely no surprise to me winning this race. I mean, he's two for two over the course of distance, and it feels like he's progressing over time. He's come along the right way for Chad Brown. It's just how short of a price do you want to take on him? Because it does mm-hmm. feel like he's going to have to improve again to win this race. And while his withers was visually impressive, I think we can be honest that that wasn't the strongest field in the world. And nope. he was much the best, but he's going to have to take another step forward. So it's just a matter of value with him. We got a dynamic one who, no, we said no no problems with the, the distance. He was a five-length winner going a mile and an eighth. What was that race that he won like on March the 7th? And does he have any opportunity to, com- to compete with these in here? I mean, it looked like a two-horse race on paper. Uh, Mutasol M was a horse that was coming up from Gulfstream for Chad Brown. He was the second-place finisher there, um, and Dynamic One easily beat him. Wasn't the fastest race in the world, um, and I know that he got some attention for finishing second to Greatest Honor in that maiden race going back to December. Felt like he got the slightly better trip than Greatest Honor that day, and Todd Pletcher just, I mean, if you look up the stats in DRF Formulator, he has just terrible numbers with this move going from maiden races to graded stakes and dirt routes. I think over the past five years, he's one for 41, which is really surprising because you would expect Todd Pletcher to do better with that move, but he just never wins with these horses when he takes a shot coming out of a maiden race. So he's not for me. 
We have Prevalence who was so uh, impressive in a very big buzz horse after his debut victory on January the 23rd at Gulfstream. He earned uh, an 87 buyer speed figure that day and uh, in a race that came back solid. And then in, in his second career start, he stretched out a little bit to the mile and he sat just off the pace and he did exactly what he needed to do. It was a, a good like step forward visually, although the race didn't really come up all that strong. Um, what do you think about Prevalence who, I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked uh, if this horse opened up really live on the board. I wouldn't be shocked if because his figures are a little cold, if maybe he was just right around where he was. He's a very polarizing horse to me. Yeah, when I was making the morning line for this race, I obviously checked out the Derby Future wagers from last week, and I saw that he was the shortest price of the four horses that were offered in that wager here. Uh, I just... I feel like he's the kind of horse that once people see his past performances in the context of this field, they sort of have to reassess a little bit because he does have to get faster to beat this field as visually impressive as he's looked and as taken as some people have been with his replays that's that's caused prompted them to bet him in a wager like the Derby Future wager. It just feels like he will have to get better to win this race. And you know, I was talking about the horse in the gazelle that's coming out of some weak allowance optional claiming races at Gulfstream. And I think we saw the same thing with prevalence last time. That allowance race was not near the quality that you would expect in a three-year-old allowance at Gulfstream in the spring. That was a pretty no. poor field. And, and as I view it, he had to be ridden to win that race. And based on his pedigree, it's not like it's screaming for a mile and eight, especially not on the damn side. It's really more of a sprint pedigree. So prevalence is not for me. Cayman Rocket did not run well uh, in the Tampa Bay Derby. He was sort of a step slow. He moved uh, in between. He was kind of three wide. He did make a move up to within striking range and then just flattened out. He was favored coming off the Sam F. Davis win. Um, and he had that big maiden special weight win at Gulfstream Park. Um, he, he did win when he went off the six at, at, uh, at Tampa in the Sam F. Davis. Do you think he has an opportunity to bounce back and run well? I mean, I think it could be a factor early in this race because they tried to take him off the pace last time in the Tampa Bay Derby, and that clearly didn't work out. So I would imagine we'll go back to some more aggressive tactics this time. I just have never felt like he's a horse that's going to get better with added ground. And I think those Tampa three-year-olds have been a little bit exposed as not being among the best out there. So uh, I preferred others. Yeah, he feels like maybe a a turn-back kind of horse, uh, Myler, one-turner type. And uh, we talked about Weyburn. Anything about Market Maven, who comes in from Parks, looks a little little in the deep end here? No, he's just another horse that could inject some pace into this race. Because while he might not be naturally as fast as some others, he's two for two, uh, wiring fields down at Parks. So breaking from the outside post, you have to imagine the connections are looking to send him forward, potentially to the lead. And maybe that could make a horse like Weyburn have to go a little bit from the outside and he could slip into a stalking position. Um, I I do like Weyburn quite a bit in this race. If I didn't make that clear before, Uh, I think he's going to offer some value here and I like him stretching out in distance, but I'll be interested to see how the horses from these outside post positions shake themselves out on the lead. David Aragona from Timeform US, the NYRA a Morning Line Odds Maker, DRF all over the place. So we've been very lucky to have David help us out uh, a bunch of times now with the uh, with the New York races. And um, this is a, a big day for you coming up with the the big prep. I hope everything goes smoothly for you. I hope you make some money over there, and uh, it'll be fun to see who's going to be heading from the wood to the Kentucky Derby. And uh, we'll have to uh, try to get you back maybe in a, in a month or so and uh, and. And talk about the Derby and uh, and some of those undercard races Sounds good, great talking to you as always Thank you so much David And uh, we're going to follow David on Twitter On social media, at Horse to Watch And you can get all, a lot of his work And uh, all the stuff that he's working on He usually does a great job of uh, ascending it on out Thank you so much David, good luck this weekend 
Do not go anywhere folks We've got plenty more on That's What She Said We're going to wrap up Saturday Aqueduct And uh, we'll still move on because there are three big preps All over the place Thank you to David for helping us out Prepping us for that big Saturday over at Aqueduct We head from Aqueduct Over to Keeneland I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, Races 7 and 8 And then Scott Shapiro is going to join me For races 9, 10, and 11 Following that I will do A a little pick 5 Ticket construction for you So let's talk uh, race 7 For Keeneland on a really Really loaded Saturday card Flip your past performances We're looking at April 3rd And we're going to head to race number 7 So The one horse I really want to make sure I'm using here Is the 4 Special Reserve this is a sharp horse right now who is really, really quick, and th- he can sit off a little bit if he has to, but I could see Flagstaff down inside, you know, not necessarily getting the lead, hidden scroll, he's a, he's very quirky. I, I, special Reserve, if he broke alertly, he could be a horse that maybe gets forgotten about up front, so I will make sure to include him in Exotics. I don't really love Flagstaff down on the inside, so I'll try to play some Pick fours and pick fives, uh, actually pick fives here that start uh, playing against Flagstaff at a short price. Four, six, seven, two would probably be combinations of horses that I'm I'm using in this one. In the eighth race, there is a ton of speed in the Shaker Town going five and a half furlongs. I absolutely need the seven, Canthaka, who I think is going to get a nice trip and could have a, a chance of getting a jump on some of the deeper closers in here. The two in premise is going to be very, very tough. The 13 to the outside, bound for nowhere on his best days. He is really, really good. The nine just might comes off of a monster win in a race that was taken off the turf, but he's capable of running big races on the turf and over this turf course, so I think he's just sharp and maybe woke up with a big effort and is feeling good right now. I'll throw the 9 in and some exotics too. 7, 9, uh, 7, 2, 9, and 13 for me in race number 8 at Keeneland. We're going to head to race number 9 and talk about races 9, 10, and 11, the Ashland, the Madison, and the Bluegrass with Scott Shapiro. Kick back and enjoy. One of everybody's favorite meets is opening this week. Keeneland opens on Friday. Um, I'm actually recording this conversation with Scott Shapiro on Thursday afternoon, and we're going to talk about the opening weekend stakes at Keeneland. We're going to focus on Saturday in races 9, 10, and 11, we're going to talk about a couple grade 1 races in the grade 1 Ashland, the grade 1 Madison, and then the, the Bluegrass is actually a grade 2 with those Kentucky Derby points on the line. Scott Shapiro, one of our good buddies, you've heard him many times here on That's What G Said. You follow him along on social media, you see his stuff, Twin Spires all over the place, and Scott was doing a, a really good job. Uh, handicapping a lot of the turfway stuff throughout the meet too. Saw him pop up a couple times on the uh, the Turfway Park live feed. How you doing, Scott? Doing great, Gino. It's that time of year where uh, you know we have the tournament going on as we speak, and you know the Masters and the Derby, Keeneland opening. I know you in California. You know you get the good weather most of the year, but uh, for for those of us that have left the the, uh, the the area, it's great to have good weather again and have this stuff on the uh, on the docket. Oh man, this is this like these few weeks for me. So like last week, uh, this week all preps. You know the last two weeks, uh, March Madness stuff. And then I know you're excited because next week is WrestleMania week. So for me, you know, someone who's a big WWE fan, we've got shows. I think eight days in a row of, of shows uh, leading us into the Triple Crown races, the Derby. Uh, so this is. I mean, I'm watching opening day of uh, baseball as we speak right now. <laughs> I think it just. 
<laughs> just absolutely loaded. And Scott, we wouldn't expect any different on a Keeneland opening weekend where we have a lot of the big stars out. Not necessarily the races that we're going to talk about, the biggest fields in the world, but perhaps a, a couple vulnerable favorites to discuss. So you and I are going to talk about the Saturday stakes races at Keeneland. We're going to talk about races 9, 10, and 11. Those of you who are following along, get your past performances out for April the 3rd. And we kick off our conversation with the grade one Central Bank Ashland. They're going to go a mile and a 16th in here, and we will see... Simply Ravishing, who won the Alcibiades very impressively over this track last year in October And then she went to the Breeders' Cup, she had a little bit of trouble that day Uh, She actually ran pretty well, and then she came back and sort of threw in a little bit of a clunker in the Golden Rod Where she just did not fire all that much as the heavy favorite She made a big early move and then was just very, very flat late Um, But she's going to have to deal with a couple very talented horses towards the outside At least, even a, a horse to her inside Past the champagne, this isn't a, a Big group, but it feels like there are Four or five pretty talented fillies in here Yeah, I think this is the uh, Best Kentucky Oaks prep we've seen Without Clarier and Travel Column In it, who I mm-hmm. think haven't proven So in terms of speed figures, but I think In terms of quality are the best Of the class so far, but there's a couple In here that have a chance to put Themselves right towards the top of the list You mentioned Simply Ravishing and then Malathot, both of them making their Three-year-old debut, Simply Ravishing comes in and looks to be training Extremely well for Kenny McPeak If you look three back, a four furlong And 46-2 and two work At Gulfstream, it seems like maintenance Since then, and she's run well over The track, her speed figures Just like Malathot would beat the a lot the rest of these horses if they were just the two year old numbers, and then you have the expectation of you know growth or maturing. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not crazy to. I don't love either of them from a wagering opportunity, but I think one of them will be good enough to win this race, and then I think Will's Secret is a pretty good bet to run her race and probably finish within the exotics. Yeah, she's honest, Will Secret. You know, she she's done very little wrong throughout her entire career. Um, she improved when she stretched out to two turns. She lost uh, one of those races to Clarier, and then since then she's won three in a row. She beat a horse named Adventuring, who won the Bourbon uh, Bourbonette Oaks. She beat a, a nice, quick filly named Joy's Rocket, and she came back last time out and was. I mean, her two back race was really impressive last time out. She. Was in between and she battled she is yeah she's Honest she's rock solid um, What do we do with the horse like the two Past the champagne who debuted Didn't show much but got you know Had some trouble that day it wasn't it wasn't a Bad effort it just wasn't uh, what you're expecting When you're favored and then you change barns Coming to the weaver barn really Impressive defeat a next out winner Both of those race were seven now you're gonna try to Stretch out to a mile and a 16th yeah, I think it it would be a price-dependent play for me, and I'm expecting her to take more money than I'd be willing to back her at because you've got the questions, right? First time versus winners, first time versus stakes comp or against stakes company, first no LASIK too, first. right? Yeah, right. No LASIK shipping out of town. Those are a lot of question marks for me. And this is a filly that's been well backed at the windows in both of her first two starts. I'd be surprised if she doesn't have plenty of backers in here. Maybe the upside is there, but I have my concerns on whether she's a true two-turn horse in general. And then you add into the fact that it's against this field in her first try doing so. I'm willing to let her beat me in this one. She is well-bred. The damn champagne taste has thrown out a number of productive runners, including Los Barachos. None of them, though, have been dirt routers, really. So I'm a little concerned uh, that this is too tough of a spot, but a horse to keep an eye out on. How about you? Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. I think... 
I, I just would love to see one more from her Or if she went 7 to a mile Or 7 to a mile and a 16th um, I do, because I, I agree with you Like I think the 3, 4, and 5 Are all, all pretty tough Let's talk a little more about Malathot She defeated a, a horse last time out in the Demoiselle Named Milfu, and Milfu came back And was a, a pretty solid second in the Fairgrounds Oaks Over the weekend, I backed Milfu She made a, a big, bold move And I thought she was going to win easily uh, She was no match in a solid second that day Malathat was visually extremely impressive in that win back in December. She got shuffled back. She lost a few lengths. She was just stuck down on the inside. She had to make up like four lengths late in the stretch. Yeah, incredibly bred daughter of Curlin uh, out of Dreaming of Julia, the daughter of AP Andy. They went for over $1 million, and she's done nothing wrong so far. Uh a, a probably going to be lower than I would want to take on a horse that hasn't raced yet this year and has never raced uh, at Keeneland or in Kentucky. And interestingly enough, I don't. Todd Pletcher has never won the Ashland. He's won a lot of big races, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if she runs off the screen and makes herself one of the favorites come yep. last Friday of April. I agree. She looks like she kind of has that ability. And uh, yeah, this is a fun Ashland. So if you're playing. Like pick fives, I think they have all stakes pick fives throughout the card. What would what would be your approach in this type of race? I think I, you know, depending on how I, what I come up with in the in the non races that we've we're going to talk about. Meaning, if I like favorites in there, I'm going to end up having a single either Malathot or simply Ravishing. But if I like prices, I'm gonna. I think one of those two will get it done. I don't love doing that as I expect them to be the two favorites or two of the three favorites. So it all depends on how the sequence shakes sure. out. I think one of them will be good enough to beat this field. I am not convinced both of them will run their races off the bench first start as a three-year-old. And I think Will Secret will. So if I'm looking at it from a vertical wet wagering uh, situation, I probably could see keying Will's Secret mm-hmm. in the exotics and using both of these on top. Uh, Curlin's catch we didn't talk about looks too slow, but they did bring her back too quickly in the Devona Dale. Yeah. A career best effort in the Sun Coast. Maybe, just maybe, she can save ground and grind out third or something. And I'll tell you, it, she she got bumped a little bit at the start, and she kind of had that inside trip. She moved up to third inside, a couple lengths off, and then she makes this nice move to second within a length, and it looked like she she was traveling really well. And with the long shot on the lead, you're just expecting that she was going to go by, and she just went from traveling well. To instantly nothing Just nothing flat and then backed backed up um, The runner up that day did come back And win the Gulfstream Park Oaks But I agree with you, you know, She was sort of interesting Because she was heading in the right direction If you were con- going to completely just toss The Devona Dale And play her off the Sun Coast And, and expect a little bit of improvement you, know, you, you could make a case for her It's just that last race is the one that it's so hard to, to why she really didn't have that much trouble or anything. She just kind of moved into it and then stopped. Like you said, maybe they just came back too late, uh, too quickly, and they give her a, a little more time now. But I thought this was a like a very interesting race to discuss. At least it, for a short field, it's not like oh one horse here single and move along. And I I think I agree with your assessment that in in the the multi exotic ragers, I'm pretty sure I'm going to need Will Secret at least. And then depending on how I will will like approach the rest of the secret the se- uh, sequence because I if the two favorites show up just a tad short, Will Secret is really honest and she's gonna fire her her race. Is it gonna be good enough to beat both Malthot and Simply Ravishing? Who knows? But I do feel pretty confident that she's gonna give us a good run for her money. 
No, I agree. She's as honest as she's come. She's taken gradual steps forward until last time where she basically replicated her effort in the Martha Washington. But you have to respect her and assume that she'll run her race again. Let's get to the grade one Madison. Seven furlongs for Philly and Mare sprinters here. It's so funny. The four Bells, the one, and, and the six Sconson are basically the same horse. You know, they're just like one year older than each other. This like very similar running style. They were right next to each other in the Breeders' Cup. Um, they'll probably both take a good amount of money in here. They're both sort of at the mercy of a, a pace. Like they're always going to give you a nice late run. If the pace isn't quick enough early on, they won't win. If the pace is quick, they do win a lot of those races. It's they're they're just like mirror. They're, it's like that uh. What's that Spider-Man meme online that they people show where they're pointing at each other and it's like you, me, you, me, you, me. <laughs> yeah. When I looked at this race, I, I really, I mean, not not just because the name Sconson by uh, Lloyd Horse from Lloyd Madison Farms, obviously, and the Foley's who are easy to root for around here. I was a little disappointed when I looked at this race and no, and and saw such little amount of early speed sign yeah. up because. Those races that, that this uh, Daughter of Include came out of last year, most of the time, saw very honest paces. And I just don't see it in here, uh, Gina. I see Monday Call making an easy lead, and then yep. I see uh, Sananus sitting a really, really, really comfortable pocket or stalking trip on the cutback, which I think is going to be the golden voyage in this race. I mean, this... You know, you worry sometimes on these cutbacks if they're too far out of it. But when they're in position and have a chance to run down horses without having to do much work to get into position on the cutback, that's a great situation. That's perfect. That's ex- ex- yeah. like you couldn't even ask for more. And as long as she doesn't get some sort of a like she should it should be simple for her. Like let Monday call go and just kind of track right inside. Yeah. And, and I completely agree with you. I mean, there's just nobody and Monday call. She got a bad ride last time out. Um, Giroux knows her well, but he just decided to sit. Yeah, and they were not going that quick at all. And that's just not really like if if she broke poorly in a race and ended up like, having to come from off the pace a little bit, she could. She's done it. That's just not what she does best. When you take away a horse's like a horse like this is speed, their best attribute, it just makes them another horse. When when she runs her fast fast races. That's when she's the best. I mean, I think that has to be the idea and the game plan here. I hope he just just tries to send her hard early, and and Sanus, you know, sitting behind them, and it the, Bell's the one in and Sconson might be a little vulnerable in this spot today, and they might be horses that take a good amount of money because they've got good figures, and I think Sconson even throughout the year. At just making her first start at four, she has the opportunity to improve and even be better than Bell's the one down the year, you know, who's already a five year old mare. But this may be a spot where we can kind of see them late on the scene for second or third. I, I don't, you know, I don't know if I'm going to feel married, like, like forced to be married to either one of them on top. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I, I see it the same way, but I read a uh, quote uh, this morning from Neil Pessing. He's overly confident with Bell's the one That's off cr- the bench. Wow. I Yeah, I mean, this horse doesn't really win races unless there's a real hot pace. And, and she, then she does. Like, she, she's, she, when she gets the type of setup, she's very good. You know, she's she'll, a very she'll, good horse, and she's proven to like Keeneland. It, and it, she loves the sprint, you know. Like you can toss some of the races where they've tried other stuff and make like legitimate excuses for some of them, but 
Yeah, I agree. Like, just the way the race shapes up on paper, it looks like it's Monday call going. It looks like Sanus and maybe Kamari. I think Kamari might be like, I would prefer using Kamari actually, I think, than some of the Stone Cold closers because she might be able to just fall into it. She's proven over the, I don't know if seven furlongs is really what she wants to do, but she's proven at this track. And if we're just talking about the trips horses might get, she might be able to kind of fall into that spot. Right there with Sanus uh, in front of Bell's the ones in Wisconsin who, um, you know, down the line, um, or you know, when they show up again in, in at the uh, the Derby City Distaff or whatever that's yep. called, you know, yep. the, in a month if there's more speed in that race, I think <laughs> I think every time you see a Bell's the one and a Wisconsin, and a Wisconsin, they've got a chance to win the races they're in because they're some of the better Philly and Mare sprinters out there. It's just race shape. Does this feel like it's going to set up for them? I, we don't think so. Yeah, I'm with you. Kamari's such a tough read, always has been for me with all the yeah. the, the gaps and then the tremendous turn of foot. Is she better on turf? I mean, last time in the spring fever, that was one of the most biased racetracks I've seen this year. Yeah, I she was so much better track. than that group, too. So much better, and the, the outside part of the track from off the pace was the place to be. Everything set up for her perfectly, but maybe she'd be the third. But you talked about the, vert- the horizontal wagers. I think this is a chance to go shallow and with horses that won't be the most commonly used horses. With I agree. The three and maybe yeah. five. Yeah, those the I I need one three for sure. Like absolute and and if you're someone out there who is like uh you you're nervous, you don't want to play against Bell's the one, Scott that's fine. Whatever whatever however you want to take your approach. But I, I would recommend at least using Monday call or one of those one three because there is not a lot of pace in here whatsoever. And if for some reason Monday call gets loose and gets a length, she could be really, really tough to run down on a racetrack that she's already run well over. So uh Let's get the let's get a little separation here, Scotty. I know you love Scotty. I've got Bell's the one in my fantasy league. I hope she runs great and run, you know. But I just I don't know if this is uh, the the race where she'll get that kind of wicked pace setup she needs. Yeah, if either of them win and it's the pace that we expect, you just got to tip your cap sometimes. Yep. But I think both of them are set for big seasons. I think Sconson has been brought along perfectly, has just the perfect development to have a monster four-year-old season. I wouldn't be surprised if she's a major player come Breeders' Cup Philly and Mayor Sprint. I just don't know if this, this is a spot for her. <laughs> I think the last like decent score I had was when she uh, she won – on on September the 4th When she won the 8 bells that day It was funny because she was like 7-1 to one, And that was the race that looked like How is she 7-1? to one? There's all this speed She's going to get a perfect setup And she did, she ran right by And I don't think I've hit anything since then So uh, <laughs> maybe this will be the weekend for me again Where we're trying to beat her And we'll we'll win something So uh, it's been hit or miss since I, I guess I can't be too too greedy I had a 35-1 to one shot at, at Sam Houston yesterday That I had a few bucks I on I saw, so. nice job Yeah, yeah so we'll, we'll take that and not be greedy So uh, gambling Gods, I'm sorry, I apologize Be nice to me this weekend too, I don't want to be a greedy fool um, Let's go to the bluegrass Shiappy, we'll uh, we'll close things out Here with the uh, 11th and final Race on the card on Saturday We got Kentucky Derby points on the line um, And I would say Probably the current uh, favorite For the Kentucky Derby right now, we'll see what happens With Essential Quality and with Concert Tour I'd say those two are probably uh, Right now your top couple the, the talking point with this race though From the moment they drew the race all week long was I mean, there is absolutely zero speed in this race. Absolutely correct. There's none at all, which means to me that this kind of turns out to be 
a bit of a match race. I didn't mm-hmm. know if I thought it that way, and I'm not sure how I'll wager on it in the end. But there's only two horses that I think have any chance of, of dictating the pace. One of them, highly motivated, has really never been on the lead or close to it, but all of his races are at one turn, and if Javier Castellano is prepared, I would expect him to send aggressively from the gate in over a racetrack that he's one-for-one one over with this son of into mischief. And then essential quality. We think of him as a late-running sort because of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and he came from off the pace in the Southwest. But remember on this racetrack in the breeders futurity, he sat just off the early lead when he and won that. That, by that would be the exact type of trip in this race. You yeah. Know? I would like, think that Saez is either is going to push from the gate, let Castellano make a decision, whether he wants to go, he'll be happy to sit just off or dictate terms. It's going to make essential quality. Very tough to beat. Yeah, though, in my opinion. Yeah, he is. I just, I look up and down this field and I'm trying to find other horses that I would want would want to use. And I think the only other one that I could make a case for, so if I was playing pick threes, pick fours, pick five, something like that, I could maybe go three deep in here. And I, and I, I like I said, I don't like using the chalk chalk, but I would maybe throw in the two untreated who I just sort of feel like is a wild card. He was just a monster winner last time out in his debut. He got a ton of money and he, he got crushed by Candyman Rocket that day. I, I think... He's sort of got a little bit of upside because um, one thing I do a lot when uh, with our, our friend Emily when we're handicapping races, you know, um, she'll a lot of times we'll start eliminating horses when we go through the field. And if you do that in this field, it's like it's just so you, you, you really can't you start eliminating most of them. I mean, I've, I've not really been that high on keeping me in mind. He's been pretty slow on on speed figures and numbers sitting on go has been absolutely crushed as of late. He's just really hard. Uh to, to get excited about I mean I guess like there are two or three horses That I think are fine and are heading in the right direction But I don't think they're good enough To compete with essential quality And I don't think they they ha- Like Hush of a Storm or Rombauer like, I think both very nice horses But what kind of a trip are they going to get in here How far behind a pretty slow pace Are they going to be Scott Yeah I mean they're up against it both from a Talent perspective and then you know If you wanted to make a case for them and then uh, The the pace scenario that we talked About puts them even further behind the eight ball As you mentioned in the intro I've been following Turfway Park or did until The meet ended Hush of a Storm has been A very nice horse but you've got the question mark Of the pace and then whether this horse Is the same over the dirt as he is Over the synthetic I do think Santiago Gonzalez will have this horse Sitting third which is an advantageous Mm -hmm. Spot and you never know if highly motivated perhaps is not meant to go two turns. It could maybe get tired or if he's essential qualities breathing down his neck, even with slow fractions. I think maybe he can grind away a minor share. But you mentioned untreated. Big, big, big step up. But that was a very impressive visually. Earned a very solid number no matter what you're looking at. Mal obviously moves up in class. Second time, two turns. It's a tough task, but I agree with you. It's a horse at the very least to keep your eye out on in the future. If anyone beats essential quality other than highly motivated, though, it's really going to flip the derby picture quite a oh, bit. Oh, oh wow. It we will. Life is good. And then now, you know, essential quality. Greatest honor threw in a clunker. He wasn't going to be a yeah. big, but if he would have run big, he would have been a top three or four choice. Exactly, and now exactly. he's kind of coming back to life. Even, uh, um, who was it, Mandaloon? Yeah, um, I think it's going to be a real wide open event if if essential if quality and concert tour don't win their preps. I mean, if this thing becomes very wide open, one horse I just wanted to throw in is is Hidden Stash. Not fast enough to win the race, 
But I do think he could get the right trip if you look honest. Yeah, and I don't think he's I think he could sit third or fourth along the rail in this one. And he's won his lone start at Keeneland, which is always a positive. And um I just think he's the kind of horse that can grind away a share in this. And maybe if he gets in, even grind away a third or a fourth in the derby if everything went right. He'll get me this time because I backed him at eight to uh, eight to one, two back. I backed him at three to one last time out. I thought he was gonna run. The the Sam F. Davis, he angled out. And he looked like he was going to blow right by And he's got a little bit of an issue with like switching leads late He's yeah, he's sort of quirky and a little goofy And then last time out He's making this big move He literally goes up and actually like Almost sticks his nose in front of Helium And I'm thinking oh Helium hasn't run and hasn't gone this far He's going to back up but no <laughs> Hidden stash um, Honest couldn't get the job done in either of them But could work out a trip Because it the, the way that the, what makes this race Strange is that it's highly motivated, essential quality, and everybody else. And if you were to handicap this race, taking highly motivated and essential quality out, I know we can't do that, but if this was a field of seven and they weren't in it, I mean, the rest of this field would be very evenly matched. And like that, that's so that's what's difficult is that after those top two, like trying to find one horse, there's no real one that looks like the next obvious horse to include. Like who would be that next? Like logical third choice um, They're all horses that have some some issues You kind of scratch your head I mean, I like Highly Motivated Because uh, quite a bit um, As a horse I picked him early in the year In a fantasy horse racing league that I'm in And I was, I don't want to say disappointed When I watched the Gotham initially I watched it the second time And I thought it was a little bit better And, and he actually was making up some ground And, and a little closer But my, my concern with him a, a bit, Scott Is debut, bumped at the break Second start, veered in and bumped at the start. I didn't get out Third of the game, start, man. Broke in. Uh, what does Emily call oh. him? Slogs? You know, like yeah, he doesn't get out of the gate well. And if you want to win this race, I think you got to get to jump on essential quality. So he's not going to sit behind and pass him. He's got to try to get a length in front of him. And so hopefully, when if that's the game plan with a very good gate rider like Javier Castellano aboard, and you come into this race thinking, okay, let's go. Instead of other races, you're probably thinking, let's just, you know, break and settle and, and sit. Maybe with that being the focus, he will be able to break a little bit better because that's, I mean, we've talked about this race for 10 or 15 minutes and and it really all comes down to the one thing. What is going to happen the first like, 100 yards out of the gate? Yeah, you got it. And I think highly motivated is in a situation which he might not be in the rest of his career where he could make an easy lead because I don't think Saez is going to go out of his way to duel with him. I think he'll be more than happy to sit second. The question is, can the horse get out of the gate? Will he like the distance? And will Castellano be aggressive? I think you have to, and I, and I hope so, because this is a, a situation where highly motivated needs those points. Uh, essential quality does it. He can be very fine with running a, an okay second or third to get him along the way. Whereas a horse like highly motivated, I'm hoping they are very motivated to send him hard, get him out, and try to uh, try to take this field gate to wire in the bluegrass. I think uh, Jason Beam online or somebody was saying maybe we get the old uh, street sense Dominican great hunter. Was it uh, a <laughs> bluegrass where they're going like 52 on the synthetic uh, oh, yeah. that, that one year that was all weird right before the derby? But yeah. I don't think they'll be going that slow. But they could be crawling up front in this one, Scott. Yeah, and Luis Saez is the kind of jockey that I that I want to have on board when there's a slow pace and a horse that doesn't have to be on the lead but can be up close. 
I don't know. I'm all in on the champ in this one. I've had him number one in my Derby top 10 for since the Breeders' Cup or maybe even before that. I've seen nothing to make me change my mind. And uh, I think his tactical speed or ability to use tactical speed will do him well in this paceless race. Till he's dethroned, he is the champ. And again, I could just project him getting that same breeder's futurity type trip right behind highly motivated, just move into the lead when he needs to. And and those two end up running like two one. You know, I just I don't I, we love to. We love to try to, you know, with Sconson and uh, and and you saw with Bell's the one, just one race back. When we can have any reason to try to take shots against these short price horses, we will. Just seems like this is a really good spot for both of them to try to pick up the points they need and take their step along the way. Yep. And I hope Highly Motivated runs well. I hope yeah. he gets second or third because I'm not going to use him in the horse, you know, at any point on top. I just can't do it. If I like essential quality, I'll no. be singling. But uh, it'll add to the derby picture to have Chad Brown with a good one. And obviously, he's got the two in the wood that also could take a step forward and risk taking in crowded trade. But Highly Motivated uh, ran well in the Nyquist, and uh, hopefully, we see his best shot on Saturday. Scott Schaap uh, with a, a massive, busy, massively busy weekend like this. Prep races at Aqueduct, Santa Anita, Keeneland stuff. Um, what are you going to be working on? I know you've got uh, all sorts of golf stuff coming up soon, too. Uh, where can we find some of your work on social media, and what do you have coming in the near future? Yeah, this week it'll be the Oakland Expert Picks as I've done on for Twin Spires. Every race, every day, you can find those on the app or on the website under the Expert Picks videos. Uh, I'll be following Keeneland Friday and Saturday, obviously, the big start to the meet. Hopefully I can get down there once before Derby season starts. We've got the Masters coming up. You can find all my work, though, just by following me on Twitter, at ScottShap34. I post it all on there. Thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate you carving out a few minutes with us here, and uh, good luck this week, and I'll be going back and forth with you. Sounds good. Thanks as always for having me, Gino. Scott Shapiro, folks, there from Twin Spires. Make sure to give him a follow. Check out all the great work that Scott does. We'll wrap up the Keeneland Saturday and plenty more on That's What She Said. Scott Shapiro helping us out with some Keeneland Saturday. So my pick five uh, in race number seven looks something like this. I think it's like 96 bucks right now. Two, four, six, seven with two, seven, nine, 13 with five, six with one, three, five with three, four. Pick five starting in race number seven Saturday there at Keeneland. Best of luck. Let's continue bouncing around on Saturday. We've got stakes races all over the place. We head next to Santa Anita. We're going to talk about the Santa Anita Derby with Jeff Chapman. Chappie helps us out with four stakes races. We hit races uh, five, six, eight, and nine. Kick back and enjoy talking about some Santa Anita Saturday with Chappie. Santa Anita Derby Day this weekend on Saturday. Big day out at Santa Anita with uh, graded stakes races on the undercard. Kentucky Derby points line and up for grab. And joining me, because he was uh, so, so good last time we had him on to handicap on San Felipe Day, I believe, is Jeff Chapman from Santa Anita. Good buddy I've known for a while. Chappie, you hit the, you hit a home run last time. You gave us a couple nice horses at one. You gave us uh, another nice price underneath that came rolling. So uh, we had to bring you back and, uh, and see if we can help the folks out and pick a winner or two. You know, in honor of opening day, Gino, I would say I hit a double because yeah, the, I I we we were seeing the ball well that day. It was just, it just uh, the the fifteen the eighteen to one shot that flew home and ran third 
it would have been a grand slam had exactly. that horse won. So exactly, yeah. that's a better way of yeah. putting it. Like a a nice double to the wall, but it could have been a little bit better. We'll see if we can get it even a little bit better this week. But I know what it, what is better. Uh, no matter what, win or lose, it's better when there are fans out there at the racetrack, Chappie. And it's going to be really cool this week. You and I are recording on Thursday night. Uh, this weekend will be the first time in a while that Santa Anita will actually be opening back up to fans. Yeah, starting tomorrow. On Friday, I, this comes out, so starting Friday, uh, we will finally open up to the public. You know, it's a limited thing right now. It's all in accordance to the, you know, L.A. County. But, first of all, it's a great step in the right direction having fans. And second of all, we're even moving a, another tier down starting next week. So we're going to be able to add even more fans. So I'm ready, man. You know how it is. When you get people out there, it's just a different deal. Yeah, and we, we need energy. the fans back. Yeah. yeah, in all yeah. sports, yeah. you know, we, we we like it being, you know, it's every, they've done a great job, uh, protocols, safe, um, and everyone gets out there. That that's what we want because sports and, and all these stuff, it's it's just so much different. Um, we, we love it. We'll still watch it, but when there when there aren't people around, there's just a, a different feel to it. And the people will be out this weekend, and they'll have some good races to watch. Chappie, we're going to talk about uh, four graded stakes races on the card at Santa Anita on Saturday. So for those of you who are following along with your past performances, get those Santa Anita past performances out for April the third, and we're going to start in race number five with the grade three. Providencia they're going to go a mile and eighth On the turf course here The Phil D'Amato going global Is really really good right now She's been super impressive in both of her Starts here in the US she won a race Over in Ireland before coming over And uh, moving into the uh, D'Amato barn Uh, Pratt has been aboard her uh, In both of her victories And um, you know she's going to be really Tough but at first glance you know I didn't Think there's that much speed in this race Chappie no, I don't either. But 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 going back and watching her last race, and there I, there's very little speed whatsoever. But I I think with her stretching out the last time, you know, I think she can sit wherever she wants. She and can. With not much pace in here, like you said, first time out. I bet her life. I got a little uh, wink, nice. wink, tip, tip on her. Nice. Yeah, nice. And got almost nine to one. So I made a nice score there, and I wasn't sure the next time out because she had never gone two turns before. But she did it so easily. She so, seems to have so much talent, right? And I, um, I don't I like can't, to be chalky. No, but I can't use the horses really that were behind her. You know, because no. like in that race, they feel like like maybe closing remarks like got shifted down to the inside a little bit. Cortrell, like they were okay, but she just seemed like you said. I have I have no knocks on her whatsoever. I will use her in all exotics. I will just use her along with one other horse, and that's the seven, just in case. They can get aggressive with Ivy League out there. I think she has the most natural speed. Yeah, she's she's not bad either. It's not like she was a horse who was really running poorly before she put it all together. I like the fact that she proved that she can go a mile in an eighth last time out. A horse that she beat just came right back to win. So I think if the plan on the outside with her, if Mike can look around and see, okay, there's not a lot of speed in here. Maybe I can get aggressive and get a length on going global early. I think that may be the only way she. Uh, I I would I don't say the only way she gets beat. There's plenty of ways where she gets. That's that's the only way I would pl- I'm gonna play. Uh, against her or including her Is like using the seven along with her In some exotics, exactas And, and maybe some of the multis Yeah, I'm, I I agree with you I mean, the only other horse I'm going to give a, Just a tad another to the two Quattrell And I'll tell sure. you why Before before that last I had, ch- I had talked to Jeff Mullins And he wanted to get her into a race Before that timeout The last time in the China Doll 
and and she had gone nine weeks without racing. So he said that she wasn't quite fit enough. So I'm thinking, you know, that horse was ultra impressive the race before that. So I'm thinking maybe she, she can just take a needed step forward. that race and com- yeah. Now, but 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 that's like you and I are both saying it's going through glowing global. She's yep. going global, and she's going to be very very tough. Hands and down. she should sit right off. And like you said, maybe maybe Ivy League crawls on the front end. That could pro- probably be the only way the four gets beat here. Yeah, I think so too. She she just looks really really nice. And uh, and some days you know what? Some days you get big betting fields. Some days you get like really big nice star horses. And and I think she might be one of those up and coming horses. So we'll see if she can put it all together and continue uh, trying to make it four in a row and three straight here at Santa Anita. We're gonna move to the Santa Anita Oaks, and this is an interesting race to me. It's just a field of five. But you have uh, Beautiful Gift and Moraz who raced against each other in the Santa Isabel And, I mean, it looked like Moraz was going to go on and win that thing by by three or four lengths And uh, Beautiful Gift kind of had to shift out And then she really started to build up some momentum And she was able to get up late So those are the two that, uh, you know, are, are probably going to take the most action But the Mandela was very impressive first time out I mean, Javanika, she faced the boys last time out She was behind... A horse named Rombauer who's going to be uh, You know in, in one of the Kentucky Derby preps this weekend So I think this is a pretty contentious Group for being a small field Yeah uh, well, you know real quickly About Javanica like you said first of all ran Second two back to Quattrell Who we just talked about mm-hmm. who obviously has talent Of course on the t- on the turf And then is facing Rombauer who I Believe is in the bluegrass right yep. Um, yep. For Michael McCarthy yep. That being said I I went back and I watched and as I'm sure you did too, the race with Moraz and Beautiful Gift. I don't know on Moraz. Did, 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 do you think Moraz, and, and this is going to lead me to another horse, but do you think Moraz just kind of got lost out on the lead? A little like, it bit. Almost looked like, yeah, I, right? She was waiting on, and, and that's what concerns me about the way this race might shape up because she sort of projects to be the horse on the lead, you would think, um, like most naturally, but I don't really know if. You know, I, I would think they'd want to send her from the inside. I was just a little disappointed with with that race. I thought she was going to put it all together, like you said. Did she just get a little, uh, you know, looking around? We see young horses do that sometimes when they open up a length or two. She really got a perfect trip, angled out, and beautiful girl got a beautiful gift. Got kind of shuffled a little bit, and she was like much the best that day. Yeah, yeah. That being said, I'm and you mentioned it. I've got a feeling that Soothsay, you know, and, and you never want to pick a horse with something for the first time, stretching out, never face winners, this and that. But we both know Mandela doesn't win first time out much. And usually when he does, they're very talented. Yep. That race was powerful. And I watched Soothsay work with a horse, actually a first timer that's going to be in race number four. So you could go back and see maybe how that does a bender. For Mandela, uh, in it, which is a highly anticipated, uh, some horses in there, you know, that Bobby Bow's in there for Baffert. Um, Suze just blew away Bender. I, I think this horse is going to take to two turns, and I think there's something really there. I wrote I down powerful. Uh, completely what agree were your with thoughts? you. Thoughts? Yeah. Completely yeah. agree with you. I, well, from just a pure, if she's anything over seven to two, she is by far the most fun horse to bet in this race. Who else, who else really gets you, like, I think Javanika is a very good measuring stick type horse. I think she is really honest. She showed us last time out. She's kind of a grinder. She'll keep trying hard. I think Moraz and Beautiful Gift are fine three-year-olds. I think they're yeah. fine. Like, I, I think 
their quality They'll win some graded stakes races along the line I think Soothsay could be a really, really special horse Off of that win And in a spot like this, this is the time to play her because if she does stretch out and win and look good, you, we'll never be able to play her again. again. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, and, you know, if we can get seven to two, line, right? yeah, yeah, if she, yeah. if we can get seven to two, like I think anything over three to one, that, that to me would be the, the price and the, the horse to play. I wouldn't be shocked to see her showing a lot more tactical speed stretching out too. You know, we talked about how there's not really like a speed demon in here. There's a couple that are pressers. She could be right there in the mix with them too. She's not gonna have to be too far out of it. I think she she's by far the most intriguing horse to me, Chappie. I'm glad you're on her too because I just don't like I don't get that ex- I don't really get that excited to play the other two at two to one. I'd much rather play her if I, if we can get three, three and a half. Right. And like you said, I want I, I didn't love I just didn't love the race with Moraz and Beautiful Gift. Like Moraz looked like she was going to draw up a win by three, and Beautiful Gift came and got her. But I, I wrote down Grinder for Beautiful Gift. Yes, now, it wasn't like she know. was only like a couple lengths behind. She wasn't like she closed fifteen lengths. You know, she just she just kind of like it was like a war of attrition type thing. You know, right, somebody stopped right. and she kind of came. So we we see this race similarly. You know, I'm respect for both the inside and the outside. Respect for Javanica, a brilliant cut could maybe show a little pace in here. But I think Suitse really makes the most sense. From from looking at a horse to play in this race individually. Yeah, and and is it, another thing too is isn't Mandela kind of tipping his cap that he's bringing he's he's putting her in this race in her right. second lifetime start. That he right? does this. I mean, that he doesn't yeah. take the progression and try to find another spot where he can stretch out in a softer spot and get six and a half or you know a mile against softer first. You know, some some of those allowance races that he could have written for him. Basically, he takes a swing here because I think he's looking around thinking the same thing that we are like. I'm not scared of these these fillies, right. right? Maybe right. maybe my fillies uh, still needs to take another step or two, uh, stretching out before she can ma- compete with them. But I'm not quite scared of of them, and so I think it's a good place for him to take a shot. I love it. We're on the same page. I don't know if that's good or bad. I know. We're going to say we're going we're going down together, or we're going to hit a home drink. run here again. I was going to say drinks, 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 shots, shots, shots as yep. we move in. No doubt. The Santa Anita Derby. So flip to uh, race number eight, folks, following along. Mile and an eighth in here. Kentucky Derby points on the line. And obviously the complexion of this race changed quite a bit a few weeks ago, Chappie, when uh, Life is Good, who won the San Felipe and looked like no doubt the favorite and the one that they were all going to have to beat come Derby Day. This Derby and the actual Kentucky Derby, he is injured. He's off the trail. And so now this will give an opportunity for a horse like Medina Spirit to kind of be the horse to shine here. He's been chasing life is good in the only two races that he got beat, and he's really, really good. Do you think the race starts with him? Okay, so first of all, we got to say that for everybody betting, life is good after Baffert, because otherwise we would have had a five-horse field probably, right? And yeah, now we've right. got ten horses. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Need a derby. It's unbelievable, right? It is. It is. And, you're right. I basically, okay, I have four horses marked in here that we can talk about, and you might have a couple more. But well, let's start with her. First of all, I think, and I think you and I, prob- I think we talked about this the last time, Medina Spirit, and granted, being a Baffert horse could move up and win by five. It wouldn't shock me. But seems like more of a grinder, yep. but a fighter. Yep. But I think also wants the lead, whereas last time out, 
they weren't going to send with like he was kind of floating. I was going to say he was kind of running blocker there. You know, he was sort of floating the great one out wide into the turn yeah. a little bit, making yeah. it hard on him. So right, it is right. it is interesting to see the the tactics that they choose today with the great one with. Parnelli, who's also got a little bit of speed with Rock Your World, who's got a little bit of speed. Back Ring Luck also has a little bit of speed. So um, they could be going pretty quick in here with all of them. Yeah. And I, like you said, I, I think Medina's spirit goes. Yep. Um, the great one probably goes. Uh, the, 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 the unknown is Rock Your World, right? Yep. I mean, this horse was ultra impressive in both starts. And worked well, worked well on the dirt last week. You know, it's a, a candy ride, so it should take to the dirt. That's the one we don't know. I, I could see this horse running a well-beaten fifth, and this horse could run them off their feet. Uh, because that's, the that's dirt so... is such a, a variable that we don't know about, right? There, right. There's there's improvement that he could show in just career start number three. And then there's also this whole wild card X Factor improvement of the dirt. And yeah. um He's a really interesting horse in here to me Is he going to need to step up? Sure But like we said, there are many reasons To think that he could jump up Visually, he's been very impressive In both starts, I don't think he is A need-to-lead horse by all, he can track off A, a little bit if he has to um, He, I have him as a exot- I'm using a horse In the late exotics, because he's one of, I think I think there's probably four horses in here That I will probably want to use in some way, shape, or form Of exotics, you mentioned Um Medina Spirit, who I think is, you know, the one to beat uh, Rock Your World, the most intriguing to me As, like, of, of the new faces trying to dirt The one who I'm, I'm gonna maybe give another shot back to in here Is Roman Centurion um, I think, you know, his his Bob Lewis was so good And then last time out, I mean, nobody was beating Life is Good And nobody was really making up any ground in that race whatsoever I think there's, uh, there's definitely versions of this race Where he can save all the ground inside And we get uh, back ring luck, Parnelli, Medina, uh, Medina Spirit. We get the great one, um, and even maybe Rock Your World showing a little more speed. We can get combinations of all five of them being forwardly placed, and in that situation, Roman Centurion would be in a great spot, saving all the ground from the inside. I think if he can bounce back to his two back race, see, he was one of those horses that you talked about, Chappie. I think they were pointing for like the Wood Memorial with him, or they were going to go out of town, but they decided to stay here once life is good. Um, wasn't going to be in this race anymore. Yeah, I agree with you. And there, there's, to me, there's actually two eight to ones, and they're completely different, but they're both intriguing. And that's the the bookends. So Roman Centurion, I I agree with you there. Kind of threw a bit of a bit of a clunker, but it ran two good ones in a row. And we're gonna get more than eight to this horse, right? I you mean, do. It, I think it, so. Yeah. It's like it's like people go. So what have you done for me lately? Somebody looks great. Three races in a row one, runs one clunker. Sometimes it can even be on a different surface. And then the next time out, you get 10 to 1 on a horse because people just, they don't remember anything. I think he'll be at least. Other than the last time out, right? The two horses that beat him last time will no doubt be shorter prices than him. Rock Your World will probably also be a shorter price than him. And I wouldn't be shocked to see the great one or even the baffer to the outside as a shorter price than him. He might float up. You're absolutely right. Um, and, and that, you know, he, he gives you a nice um, He's not a horse who, based on his running style I would ever be able to, like, single on a ticket Because there are too many versions of races Where that something doesn't happen early And it, the, the race doesn't develop the way he needs But he's the type of a horse When you look in races that you think there could be some pace He's one that I think you'll want to continue to use Because he really does have ability And I think he's going to keep getting better He just might be at the mercy of races Based on the the, the shape of them, you know? Yeah. 
No question. And so getting to the outside horse, I don't know what your thoughts are. I, I, we had Bob Baffert on the day of on the radio on our radio show uh, when defunded ran. And he actually really liked that day. The horse who ran second. I don't know if you remember that, but he was he had two in there. And, and yeah. the high horse, the high horse was the, the the horse who ran second in there. And actually kind of wiped, I think got DQ kind of wiped everybody out of the start. But he said on the show, Defunded wants to run longer. And if you go back and watch the end of that race, Defunded was just getting going towards just the starting. It, yeah. it would be, wouldn't it be? So fitting that life is good isn't in here And he he brings a horse That just is on nobody's radar To show up with a big effort Like this with a horse that's like Six to one or so Right <laughs> That would yeah. It almost seems like that has to happen Now that right? we, think, now that we it, talk about it Yeah, I know I it mean, does It really does I, just, and I really think this I, yeah, And make sure, right. they make sure it's honest So defunded you know, he's going to have to stretch out, like you said He's going to have to stretch out, he's going to go from 6 to a mile And an 8th, but this is something that Baffert Thinks he can do already He's going to have a start under his belt now he, he wouldn't be In this race unless he thought He could at least pick a piece up Right? Unless he at the very least Thought he could hit the board here He does not get fever So he's not going to throw this horse into this race here He'd wait and put him, run him in the Pat Day mile in a month at, at Churchill Downs, you know, like Right like, it's it's it is it's so weird that he shows up here when, yeah, when he's got a Medina spirit it, and maybe it's just that he feels like okay if, if they go quick early this horse could get uh, a nice trip from off the pace and, and pick up some pieces and he might in this for some of the same reasons I like Roman Centurion defunded at a similar price total wild card he absolutely you know uh, has a shot in here yeah it's one of those and he's the one like you said he's not putting the horse in to make the race fill because medina's spirit is in there right? and he Here's likes to separate yeah. him. right right so somehow puts this horse in said it wanted longer you go back and look at that that horse was jogging late and eating up ground mike smith shows up I don't know. And look, never gone two turns, never face winners, might not do a thing. It wouldn't shock me if this horse drew off and won by three. It really no. wouldn't. No, it's th- because it's that any one of these horses that are, I think there are like five or six pretty nice horses in here. I think Roman Centurion, Dream Shake, Rock Your World are very nice. I think Medina Spirit, <clears throat> the great one, Defunded are very nice. Does that mean? They want to all go long on the main track No, they all horses all end up finding their niche, right? Some of them will end up being sprinters Some end up going on the grass, you know But I think all of these horses have ability That's what makes this prep fun Is that you can legitimately Last time, the, the conversation we had was Okay, is it life is good or is it everybody else? You know, that was right, This, this right. conversation is different Because while we we very do uh, we, we very much respect Medina's spirit He is by no means um, someone that scares you off No, no, no. And, and the one horse that we haven't talked about much and, and like we said, there's a couple of them The Defunded could end up being really good Dream Shake still could be all, I mean, that that was just phenomenal And then Dream Shake got absolutely thrown to the wolves Against life is good But still He could sit a great trip, deep. right? Like and, he could be and, sitting and, third or fourth in here And maybe get the jump on the, I like Roman Centurion You like to fund it a little bit They both may be behind him a bit He could be getting that third or fourth You know, sitting right behind the speeds And he was moving up into contention It's just, he moved up And then life is good, press the button And that was that, you know Right, um, right And, and Medina's spirit kind of grinded down the lane And, and, and beat 
beat Dream Shape by you know to get second in there to get the place money. But really, for his second start, he ran he ran a bang up race. He he, he could be something special because really that, that that move in the in the debut was was something phenomenal and something that you and I talk about another thing that you don't see out of a Peter Urton first time nope. starter. Let's it's face like, it. It's some of the same thing we were talking about with the Mandela horse earlier, right? Yeah. When they're this good, this early, you think of some of the trainers like Suge, if for, if Carla Gaines has horses like immediately, you know, because that's not what they do. So when right. those horses will, will show you that ability, even when with like, a patient outfit, then I, I think there's something there. So he absolutely deserves some recognition and he has, Honestly, I think as good a shot as as any in here to win this. Like he he is a logical, probably second choice in here behind Medina Spirit because he he could work out a great trip. And I, I mean, it looks if you're just looking at figures and stuff, like it looks like he regressed a little bit. I have a hard time make you know in a race like the San Felipe last time out when a horse wins by ten like that, like how the horses behind him stack up because it's just a okay yeah they all lost to a better horse that better horse isn't in here today you know exactly. Uh, yeah, th- this is a contentious uh, The Santa Anita Derby And the Wood this weekend The Bluegrass is sort of the opposite It's a short field, and on paper There is no speed at all And it kind of just looks like it's a two-horse race With essential quality to beat In the Wood, you've got like A bunch of horses that are going to be in the 3-1 to one range And you, you sort of got this here I think Medina Spirit might take some money But it doesn't feel like a horse that's like a like a four to five even money type favorite here. This this does feel like a good final prep for these Santa Anita horses. We're gonna see uh, l- uh, probably a couple of these horses in uh, in about a month or so, uh, Chappie in the Derby. So I-, I thought, like you said, a bummer that we don't see life is good from a quality. He could have been the Kentucky Derby winner, but from a betting standpoint, a field of five turned into a field of ten. Yeah, and <laughs> and there's a Baffert favorite. In a full field, and we're not afraid of the Baffert favorite, which is That's a, great uh, opportunity. a rarity out here. Yeah, yeah and no it's, it's a great, great wagering opportunity. Uh, we have one more stakes race we're going to talk about. That's right after the San Anita Derby. It is the Grade Two Royal Heroine on the turf course here. Um, Charmaine's Mia is just in excellent form right now for Damato. Uh, she has been really good. She stretched her speed out from six furlongs to a mile, and she did it impressively. Um, she can probably track a little bit. She will have to deal with some other early pace in here, though, because Raymundo's secret is is quick. Uh, Laura's light is also pretty quick. So um, while she is the one to beat, Charmaine's Mia may have to track off a little bit. You know, I have I have looked at this race up and down so many times, and the only thing I put that you just said at the top of the page was loads of speed in here. Yeah. And you know, uh, Charmaine's Mia was ultra impressive last time. Drew away. You know, quick turn of foot, uh, time going two turns. Maybe she sits and Phil D'Amato. What can we say? It seems like he wins 86% of every turf race in Southern California. (laughs) I know. And and speed seems to dominate out here somewhat more on the turf, at least lately. Do you agree with that statement? Uh, Absolutely. You, You can't be too far out of it, no doubt. But this race would not shock me if somebody uh, who's going to come from off the pace. You know, I, I, I even give a look at maybe a horse like Ride for the Cause, and I don't like the fact Absolutely. that he left. But but that's the closer in this yes, race, right? Hundred percent. And 
And the two that I'm I'm looking at, and I, I even made a little bit of a, a a note and possibly how I approach the late exotics with Dog Tag, who you mentioned, Rispoli, who leaves. And it doesn't bother me that Pratt, who won on Epidemia's Girl, leaves to go to Charmaine's Mia. Of course he's going to stay with Charmaine's Mia, with D'Amato, who's won a couple in a row. Look at Epidemia's Girl, who... She beat on Mars, who you also see that tap water beat. She came off of a layoff from November of 2019 to March of, of 2021. And she's got a really nice kind of tactical style where I don't I think they'll try to use those same exact tactics that they had last time out, where maybe she can sit like fourth behind a couple of the others that go, and she could get the jump on the horse you mentioned, ride for the cause, who I think you absolutely should use in here. Cause it you said I don't love Leaving when the riders leave But when they leave like He's always going to go ride for Mandela I think of course. If, if Mandela's going to give him a shot Because that just makes so much sense you know. Um, and, and that horse actually Perhaps she can track a nice trip From the rail She was starting to get really good And then they took a shot I, I, I love what he did He looked at the Clement Hirsch Sort of like what exactly what he did in the Oaks today uh, In the Sydney to Oaks earlier on the card that we were talking about and he said you know what It's not that strong I've got a pretty nice horse Let's just take a shot with her and you know what? She didn't like the dirt. So now, plenty of time off. She's come back, and she looked like she's training well for this. She could track nicely from the inside. I think it's I same sort of thing as like I respect Charmaine's uh, Mia quite a bit. But if this race stays intact with both Raimundo's Secret and Laura's Light in here, I I'd be fine trying to take a shot against her with, with yeah. the piece. The, the three horses. So obviously, we both agree that. Maybe Charmaine's me as the monster could sit off and wins, right? And could be just a beast and, and D'Amato never loses on the turf anymore. The other three horses that I have marked are the three horses that you mentioned. Dog yep. tag at eight to one, ride for the cause, it's to one, and Epidemia's girl. Those I are the three for me too. Race. Yeah. Yeah. So like you said, back to Epidemia, I mean, off of a long layoff, first time Baltus, who's getting very hot again, and... I put on there relaxed early because that horse sat off the pace and yep. er, you know, earlier in the career had wanted the lead, gone to the lead, gone to the lead. There was no pulling. There was no anything. Pre- and that's you know, for a newborn too, which is nice. So it's like they maybe just made a few tweaks and changed how they were training with her. So she's a little more patient. Uh, another positive is that she ran a good race last time out, but she was good before. Like yes. she was competitive with graded stakes company. Earlier on in her career she just obviously Had some physical issues like I think you can Make legitimate excuses for some of those Races at the end of 2019 that she didn't Run well she came back she ran just Five furlongs and then she was off for A long time so you know you can probably Toss two or three of those races and really Just dig in and find a couple Good ones and you know she she Might trip out in here not on the mushrooms That you and I tripped out on though Chappie you know No no back in the day we, we yeah Thank God we're older and more and wiser than we were. But <laughs> hey, well, it's wise. It's wise that to, to at least maybe take a shot at fifteen to one. Absolutely, that, that's ridiculous. And this is a must this, use in the late late pick four to start. This is the start of a late pick four. If you're playing it, I think you have to throw in the eight. And 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 I would depending on how your approach is throughout the rest of the sequence. I like the seven ride for the cause who you made. I like dog yep. tag like. If you're playing an approach against Charmaine's Mia, I think those are the horses that you're looking at, and maybe one or two. But if that's your approach, you're you're probably chucking her and, and playing, you know, some middle to longer priced horses. Right. I I think this is a spread race and not all about Charmaine's yep. Mia, who's probably the most talented. But this is a very very interesting race to to close out stakes on a great day. I mean, twelve races, my friend. It's going to be. 
it's going to be a good one. Yeah, and we get a little bit of everything. We get some uh, some a couple stars. We get some races that are good betting races. We'll get to see uh, some horses that are going to be making uh, their way to the Kentucky Derby. So uh, a little bit of everything checks all the boxes, and the people will be back out at Santa Anita. Chappie, I'm going to be uh, doing the uh, the Karma um, uh, handicapping contest on Saturday morning, and uh, I know you said you'll be buzzing all around. I know you'll be really busy there, but I uh, look forward to a. Uh, Trying to get off the schneid I think the couple times I've joined you I have not done nearly as well as you did When you joined me So I owe, uh, I owe you a little on, on, uh, on that one um, Let the folks out there know Where can we follow you along on social media You're always fun to talk to I know you're pumped with uh, You and I are talking on opening day of baseball One of the biggest Cubs fans I know out there Yeah, a couple things First of all, today I was so busy I didn't even get to watch uh, Opening day of the Cubbies, and they got beat. They only had two hits, so I was glad I was busy. (laughs) Uh, I'm not expecting a whole lot this year. That's okay. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at HorseChappy and on Instagram, ChappyCubsFan. And then I appreciate you coming on Saturday. We're going to do the uh, Charity First Handicapping Challenge, All for Karma. And it's on 1030 on Santa Anita's YouTube. And unfortunately, this is the only one. Oh, no, you're doing it Saturday, are you? Saturday, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is actually at 10 a.m. Uh, and this is the only one of the entire meet that I will not be on because I've got so much to do that uh, either George's George O is going to do it by himself, or I might have Seminar Skip, who's on the radio Oops. show with me, uh, fill in as my proxy. There but we I go. appreciate I'm... you doing it, buddy. I really Absolutely. do. Absolutely, I look forward to it. I'll I'll make sure I uh, I we got that a lot of the handicapping done. Now we'll now we'll work on formulating some good wagers so we can uh, make some money there for charity and uh, and for uh, get a win there for Team Chappie. Man, this has been a lot of fun. I'm I'm all, like now I'm always like kicking myself that I it took so long to get you on here. We've had some great conversations uh, about these Santa Anita cards uh, on their last few big days, and uh, I'll have to get you back in like a a month or so. Um, I always get a bunch of people on on like the Oaks Undercard uh, weekend for everyone to handicap a race or two, and then give me their uh, their Derby thoughts too. So I'll bring you back in a few weeks, and we can do that the same thing. I love it, I, brother. I always like when you have me on, and uh, it's a blast. And you and I could talk for another hour. You know that. So oh, we yeah, we get, could, and we you, would if you, I don't cut us off now. Yeah. I <laughs> know. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, but I, hey, I appreciate it. And when you need me, call me. I would love to come on anytime, and we'll talk a little Oaks and Derby. Chappy, man, uh, it's been far too long uh, between beers. I can't wait. Uh, we were just talking about it. You're got your uh, second vaccine coming up soon. I've got number one for me uh, coming soon, and hopefully back to normalcy and uh, and back to uh, having some beers out at Santa Anita. Gino, you be safe. Let's win some money this weekend. And we will all be getting back together sooner than later, and I can't wait. Thank you so much, Chappy. Uh, Jeff Chapman there. You all heard how you can follow him along on social media. Oh, give us the plug for the radio show, too, one more time before you go. Oh, uh, so the Morning Line Sports Show uh, on all the social media platforms on Saturday morning from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., TML AM 830, or on the radio, you can just go to AM 830 and uh, 8 to 9 Saturday mornings. We cover all sports, uh, you know, probably 60, 60, 70% horse racing. This Saturday, it's going to be 95% racing all about Santa. And, uh, oh, yeah, it has to be on, on a big, big weekend. Thank you so much, buddy. Good luck this weekend. I'll be, uh, I'll be shooting you texts back and forth. Let's make some money. All right, my brother. Appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Don't go anywhere, folks. I'm going to wrap up the Santa Anita Saturday card, and uh, we will move along. Plenty more racing on this big Saturday. 
Chappie helping us out with Santa Anita Saturday. So a quick little recap in the fifth. Take a look at the seven Ivy League and use along with the four in exactas. In the sixth, the number three suit say. If we get anything around seven to two, I think that's very worthy of a win wager. In the eighth, make sure to include Roman Centurion who could save all the ground from the inside. And in the ninth, Epidemia's girl, I think, has an opportunity there from the outside to sit a nice trip. That is Santa Anita. Saturday, we're going to talk some Sam Houston Saturday, but first we're going to talk about SarahCandles.com, C-E-R-A Candles.com, all natural soy wax candles free from toxins that are found in paraffin wax, which is the type of wax that is used by a lot of the other leading brands. This all natural soy wax will actually hold your scent better and burn up to 50% longer than the traditional paraffin wax candles. They're lead-free, cotton wicks, completely natural scents, hand crafted and sourced in the USA, 25 different scents available, three different sizes, fragrance oils infused with natural essential oils, uh, always adding different seasonal scents. They even give you instructions and details on how to keep your candle clean and how to make sure you get the perfect burn. That promo code G-I-N-O gets you 10% off your purchase. This is a great gift for anyone in the family, friends, loved ones, or just something that'll help spice up the house, keep things a little fresh around, and you will love Sarah Candles. C-E-R-A Candles.com promo code G-I-N-O gets you 10% off your purchase. We head to Sam Houston for Saturday. We're going to talk about the early pick five sequence with Andy Villanueva. So the Sam Houston send-off, the Sam Houston sayonara continues on now to closing day Saturday at Sam Houston. Get those past performances out. Closing day at Sam Houston is exciting because it's such a great beat and we still have a a really good card to get into, but really sad uh, for someone like uh, myself, someone like Andy Villanueva, who's going to join me, who handicaps these races each and every day. I, I got to say it, Andy, and I've, uh, I've I've mentioned it the last couple of years. This is my favorite racetrack to play day in, day out. And the way these cards were put together the last, you and I are going to be talking about the Saturday card, but we're actually recording on Wednesday before they've even run any of the races this week. But all of these races, all of these like late fives, general stakes races, I didn't even realize there were this many good horses on the grounds over there at Sam Houston. Yeah, you know, the benefit of, of the fact that fairgrounds closed last week and horses are shipping to Oakland and here and uh, getting up to Keeneland and Hawthorne and all that, it's a benefit to, it's really a, a good way that Sam Houston decided to make sure they marketed it the proper way to get more horses here. The purse increases, you know, uh, really drew in some some big fields for this last week, and you and I are going to go through the early pick five on Saturday. But again, just want to uh, give another big shout-out to Sam Houston all meet long and uh, our buddy Chris Griffin, who's going to be uh, moving on and heading over to Parks to be the full-time track announcer over there. Everybody at Sam Houston, uh, Frank Hop over there, uh, Martha Clausen, who comes in does a great job, yourself, Trey, doing the handicapping, Jessica Paquette over there, I mean, anybody that I missed, um, just a really great team overall. Yeah, they're they've been awesome, and you know, I, the truck is going to grow leaps and bounds with the way with the way everything is is starting to come to fruition with the tax bill for for the horses and uh, you know other tracks having situational problems and not being able to run on a consistent basis. And 
Uh, Sam Houston fits the bill right now for a lot of things. And when you have purses that are larger or on par with Gulfstream Park, you know, it's worth taking a look. Let's get into Saturday closing day Our final chance to make some money with these Low takeout multi-race exotics And uh, we actually have a stakes race in the early Pick 5 that we get the chance to to talk about too. There are three stakes races on the Saturday card. Let's get right into that Early pick 5 and there are They've been doing this now in uh, The cards that they've had no Arabian races when there's 10 races Carded they've been giving us the double pick fives With uh, with multiple options which is Even better so we can play two pick Fives on Saturday to try to close it out Let's hit this first one Andy and then we can roll the Money on over into the late pick five We've got Texas bred maidens Four and five years old they're going six Furlongs in the opener uh, Who are some of the horses you're looking at to begin with uh, Looking at uh, As much as it pains me I gotta go I mean this race if, if there's any Day this horse breaks maiden. It's today in that Texas crossbow. Uh, lone speed in the field, probably going to get an easy lead. And, you know, if he's able to to not stop, I think he's going to end up winning the race. I think also a horse to look at just on basis of coming out of some big races is running the red. Uh, two races back was probably his best race. Uh, comes out, of, and that race was pretty tough. After said and done And this is a nice easy spot for him And I think he's going to run a bigger race Than that and obviously you can't uh, Go against Solar City on the rail who's yeah. probably Going to be a short price but He's going to need a pace to run at and I don't Know whether or not he's going to get it yeah, and and I mean, you, you kind of nailed it. It's like you, you, Texas Crossbow. It's just been such a struggle of a meet for for Swords, and you know he's had a lot of horses at short prices that he hasn't gotten home with. But um, uh, you know, this is another situation where he looks like he's got some pace here, and he should have every opportunity. Uh, Solar City, you mentioned, actually, you know, second off the eight month layoff, he does look. Pretty solid in here the only concern I have with him is I guess with his running style From the rail sometimes you get maybe in a little Bit of trouble but he actually had a pretty Good start last time out and He he sort of wanted to be more forwardly placed But there were four other horses that Wanted the lead so he you know he ended up Getting caught in between and got shuffled back a little Bit I wouldn't be shocked to see him Pretty close from the inside here um, Yeah I had one four three nothing really Too crazy or, or any uh, anything too Outside the box uh, you mentioned running for red who got Up late for second I just don't you know these horses. It's funny that you generally don't like playing maiden races like this, where you're playing horses that have you know been a maiden forever. But but so many of them just look the same. Yeah, know? and the way and the way this tra- the way this race is written, it's only for four and five year olds. There is no three, four, five year olds. It's not four and up. It's four and five year olds. So going back in the PPs, you're going to have to look to see whether or not uh, you know did he finish second against four and up, three mm-hmm. and up, Good or point. was it a four five? And Good point. So. I'm going to venture with the four-year-olds because I just think that you give them a little bit more season. You know, they're they're in a different spot right now than the five-year-olds. The five-year-olds are chasing, and I know I said Texas Crossbow, who's five, but, you know, I'll give them one more chance with Lone Speed. Yeah, I mean, he really does look like he's the one to catch again. The only thing is, is there have been a few races where he's been in where... He did look like the load speed before So, you know, it's always tough with horses like that I mean, he, he should have no excuses in every opportunity To get the job done And and if he's not a really short price I will I will include him for sure Yeah, it's definitely something That you're going to need to use If he's 4-1 to one. Yeah, not, and, and, yeah So yeah, definitely Let's get to race number 2 This is a group of Texas-bred maidens 3, 4, and 5 years old $7,500 the claiming price 
the distance is six furlongs here. Uh, we got a massive field and not really, I mean, a, a couple horses who I think will take some support, but it, it, probably a lot of different ways to go. Yeah. Um, hit the all button. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, right. It looks like that. You know, I'm, I'm going to go and, and take Sassagrass down at the rail. Um, he comes out of some really lively races. If you don't look at that race last out, I think the, I think that 22 one, 46 one that track that day was playing super super fast um i think uh there was a horse in that race and i forgot the name of it and he went like 21 and three for an opening quarter that day so um i'm not going to take much uh, i'll give him a pass on that one uh but you know right now i think he's the one to beat in here i think you have to use wimbledon's gold underneath carrie stone is one that that I think is very interesting. And uh, J.R. Caldwell's Moral Mischief, who's dropping in from to his lowest level of his career. Yep. Some of the ones that I also have, uh, I do think you want to use Sassagrass uh, from the inside. I have Carrie Stone picked on top. I give a look to Wits Taco, who was was fine in that race behind the uh, big one last time out. And big one's another one who um, it's going to be second start off the, the bench here, uh, dropping in class from the maiden 25s to maiden 75s. You know, you're seeing a lot of these um, barns are either going to drop horses a little bit lower this last week or some of these last few days. Um, you know, try to get the victory, try to get another race over this racetrack. These purses are really nice too for a, a low level race like this. Um, I thought Moro Trump also a, a little bit intriguing here. So, uh, yeah, we mentioned a, a bunch of different horses and many ways to go in this one. Moro Trump, Moro Mischief, part of the uh, the entry there. Yeah, and, that uh, race. Oops, sorry. Go no, ahead. no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, that race. That race on February twenty fifth is a key race. Um, Silence de Oro is gonna. End up being a really nice horse. Yeah. Um, so you know that's that's really key right there. And he didn't. Re- and I'm talking about moral moral mischief there. Yep. Um, I think he's gonna. I think he's he's probably gonna be quietly a horse that you have to look at. Yeah, and you know, in the other in the other part of the entry, you've got Moro Trump, who you could probably just completely excuse the debut. He actually got a, a, a bit of action, and he ended up running into a horse named Excess Magic, who is a stakes horse, who we see in a lot of other uh, running lines later on for the horses who are in the turf stakes races. So I think just probably easy to completely dismiss that race and sort of treat him like a first time starter, uh, adding the blinkers and taking a massive drop in class. That was against Open Maiden Special Weights. This is against Texas Bred Maiden seventy five hundred dollar claimer. So. Just a, a completely different caliber of horse in this group, and yeah, this this field of thirteen. You know, we mentioned uh, five or six horses that I'm probably going to have to to look at to use in some of the early exotics, like one, four, nine, two, eleven. Some of the horses I've got kind of jotted down. So these these races are deep and, and very contentious. Yeah, definitely, and you know, it's awesome that. You know, usually at the end of the meets, you don't see 12, 13 horse fields. You only see like maybe seven, eight horse fields. So it's kind of nice to have big fields at the end of the meet. We have a pretty solid race in in the third. It's an optional 40 mile on the turf course here. These are horses that are like just below stakes quality. Some of them um, who are, are a few that you're looking at. You say you say just below stakes and Henley's joys. If you want to yeah. Who won a, who won who won the Belmont Derby? Yeah, no, you're um, right. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, pretty popular going sprint to dirt sprint to route he's he's running some really salty races uh going even back to remington park days back in september 29th space mountain miss un, miss miss or mr misunderstood in that stake race i mean that that right there was a salty group 
came back and ran. You know, he tried to set the pace in in the uh, in the stars and stripes, and you know that was just a t- that's going to end up being a really really tough field because you know if Nitrous finishes third in that race, how big of a race was that run by Sky by Skyride and Hollis? So uh, I really like popularity a lot here, especially if he gets an early lead and doesn't give it up. Uh, you can't ignore Fred's twirling twirling candy because he's just he just one of those honest horses that runs his race and. I think he wants turf. So if you throw that race out on the 21st, I think you, you have a horse that's really, really sharp. Others uh, that I'm looking at in this uh, mile turf course, you mentioned Fred's twirling candy, who was just really solid last time out. And you have an easy excuse for the two back race when it was taken off the turf. I thought Carly is dream. You know, he might be a cut below this, but it's really tough to knock his overall turf form. You can probably give him a little bit of an excuse for the the two back race uh, against Stakes Company at Fairgrounds. It was actually on a, a good turf course, and he got bumped around a little bit, and then he was sent to the bench for a few months. If you just put a line through that race, his recent form... Is very good. He's got a nice tactical style, so he should probably be sitting just behind some of the early leaders. Um, I don't know if if I really love Mujab Jr. here, who he won the stakes two back beating Sunlit Song, but he's just won for his last 14. And with his running style, he sort of needs to get a perfect kind of trip or a really, really hot early pace. He might get some pace to run at here, but things just have to break perfect for him. And I think because he's coming out of some of those stakes races last time out, remember, those are against Texas Breds, and now he's actually in with Open Company. He he may get a little overbet, so I'm not quite as high on him here. Um, in the Navy, I think it's interesting. I, I love horses like this, Andy, who um, have a ton of... Race layoff line, race layoff line. I really like when they get the opportunity to put a couple races together. I think he's going to be fit today. A horse who's not really been the beneficiary of being able to put races together. So it's kind of hard to build up that stamina when your race off for a few months, race off for a few months. Let's see if in the Navy can have a little more bottom here. Um, I, and then, I mean, the entry to the outside, if, if the race comes. You know, down to uh, horses closing from way out of it. Prospector fever and astounding could get nice trips. So this is just uh, again, we're we're you know telling you about how how deep and how good these pick fours and pick fives are to start. Andy likes a twelve to one morning line horse named Popularity to begin with, and this is a really really big field that you can use many. Uh, Henley's Joy, like you said, graded stakes winner. Is not in the best of form right now, but he's actually ten to one on the morning line. <laughs> so it's you know it's, he 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 kind of deserve. I mean, he kind of deserves it. I mean, no, you're right. No That's excuse for him. No last time out, that fourth. was a much softer spot than than he was in. Two back, he should have been even a little bit better in the Connolly. Like something, he just has not shown anything changing for like really since he's changed barns, like you said. Yeah, I mean, so I, I'm I'm willing to have him beat me. Me too. I mean, yeah, me too. He's earned a million dollars. He's probably going to get bet down. Uh, getting back with uh, Carlia's dream, you were mentioning that race over at at Fairgrounds. That horse that won that race, he loves Fairgrounds. Yeah, ninety-one assault. So you can that race is actually a lot better than looked. Mm-hmm. On paper, and yeah, you're right. I mean, I I've got him circled there too as a horse that is definitely on my radar because, you know, it's such a wide open race. And I think certain horses are going to get overbet. Yep. 
a great betting race in this third race at Sam Houston in the third leg of the pick five sequence. Let's move along to race number four. We've got the first of three stakes races on the Saturday card, and these are all open stakes races too, not just the uh, the Texas bred variety. Um, this is the $75,000 Bucharest. They're going to go seven furlongs here. You have a couple of real quality horses. Skyride won the Stars and Stripes, the $75,000 stakes here on January the 31st on Ladies Classic Day. He beat Nitrous, who uh, didn't get the best of trips from the inside, but gets off the rail. Then you've got Gold Street, who won the Sugar Bowl and the Smarty Jones last year. And and then you could probably make some excuses for a couple of his starts since then. He had some pace from the rail. Uh, good scout is really sharp. He's won two in a row and three of his last five. This is a quality little group here. It is. It, it's really, really quality group. And you know, I've I was I kept looking at this race and I go, give me a reason to like Gold Street, right? I mean, just based on past performances, I was like, okay, what can I throw out? Oh, sloppy track. I'll throw out that Oakland race. Nope, can't do that. He's won all his races on sloppy surfaces or muddy surfaces, so can't do that. Now, there is supposed to be precipitation today, at or today, which is, what, Tuesday, Wednesday? Wednesday, yeah. So I highly doubt it'll, there's going to be rain come Saturday. But if it, there is, then Gold Street's my horse. There's no ends of Sir Butts. I'll single him, and I'll, and I'll pray that I get a price on him. Other than that, I don't – I just see Nitrous taking – Taking this one back, yeah, me too. Against against Skyride, I think Skyride had the perfect trip. Last he got time. you're right. He was and and I think the perfect trip at six furlongs. The seven furlongs would should give Nitrous a little more time, and he gets off the rail. So I think he'll be drawn towards the outside. They can just sort of keep him in the clear. He doesn't have to worry about kind of moving around horses there. And what's really nice about uh, this race, particular for Asmussen, is he's got the two horses that seem to complement each other with their running styles. Like I don't think I can imagine Good Scout sneaking away here with Gold Street down on the inside. He's got more of that classy speed. So I think if Ray Lou just asks him from the inside, he's either going to be on the lead or he's going to be at the very least making it really difficult for Gold for Good Scout, and that should make things pretty nice for Nitrous. Yeah, and I'll and I'll give you one underneath that you could use on your exactos just to play is Doctor Bower on the outside because he has that outside post. He's not going to deal with the the kickback and you know just kind of falls into a nice. nice spot. Yeah, exactly. And Les, you know, with Luzzy, he always puts him in a good sort of tactical spot. Like he's not as quick as the others in here, but he'll probably end up tracking like third or you know right along with Sky Ride, and he might be able to fall into a nice spot. Exactly, and yep. I mean that's a perfect spot for him Let's get to race number 5 Andy and I are going to be alive in this pick 5 Going into the 5th We're going to try to close it out for you here With this $10,000 claimer 6.5 furlongs the distance Now this is the kind of race that's really um, interesting Because this race For a 10 claimer Came up really Really tough I mean you've got a horse like Milton Town Who beat 15 claimers just two starts back And was facing optional 20s last time out You've got Shifty Henry Who just beat first level allowance company You've got Crazy Legs Hirsch Who's dropping in from races against 15, 25 First level allowance Winner a few starts prior to that Cowboy Karma has been facing 16, 20 claimers uh, Much better than that Prior to the recent races too I mean this is a Deep 10 claimer. Yeah, the, I looked at this race and I'm like, oh, I can make a point for everything. You can make a point for Gambler first off the claim. 
you can make a point for Cowboy Karma facing uh, 10 claimers at Sam Houston and look at it and go, well, you know, Steve's tried to win with this horse at Churchill and Oaklawn and Fairgrounds and he can't do it. So he's going to get overbed here. Uh, you know, Shifty Henry, every time I think he, he doesn't have an effort to give, he gives another effort. He's I agree. Cool horse. His last two in particular were the ones that surprised me. Because against the fives and the like, the Texas bred fives, I thought that was where he could just beat up. And then he stepped up to open first level allowance company. He ran that really good third. And I thought, oh, that's about that's about his level there. That He can't really run any better than that. And then he came back last time out and won even at six furlongs. He's just a cool horse. He really is. He's he's a cool horse. He's starting, and you know, it's one of those things where they've given him time to just kind of go about his business and just become a better horse. He's good. Yeah. And yeah. You know, he he really is a horse that when you look in the paddock, he's definitely showing off and looks up the part. And you know, I don't, man, I'd hate to say he can't get the mile, but stretching out, he might be able to get the mile. Yeah. So I, I I can't decline him, and obviously you have to use Milton Town. Um, he right now he's just he just runs his race right, and the way Gustafson's been training here at this meet, winning at almost twenty five percent, actually a bit above twenty five percent. I mean that's that's scary good. The two logicals in here seem to be the one five. Um, I'm going to throw in a couple, maybe one or two others with them. I'm going to. Uh, include the seven for sure Crazy Legs Hurst So um, I, I really like his just overall form So last out He completely missed the break That was against 15 non-fours um, He was slow, he was about 10 lengths off And he really got going late um, You look at some of the horses that defeated him recently Good Scout, who's entered in a stakes race Valiant Appeal, who has actually won three races in a row Jack's Advantage was in that race last time out Jack's Advantage won a first level allowance race Two starts back Uh Picking and grinning won a 25 non four next out. Those races are actually really good. They've come back live. This is going to be the third start of the current form cycle for Crazy Legs Hirsch. And if this race does have a little bit of speed because it's six and a half, let's say Milton Town has to go from the inside. Let's say Shifty Henry ends up going. Golden Lullaby has the ability to show a little pace if wanted to do so. And we could see, you know, even combinations of horses from the outside, like a snowman, like an atomic candy. If any of them want to get aggressive and show some speed, Crazy Legs Hirsch with the six and a half furlongs, that might be a perfect distance for him because he comes running late at six, at five and a half. Six and a half will give him just a little more time to get there. I've got the seven with the one and the five as sort of my top three in here. Probably the horses I'll use on like my main ticket. And then I'll probably play another another smaller ticket where um, y- you mentioned I don't really need. Cowboy Karma, uh, he'll probably get over bet too. He he could win and it wouldn't be a shock, but I think whatever price he is, even if it is like five to one or so, it'll probably be five to one when he should be more like eight eight to one. You know, the Asmussen horses are rarely like good value. Yeah, very, especially right now. And I mentioned this race was a mile, and I don't know why. Um, sometimes when I got like six different things up for, for oh, I mean, one race, I was gonna say it's it's not I, like we're looking at a Saturday races on Wednesday and you've uh, you got uh, forty other races earlier throughout the week. No, I was I actually <laughs> I actually I'll I'll plug it. I, I was looking at Timeform US and you know I'm just looking at the track and they have the full track and I'm like oh yeah they do that with all the tracks. Oh, okay. so yeah, it's a oh, six no and worries. a half for a long track. It's a six and a half for a long race, but you know Shift Henry doesn't need the lead either. No, Shifty Henry doesn't need the lead either. Track, but, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you one that's really, really interesting, and uh, 
you know, people can decide whether or not they want to play him or not. But that's Snowman. This horse was in the Brandon Walsh barn. And Brandon, you know, Fincher sent him to, to Churchill for a reason, or sent him to Churchill for a reason. And that alone should be enough. And uh, so you got to kind of give him a look, especially agree. total wild especially lowest level of career. He had won three out of his first four races in New Mexico. And now that New Mexico is in running because of COVID and all that, Fincher's had to make adjustments and he's running at Oakland and he's running in, in Texas. So um, it's, he's a great trainer and he spots his horse as well. This horse is, and what I like about a horse like this too, he's got what, six works at Sam Houston. He's been around for a while. You know, he didn't just come in right now, ship in. He's been here. They've been kind of trying to pick out a spot for him. He's got a nice little steady tab. He's ready to rock. And I'm going to use him in some exotics too. He's a total wild card. Um, what do you do with Gambler? You know, he, he really wouldn't be a shock either. He's got a couple nice races recently on the grass against 10 claimers. He's probably a little bit better, though, it looks like on the turf than on the dirt. I just, I don't really. Now, he wouldn't be that much of a shock He was a horse who was running against better earlier on Up at Assiniboia So it's another in a grab bag of a race I was I was talking to a friend of mine when I was at Oakland And we were talking about Witt, uh, Henry Witt Who sends his horses over to Assiniboia Once the meet ends Like all most 90% of his horses Go to Assiniboia And then 10% go to Like Real Rogers Or any of those little smaller tracks In the Midwest and I'm surprised this horse got. I'm surprised he had this horse out for a claim twice in a row, um, because he won and then he brought him right back to the same level. He's going to get tagged. So to me, I kind of want to play him, but knowing the knowing what I know about the way the barn almost, works, it's almost like they maybe wanted to give him up. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. Usually, usually because I've I've even I've even made the mistake of tweeting out at one point in time. Oh, this horse of of Henry Witts. If he gets dropped in for a claimer here at the meet, I'm gonna go and and I'll, I'm gonna drop a claim in for him. <laughs> and I never saw the horse in a claimer the rest of the meet. And then he ends up <laughs> going out to a Sinobia. So that told me enough to know that he doesn't get rid of horses if he thinks that they're gonna be competitive, able there. to win elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So the that is the fifth race on the closing day card. At Sam Houston uh, Remember there are two pick fives So you can come right back in the sixth race And start another pick five There are a couple more stakes races later on the card uh, Andy, uh, what do you have going on this week? I mean, in a week like this As far as coverage uh, What are you talking about in the uh, the GOAT Zoom room? And what kind of stuff uh, do you have? Man, we got three We got closing day Sam Houston And the three stakes there We've got the Wood Memorial and the undercard at Aqueduct We've got the Santa Anita Derby And all their undercard races at uh, at Santa Anita We've got the Bluegrass And opening weekend at Keeneland And all their stuff <laughs> what, what, what are you guys going to uh, be working on? We've, we we actually uh, Will continue covering Sam Houston And Oakland We'll probably put out the, the Aqueduct races And the Santa Anita races as well And uh, but the one thing that we're really excited about is actually tomorrow we're taping and we'll have Her- Harris Arbach who nice. uh, cool. runs in Southern California and uh, is big time with the bar- with uh, breeding and trying to get the industry right there. But uh, then we actually are going to tape right back for the same for the same goat Zoom room and we're going to have Rachel McLaughlin from Indiana awesome. Grand and uh, Jim Miller from Hawthorne together. Cool. On the same podcast. Oh, that'll so, be fun. 
it'll be fun. It'll be enjoyable. And, you know, we're doing a lot of international stuff and we got a couple other things in the, in the works as far as our website's concerned and some products and some, some product placement stuff, and uh, maybe even doing a lot of stuff with a different uh, racing crew too, as well. So we'll see how that goes. Andy Villanueva. Thank you so much, buddy. The last couple of years, or if it's a, uh, it's been a, uh... Big help for you coming on with us and talking Sam Houston. And um, I'm always sad when the meet closes. This is like one of my favorite tracks to play each and every day. But as they close, uh, other good racing meets open up, and uh, they'll have their quarter horses back at Sam Houston not too long. The thoroughbreds will on this circuit will head over to Lone Star soon, and before you know it, we'll be uh, back again for next year, and we'll be we'll be talking. But uh, maybe we'll link up in a few weeks, and uh, and I can bring you on to talk some of the uh, like Oaks Derby under. Hard weekend stuff Whatever you want You know I'm always available Andy thank you so much buddy Uh, Good luck this week And thanks again for helping me out And recording so early on I always appreciate that Never a problem Have a good one Make sure to give Andy a follow there uh, And we always appreciate Andy coming on And chatting with us So we're going to head now to Nick Tamaro, the man who makes the morning line there at Sam Houston. We talk about the three stakes races for Saturday with Nick. And then following that, I'll do a little recap of the card quickly for that Saturday Sam Houston closing day card. Nick Tamaro joins us to talk about three stakes races on Saturday at Sam Houston. Close day on has to be considered one of the best meets that Sam Houston has ever had. And they closed out bang three stakes races all open stakes races worth $75,000 and to join us to talk about those stakes races the man who has made the morning line all meet long over there at Sam Houston very good handicapper you've heard him on this show a few times before Nick Tamaro Nick how you doing doing great Tino how are you good to be back with you Oh man, uh, I gotta say it's uh, um, you know I, I've, I've said this I think with a lot of the guests that I've had on all week talking Sam Houston mixed emotions because uh, I'm I'm so happy to have seen the meet go so successfully and to have you know continued to get bumped up purses bigger fields but it's always sad when a, a meet that you really enjoy playing uh, goes but man I gotta say this last week Nick I I was shocked with the pick. Fives, the late pick fives, like every day of the meet, the quality of racing, all these allowance races and like upper allowance, really, really solid horses. You guys and everyone over there have done just such a fantastic job all meet. Yeah, definitely. Big credit to the uh, racing office and, and everybody who's been involved in getting the cards together. And the management who extended the meet by a, a little bit, mainly at the end. Um, it would have gone had things uh, not obviously changed with COVID last year, a couple of weeks beyond where it did, but uh, Frank Hoff and, and everybody in the administrative roles made the decision to, to extend the meet a little bit more on the front end and the back end. And so that's why there's this extra weekend, you know, and it kind of makes you wonder if there should be consideration given in the future to running a little bit later too, because you've got, you have a, a slight influx of horses from the fairgrounds on this car. Oh, I know this week. Uh, yeah, that, that really makes you wonder if there was a little bit more time where they were dark, then, uh, you know, that might make things even better. And uh, we have a couple of really good stakes races to talk about So uh, a, a big shout out to everyone over there at Sam Houston And a congratulations to them on an, another very successful meet And we hope they'll continue on forward And a big shout to uh, our buddy Chris Griffin over there Who's done a, a great job calling the races Chris will be moving along to parks Getting uh, more of a full-time year-round type job for him And hopefully can springboard him to even more opportunities Over there on the East Coast So uh, best of luck to, to Chris on his way out 
Definitely sad to see Chris go. He's done a great job over the last few years, and we've really appreciated the job that he's done. So we'll hear a new voice in three weeks or so when the quarter horse meet starts, which is uh, runs for about seven weeks from late April until mid-June, and then obviously next year with the uh, thoroughbred meet in January. So, yeah, best of luck to Chris, of course, and uh, he'll certainly leave big shoes to fill. So if you're following along, uh, you can get your past performances out We're looking at Saturday, April the 3rd And we're going to look at the three stakes races there on the card Races 4, 6, and 8 And in this fourth race, we've got a couple of the horses Who ran in the Stars and Stripes with Skyride and Nitrous uh, Skyride kind of got the jump on Nitrous that day Nitrous drew the rail But a very interesting new face in Gold Street Who was the winner of the Smarty Jones uh, He won the Sugar Bowl before that last year And he was a horse who... Uh, uh, actually was in the, the southwest You could probably make a couple excuses for Some of his recent poor performances And at the very least you, you figure with him Down on the inside he's going to add a, Some pace to this race Yeah without question and and really he kind of holds The keys to the race I would say because mm-hmm. His presence greatly aids The cause of his stablemate Nitrous Absolutely and Nitrous is a horse That is, is at the mercy of the pace every time He goes to the post he's a, a deep One run closer that needs things to unfold A little bit in front of him and if you Watch the replay back of the Stoner Side Sprint last time. He was just hitting high gear mm-hmm. when they uh, when they were in the final furlong. So the the seven furlong distance of this Bucharest Bucharest, of course, is the track record holder at Sam Houston at six furlongs. Um, the seven furlong distance, I think, really favors Nitrous, even though he's zero for five. Of course, one of those defeats was a neck loss in the Woody Stevens, uh, you know, type of performance. I think that would win this race rather handily. I think things pace wise look like they they go in his favor. Should Gold Street go out and keep a horse like Good Scout honest, and it might keep Skyride's tactical advantage from being so significant. Yeah, I, I agree. It does feel like a, a better spot for Nitrous here, getting off the rail too towards the outside to just kind of give him more of an opportunity to just kind of stay in the clear. Maybe just get kind of handled like the best, not have to worry about shifting in from in to out and anything like that. And yeah, you, you said I think Gold Street is you know depending on how you want to play the exotics, he's the real wild card and the real key to this race because at seven furlongs it feels like that advantage that Sky Ride had, like you said, where he was able to get that tactical jump and and get the head start on Nitrous. That might be neutralized a bit at seven furlongs. I agree. I, I think I think that that will should be the uh, should be the mitigating factor, and uh, I think it'll end up playing out that way. I, although I, I will say that getting handling a horse like Skyride really requires a lot of care because I mean not only has he run two very good races at this meet, but uh, you can't say enough about Jr. Caldwell no. to be the uh, the third leading trainer at the meet and. And to have 30 wins and to help have a guy like Leandro Goncalves has had such a good meet. He actually reached 2,000 wins last week, uh, mainly because he's been Caldwell's go-to guy. And he's ridden somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 26 of Caldwell's 30 wins. Um, so it's been, yeah, it's been very, very good meet for both of them. And, and you can, I think, expect Leandro to, to ride very tactically and look for, he's a very patient rider. I think he'll look for whatever advantage you could potentially have on nitrous. But to me, all signs point to nitrous being able to, to get the job done as was expected back on, uh, on the big card on Houston ladies classic card on January 31st. Short field, but a couple of nice horses here in the first of the three stakes races uh, Saturday night at Sam Houston. Let's head to the turf for the Miss Houston turf. And we're going to go to race number six, $75,000 up for grabs here. And wow, I mean, uh, you, you talk about a race where you can go in a, a, a few different directions. So obviously, horses like uh, Paleo Flag, who come in from Steve Asmussen, is going to take some action. But we'll be trying the grass for the first time. You'd imagine that uh, Valentine's Day is going to get some support. You know, a horse like uh, uh, Miss Perfecta from the inside, just for Asmussen, will probably get a, a little bit of money in here. 
here, but um, there are a lot of ways to go. Yeah, no, no question about it. This is a tremendously interesting race, super wide open field. Um, I, I reluctantly made Polio flag the three to one morning line favorite. I actually actually made Ravens cry two to one, anticipating that if Ravens cry is able to get in off the AE list, that she would end up going off the favorite mm-hmm. for Brad Cox, just with that that workmanlike but solid victory first off the ship in uh, back in early March. Polio flag is a little disadvantaged post position wise. There's enough of a run to the bend uh, coming down the mile in the 16th, uh, conf- the configuration down the chute for polio flag to overcome it. You know, it, pedigree wise, it's really nothing special in terms of her pedigree. Her dam is a half to Ocho Ocho Ocho, who of course ran fourth in the Penn mile. That was his only, he only made two starts on the turf. Um, I remember very, very well that he was actually entered in a race for the turf on uh, Breeders' Cup Day in 2014. And, and he has a big, he's a big Fip stable second family pedigree. And I was dying to bet Ocho 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 on the turf. And uh, of course, that was a day where the races, the non-Breeders' Cup races were taken off the turf. Yeah. And uh, so I didn't get a chance to bet on him, waited until the Penn Mile last year, the next year, and he ran fourth. So, you know, that being said, <laughs> there's nothing, you know, Curlin probably handled the turf just fine, but there's nothing about Polio Flag's pedigree that would lead you to believe she's a big turf move up. The, the reason why she's a favorite is because she has the fastest speed figures in the field, and there's really nobody else aside from potentially uh, the Ravens cry on the, on the AE list that you could point to and say, here's a real win candidate. I thought Valentine's day seemed like a very logical horse. She obviously bounced back from the blushing KD uh, with a very good effort in the Jersey Lily. The winner of that race morning, Molly came back and finished an excellent second in the Hillsboro on the Tampa Bay Derby undercard. And the Valentine's day is a, is a, a classy old consistent horse that that has run well on number number of occasions pretty much every time brett calhoun sends her anywhere so i thought she seemed somewhat obvious Uh, the allowance race that served as a prep for this that was won by after red sun with good fight finishing a good second and curlin's journey third i mean really any of those three horses look like they're capable of winning this race to me i don't i don't i don't think a whole lot separates them i think that that uh, after red sun good fight might be a little bit better than curlin's journey but i also thought the Curlin's journey in terms of the, of the trip overall may have taken the worst of it last time. Yeah, and she's got the running style to where she can probably just put herself in a nice spot and, and get him and work out a much better trip there too. I, I agree. This race was uh was really fun. One horse to to get a little crazy with if people are looking for horses to use underneath is a horse who comes off of a win over at Turfway on the synthetic, but does have a little bit of grass form to head back to when in the the Chad Brown barn. Uh, tilting at windmills, I thought was an under type horse who um you could use and has just become pretty consistent overall. We'll need to step up a bit to compete with some of these, but. Some of those grass numbers and figures Obviously went in the Chad, uh, Chad Brown barn A little different uh, story there um, Aren't too far off competing So I thought an under horse to use at a price You mentioned a lot of the other logical contenders I mean even a horse like Brandon's Babe Is really honest She's probably got to step up a bit Because she's been handled pretty easily by Valentine's Day A couple times But she's done really little wrong And has become very sharp I mean quick 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 kind of deserves a mention Probably a little bit better going shorter But it's just a uh, you know, bravo for these races <laughs> this this weekend, and this is another one where, like you said, you, you had a tough time because if if Ravens doesn't draw in there, and and without any real monster turf pedigree for Paleo Flag, and not I mean like a little bit of an advantage with Speed Figures too, but not even like a, a massive advantage either. This could be a another race where a lot of horses get some support, a lot of gets a lot of horses get some money, and uh, it's a tough race to start the pick five. Yeah, I, I think we could definitely be looking at a seven to two type of favorite. It's going to be 
uh, it's gonna it's gonna be just as wide open, I think, betting wise as it looks on paper. There's there's a number of horses that have all shown signs over a period of time of being capable of winning it, and things maybe have gone different directions. You know, quick, quick, quick is a horse that actually broke her maiden at Saratoga in 2017 as a two year old and looked like a potential stakes horse. Yeah, I think that was its second asking for Ian Wilkes back when she was was trained by Ian Wilkes for Mary Lou Whitney. And, uh, you know, there are a couple of other horses. Tilting and Windmills, who you mentioned, of course, has that good second-place finish behind Morning Molly back in, in late in 2019. And though it might be difficult to get her to duplicate the form she had for Chad Brown, she does look like a horse on the upswing a bit coming off the victory, albeit in a race where she controlled a very slow pace, mm-hmm. but still should get a good trip inside, doesn't have to be on the lead, and uh, certainly is capable of passing some horses. So it is it's a tremendous wagering event. I mean, it might be might end up being one of the better betting races you're going to find in the country on Saturday. So in between uh, the two stakes races, the sixth and the eighth, all you have there is a field of fourteen made, made in special weights too. Just to give you an idea of what the what the sequence looks like in that race, you can make cases for a bunch of like six, eight, ten to one shots in the. Stakes race, the Bayou City, the final stakes race of the meet And the final stakes race of Saturday It actually kicks off your late pick three here Another $75,000 stakes I think the real key to this race Just from a like a pace standpoint Is the two horses that are cross-entered You and I are recording this on Wednesday uh, So we don't exactly know where I'm Money Who's cross-entered in a race Um just after this is going to go Or we don't know where War Falcon Who's cross-entered in a race on Friday is going to go Both of them at the very least Have a little bit of pace And if they're in the race They'll at least impact a horse like Holy Vow Correct, absolutely right And 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 if one of the two is Then it'll have some impact Obviously if both are It'll have a, a huge impact But no question about it uh, if, if both end up scratching Which I I'm inclined to think they're both going to. Yeah, I think so too. Just it, given that War Falcon, of course, is a filly, would be facing males, and and I'm Money looks uh, um, to be a long shot in in either spot, but looks to fit a little bit better going five and a half on the dirt than going you know a mile on the I turf. Agree. Yeah. So yeah, assuming they both come mile and stick on the turf, I should say, assuming they both come out, I'm actually Holy Vow becomes a very interesting. Mm-hmm. Holy Vow has run very very on the turf at this meet, overcame a a very strong. Pay- Early on that Houston Ladies Classic Day card to uh, to wire the field, and then came back against Elders. And you know, when you watch the replay of that race, when they get to the quarter pole, you're just waiting for Holy Vow to to fall apart, basically to lose a ton of ground. And he just kept on fighting. And and he's the kind of horse I think that had some potential early in his career. Scott Young is a is a young up and coming trainer that's done very very well at this time out. Palazzi, who was third in that race, of course, won the. Texas Turf Mile back in late January at Sam Houston. He's actually one of a, a field of six in the Transylvania at Keeneland on Friday afternoon. Looks actually to be a, a player. Royal Prince actually would have fit in the uh, in the Transylvania, but I'm glad he's he's coming to Houston and and he's you know a horse I think that uh, that has benefited from a little bit of time. I think facing Stakes Company out of Del Mar was a little bit too much too soon for him, but. Uh, that was a big rebound last time, and uh, just an occasion where you got Brad Cox at almost nine to one in the stake race with a horse that that had fast speed figures, and, and he looks to be the horse to beat to me very yep. clearly. Uh, drive happy um, again. This is a situation with a, a Steve Asmussen horse where there's really no appreciable pedigree to speak of. Um, we have no knowledge whatsoever as far as how the run happies will handle the turf. It's obviously his first crop, and uh, what we do know is that they're they're clearly a lot better going long. Than they were going short, yep. and that explained uh, 
a bit of why they they struggled so much early on. Not very precocious, but, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. Not a whole lot of speed, which of course you know is shocking given the type of horse that she was. <laughs> yeah, we're expecting but, that. Know, yeah. Exactly, right. It's just how it how it, it goes sometimes. But uh, this is a horse that obviously is is on the uh, is, is up and coming to an extent. I, I'll tell you honestly, you know, I was actually very surprised to see him in here, and and I wonder, you know. Nowadays, things are so different. Historically, I've always been of the opinion that trainers put horses on turf when they've they've kind of lost a sense of what they have or, or they're, they're not overly confident in what they have. But that's not really the case anymore across the board. I yeah. thought this horse was headed for a small stake of some sort. Yeah. Um, you know, I kind of figured he would be like a Lone Star's running a, the Texas Derby this year on, on Memorial Day. They, of course, used to run the Lone Star Derby years and years ago. He seemed like a horse to me that would end up in a race like that. I, I don't know if that might still be the goal, but um, there was a there's actually a race on closing day, closing weekend, I think, at, at, uh, at Oaklawn for three-year-olds that gives you an automatic spot to the Preakness. I don't think Ron, Drive Happy's a Preakness horse, but I just thought he'd be on the dirt. And, and yeah. I wonder if that might be a little bit of uh, of an indictment of him, of perhaps. We'll see. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 enough gives you enough rationale to maybe take a swing against him at a short price. Yeah, you I mean you mentioned uh, holy vow that's the key with with the you know who ends up here use that excess magic as kind of a measuring stick too to give you an idea that he's actually got some quality to him too and just some speed and maybe he gets a couple length advantage on a horse like Royal Prince. The only of the I guess price horses and maybe the the less obvious horses that is uh, intriguing to me would be Texas Bad Boy. I think he's going to get a sizable jock upgrade uh, in here. In his first two races, he actually showed a lot of ability. His first start, he came from like way out of it. Visually super impressive going six and a half on the dirt. Then in in his second start, he tracked and, and sat a lot closer. Um, he tried the Texas Turf Mile in a, in a you know a group that was tough, but he got crossed over on. It was kind of like a lazy start. Then he ran into some traffic early on going into the turn, and a horse like that would never have an opportunity in a tough group with that kind of a trip. He was like at the back of the pack inside. Um, he was never going to be able to you know pass. Nine other horses in a field like that But if Leslie jumps aboard and he's able To get a little bit more of a tracking trip Get a little more aggressive with him Maybe you know show a little more of that Tactical speed that we saw two starts back I think he might be a horse that could maybe You know split a couple of uh, the short price horses And maybe spice up some of the exotics I agree and uh, I'll say that Luzzy and, and that trainer Kevin Scholl Have done well at this meet Have uh, definitely hit at some prices that were uh, a little bit shorter than I anticipated, but uh, no, there's no doubt. You look at Kevin Scholl's record over the years; it's very good. He's a high percentage trainer, and Lane Luzzy seems to just uh, gradually, or at every meet, he's he's 15 percent, 16 percent, very solid, very consistent. And and I do agree, it's a it's a massive upgrade at jockey. Um, with all due respect to Domingo Chocolatana, and the fact that the horse is training forwardly off the, the brief layoff, I think is a really good sign. He does seem like a very interesting price horse. Yeah, maybe a couple low, but some upside with him, uh, no doubt about it, in the, the Bayou City. So three stakes races to close it out on Saturday over at Sam Houston. Uh, Nick, you've done a great job all meet long. Uh, as I've, I've told you a few times, as a handicapper, it makes it so nice and easy for me. You and I are... Talking about the Saturday stakes, the Saturday night stakes races on Wednesday afternoon, morning lines out, while the other big races around the country have real like we're waiting on them to draw, you know, <laughs> still, still some of them. So it's, it makes it so nice and so easy. You've done a great job, and I appreciate the, the time that you've had with us uh, here on That's What G Said coming on a few times. Good luck this weekend. Let everybody know where can we follow you along on social media and what kind of stuff uh, will you be working on? I imagine on a, a big weekend like this, you're, you probably got a, a even more. 
more than just the Sam Houston stuff. Yeah, I, I well, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, ntam twelve fifteen n t a m m one two one five. Like I usually say, if I offend you, I apologize ahead of time. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I'm I definitely it all comes from the right place. I promise that much of it. But you can find my I'm, I'm actually a podcast for the In the Money Media Network tomorrow evening. Um, and that'll have some content on Aqueduct and Keeneland. I'm also going to be available on the In the Money Media website with Naira Analysis. That's on a daily basis. And then you can find me at the Twinspires app or on Twinspires.com with expert picks for a variety of tracks actually throughout April. It's going to be uh, Tampa Tampa Bay Downs on Fridays and Saturdays, Gulfstream every day, Santa Anita Friday on the Sundays, and uh, there will actually be Santa Anita this Friday as well for me. So. Um, when you get your break between Jonathan Kinchin, Santa Anita appearances, you get me. Um, not too much of a drop off, hopefully. But that's that's the ask point. him to put a little. Ask him to get you to do some work over there, man. I mean, seriously, yeah. right? <laughs> it, it, exactly right. They're not. Uh, yeah, they 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 have no problem keeping it on. But it's well, all in good a, fun. You do a great job, and the people really enjoy all the work that you put in. I know I do. And uh, thanks so much, Nick. Uh, and let's have a, a a great weekend to close things out over at Sam Houston. Thank you so much, my friend. It was my pleasure. Nick Tamro there, make sure to give him a follow And uh, one person that I, if you're ever looking to Blindly follow someone a, a day when you Haven't handicapped, some of those selections will be The best around that you'll find uh, We'll hear more and we'll wrap up the Sam Houston Saturday card, don't go anywhere Big thanks to Andy, big thanks to Nick for Helping us out, so um, in the Early races at Sam Houston, nothing too uh, Outside the box in races one and two In the third, I did think Fred's Twirling Candy and Carly's Dream Were worth uh, some of your inclusion Talked all about the fourth uh, with both of them, so you know my thoughts on, on that one. In race number five, I had him stacked seven, one, five, and Crazy Legs Hirsch is a horse who I was telling you about with Andy that I really like and I would recommend to use in your exotics. There, we move along to the sixth race, and if I'm playing a late pick five here, starting in race number six, I would be using eight, nine. And 11 for sure, probably including the 2 and the 10. So it would look something like 2, 8, 9, 10, 11 to kick off the pick 5 in race number 7. I would probably use combinations of uh, 3, 7, and 14. You want to go a little deeper, the 12, the first-timer, Bay Mamba. Uh, the 9, 5 Dreams also wouldn't shock me in there. 14, 7, 3, uh, and then 12, 9 if you want to go a little deeper. In the eighth race, we talked about that one with uh, with Nick. It would probably be one two for me. And if the two speed horses aren't in this race, the other two that we talked about, um, I'm I'm fine with with singling Holy Vow if you want to try to go against Royal Prince. But two one here um, in uh, in race number eight, in race number nine, I thought the eight was going to be really, really tough in here, Holland. I might be singling Holland on one ticket, but I do think Ultimate has some ability and could get the trip in here if they go too quick early. Carbon Striker is very quick, so that'll be one of them that's trying to to go quick early on. I don't know if I, I need Chiller. I might be trying to play against Chiller. Too bad, so sad as a price horse. 8-5-1-7, taking a shot against the four. The final race of the Sam Houston meet, race number 10 on Saturday night, a mile and an eighth on the turf course. Let's try to close it out with a bang. I'm going to look to the number nine, Bad Boy, who it's going to be Asmussen first start off the claim. Now it's going to be third off of the long layoff here. In his last start, he was seventh. He was three wide, four wide into the turn. And he moved all the way up to third, but the middle, the, the second quarter was so slow. They ended up going 50 to the half, really, really slow. 
he's going to be ready for a big effort here. And look at who he faced earlier on in his career. There's some ability there with the number nine. Bad boy. I'll use with the three. Rip it to the right. Who's got some speed? The six horse. Very, very uh, logical. Arrow street. And the ten. I just want to have fun. Nine, three, six, ten there. So a uh, pick five. That would include... Uh, 2, 8, 9, 10, 11, starting in the 6th with 3, 7, 14, with 1, 2, single of the 8 in race number 9, closing it out with 3, 6, 9, 10. Good luck closing day over at Sam Houston. We're going to go to our closing segment, and it is Wrestling with Chad Cooper. We're only a week out from the NXT WrestleMania shows and just uh, over a week out from WrestleMania on Saturday and on Sunday, two nights. Chad and I go through the projected cards right now. Now, I will tell you, we recorded this interview early on Thursday, and right after we recorded, they ended up mentioning that uh, the, they will have the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, and they talked about some of the members that will be in that Battle Royal, and it looks like they're going to do that Battle Royal as well as a tag match on the Friday night before. So it'll almost be like Friday Night SmackDown. You'll get a couple matches that didn't get on the WrestleMania card. Then you'll get Saturday Night WrestleMania, Sunday Night WrestleMania. It is going to be a loaded couple weeks for you wrestling fans. Chad and I talk about everything in NXT, everything in uh, WWE on the Raw and SmackDown side, and then we get into AEW for this week's This Week in Wrestling. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. Wrestling with Chad Cooper this week on That's What G Said. Actually, we are recording this on opening day of the baseball season. I know Coop Loop probably excited for his Astros over there. He's probably pumped because his Houston Cougs are in the final four, too. And hell, we're only a week away from WrestleMania. We know what the cards are going to be for NXT night one and two. And Chad, there's a lot going on in the sports world right now. There's a lot going on. As you mentioned, MLB opening day. I think we have our first home run. It came in the snow. Detroit Tigers, I do believe. Someone muscled one out. It's uh, it's uh, Spring is in the air and a lot going on. And uh, it helps when you have a team that's uh, still in March Madness. And uh, we'll let the cards play out. But as I told you before, I'm glad we're pay- playing Baylor in the uh, semifinals uh, rather than Gonzaga. Because those guys, uh, that's a machine over there. I think the UCLA fans, because uh, uh, <laughs> who beat Michigan, were uh, you know we're we're joking. I was joking around with some of them. They uh, Michigan scored forty nine points, and Baylor uh, and uh, Gonzaga scored forty nine in the first half. Oh yeah, <laughs> against, yeah, US, against like a really good USC defense too. They didn't play yeah. their best, oh, yeah. but that Gonzaga team is just a they're just a, a completely different animal. But Coop, um, let's start again with NXT because we're coming off of a Wednesday night. You and I are recording this on Thursday. And we're coming off a Wednesday night when we basically got the two nights set now for next week's NXT. I mean, because it is next week. And the the one thing, um, I think the build for NXT has probably been maybe a little better than the build on the main roster. I don't, I, I will say when you look at all of the matches that are carded for both NXT and the main roster, 
I think once we get there, they're going to be good shows. It's just something that we were talking about last week. It on the main roster it doesn't quite feel that way. I guess it feels like we're heading to a take. It just doesn't really feel like it's mania a week away. No. And for for all the crap that we have given AEW for things, uh, you know, we've certainly dished it out where it's supposed to be dished it out. But WWE, <clears throat> excuse me, on the main roster, they haven't been very good with this WrestleMania build. No. But a 180, man, NXT, that Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly. That was yet, incredible. That, that promo, was that incredible. was the absolute best I have seen I in think- a long time. And that... I, just that match alone now from you from get goosebumps promo, thinking I mean, about it. I mean, yeah, I, I got them now. That was me crazy too. What I watched last because uh, I think people forget. Um, we, we we know them from the Undisputed Era, but you forget that these two guys had such a history well before they ever came to NXT like forever, for years down the line in Ring of Honor, in the Indies, New Japan, like all this stuff together. Um, these, these two nights are, are going to be. Um, excellent, and they, they, I think they, they uh, So that'll be I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if that ends up Going as the main event night too I really wouldn't oh, sure, sure, you know, and kudos for WWE For taking what you just said The history, you know, a lot of times You know, it, it happens with the UFC A lot of times, a lot of these Companies, they kind of just uh, We don't care what this fighter has done In Bellator, you know, they're our competitors But it was great to see WWE NX show some new Japan footage from these guys, right? And to show this, and it, oh, it was just—it's it part of their story. It, it is, and it has to be told. And kudos for them doing that. And uh, this NXT two night takeover—I I mean, it's—I'm—I'm uh, I'm pumped. I'm literally pumped for this. Me too. So let's go through one uh, night. One, they've set up a Pete Dunn Kushida match. I mean, they, they, what they did was they did a better job of. Um, Explaining the gauntlet eliminator match It was a little bit clunky With, with kind of how they were trying to present it But now right. it's it, it seems like Okay we know that it's going to be Pete Dunne and Kushida They're not going to be in, in that mix anymore They're going to be having a one on one match And we're going to get Leon Ruff Versus Isaiah Swerve Scott Versus Bronson Reed Versus Cameron Grimes Versus Dexter Loomis Versus LA Knight So that's going to be the six man gauntlet eliminator match and the winner of that match will face Johnny Gargano on night two. So they they kind of had uh, a lot of these guys all in one, and they sort of separated them off. They put Pete Dunne and Kushida on their own, and then they gave the other six guys uh, a shot in the Gauntlet Eliminator. I'll tell you, it doesn't have a ton of build, but if you're just looking for like a 15-minute match that could steal the entire weekend, it could be Pete Dunne Kushida. Dude. Just what <laughs> a promo and a couple of spots in the gauntlet match to build a match, and it's you want to see it now. See what you I can do. T- I didn't know I wanted to see this match so much. No, and it didn't take but one show. It didn't take <laughs> yes. two months. It didn't take someone winning the Royal Rumble or the Money in the Bank. You know that's why sometimes they oversimplify. They just overcomplicate You're simple right. things, and that match alone. You know, hey, I'm excited for it. Those two guys can go. Uh, also on night one, we are going to get Walter versus Tommaso Ciampa. These two. So, like, just those last, the, the Walter Ciampa and the Pete Dunn Kushida. Those two guys could be, those two matches, those four guys will be beating the absolute hell out of each other. It just shows you how talented the NXT roster is, right? We haven't seen Walter in some time on NXT here in North America. 
and he comes on what a couple of weeks ago, I think maybe before uh, the last pay per view, and just the simple things to get us excited about a good wrestling match. And look, man, this is going to be a hell of a match. It's not for the faint of heart. Uh, they're going to beat the hell out of each other. There's no other way to put this. And it's, again, the simple build, some good promos, and some good in-ring work just in a couple of weeks. And that's all it takes. That's how the, that's how talented these guys are in NXT. The triple threat tag team match for the vacant NXT tag team championships. We got MSK versus Grizzled Young Veterans versus Legado Dale Fantasma. And we sort of talked a little bit about this last week. This will be... The show, the uh, match on the show with, uh, if you love the high energy spots, yeah. if you're like yeah. a young bucks ish fan, that's the kind of wrestling and the kind of match you'll get here with MSK. Grizzled young veterans are are a good, um, they're a good opponent for them because they're not exactly a high flying team. They're a little more grounded, so they they kind of play off of each other well. And then you throw a Legado del Fantasma in the mix too, so that I mean. This thing's just going to be like 10 minutes of just action, action, action. There won't be like a dull moment. No. And, it, you know, it, it's uh, it's good for NXT to have this type of match. Um, you know, you, you have the tag team titles on the line that were vacated due to injury. And I'm hoping uh, MSK uh, goes over in this match. If not them, it's probably going to be the Grizzled Young Veterans. But, you know, uh, MSK winning the Dusty Cup, uh, coming over from Impact and just, man, just nowhere, nowhere to go. But these guys are on top. Uh, you have to put them over, and they have to get yeah, the NXT tag team titles. Got to be the time for MSK yes. here. Um, in that six man gauntlet, I mean, we we got we saw LA Knight um, act. At least they gave him a good look. They ha- they gave him a win. We were really upset about him already getting an L right off the bat. Um, what would your prediction be? Is it is it as simple as yeah, it's probably just Dexter Loomis because they've got the whole thing built with with Johnny. Yeah, it, it, it's looking that way now, right? It feels that way, Austin, right? Yeah, Austin Theory has now become kind of like a uh, airhead jock revenge of the nerds. Uh, yeah. Uh, kind of gimmick. It's kind of goofy in the way he lost or the way he eliminated, got eliminated uh, in that match. You know, I don't see Theory winning it now. I, I definitely think it's going to be Loomis, even though they kind of teased L.A. Knight. Um, it wouldn't make sense with L.A. Knight, but, you know, uh Loomis has to be the guy go, right? This is the storyline. This is the big pay-per-view of the big two-night event. It's got to be Loomis. The women's title match will be the main event of night one. Io Shirai, Raquel Gonzalez. Uh, this is going to be great. Io is such a badass, man. She is. like It, it really does feel like it's Raquel, uh, Raquel's time right this moment. And who knows if Dakota gets in. Um, like we've said, the added variable with something like this is which way do they go? Do they want to keep Raquel and Dakota together for a while? Do they want to have Dakota maybe be the reason why she doesn't win? Um, do you want to have her win and then immediately they can turn on Dakota? Is EO moving up? There are a lot of things in this match to, to kind of take a, take account for. Yeah. You often wonder with the big events, you know, how many title changes we're going to get, right? Um, you got, you know, one would think the obvious, you know, EO has, has held this title for, for a while now. Uh, there's no Tony Storm on either show. She beat Tony Storm. She's beat everybody she could beat. You know, I see why they put Raquel with uh, with her. Um, you know, you, you kind of need a mouthpiece a little bit. She's new, but now she's ready to go out on her own. 
I think the time is for her to win. She needs that title. I think I, I think we need to get away from EO. I think EO probably moves up, even if she chases Raquel uh, before she goes up. But man, the way that show ended NXT, just you know, they the show was one of their best NX, uh, NXT it, shows. It feels different. It does kind of it feel like does, how it, it used to when we, we used to watch Monday Night Raw, and it would kind of go off the air really hot at the end, and it'd be like, "What just happened?" or "What's gonna happen?" or like. You know, you're looking all like it. it NXT feels like that sometimes, and AEW does do a good job sometimes of giving you like feel sure. good moments at the end of their show, even if it's not necessarily, even if it's only like feel good sometimes for like a small group. Um, man, it, it, this, that's just night one that we yes. went through. Night two, we've got uh, the tag team championships, Ember Mood and Shotzi versus Indy, which uh, we've discussed it. I'm I'm usually not a fan of. When uh, when a company just starts bringing in more titles, but if there's any division on any company like anywhere in the world that needed an extra group of titles, it was this women's division on NXT. They have a deep enough division. Spot on, and all those girls can't have the one title, right? No. That he has, you know. So it makes sense. But Shotzi, since coming over from the indie scene, um. There was not a lot of mainstream fans that knew Shotzi Blackheart. Of course, if you're a, a social media wrestling fan, you know, you see all, see all of her indie clips. If you followed Shimmer, Shine, if you followed any of the indie promotions, she was, she was spot on. This girl has worked her way up. She doesn't look like the normal WWE slash NXT superstar. So I think that even makes her look better. And the way she's been received as a badass for NXT... For her and Ember Moon to have the titles, I, they probably keep them here. I, I, I don't see Candice and Indy you know, winning these titles, but it'll be a great match. Indy is improving. I, I wasn't the biggest fan of hers, but you know she's still relatively new to the main scene. She's getting better, but it'll be a good tag team. We've got a uh, Cruiserweight Championship match. I'll say I'm a big fan of Santos Escobar. I love the Absolutely. presentation. Yes. Of him, he comes off like a big deal. I think he really has elevated the the cruiserweight division in general. That was just kind of like a throwaway uh, two hundred five live thing for a while. So, uh, when, whenever he's on the screen, I think you know I, I'm paying attention, and they've done a really good job with him. This should be a, a good match, and we'll see what ends up happening next. Because I think Santos could be someone that you could come out of the cruiserweight division. They present him like he's a star. Yeah, and with the you know, I'm not just saying this to say it. With the release of Andrade, you know, they need that. They they always want that next Hispanic star. And this guy is it. I mean, uh, what he's you took the words out of my mouth. What what he's been able to just title. Um, he's a badass. Uh, you want to see him work. Um, whether or not he wins or you know you know unifies the titles, I'm not sure. It, it would sure seem they are going to go in that direction. I don't know if he's going to you know. Hit the call up anytime soon But before too long He will get that call This dude's a badass And he's one of the best on that roster We talked about uh, Gargano Who's going to be facing the winner of that gauntlet eliminator Would make the most sense if it was Dexter Loomis So they could have that two night storyline And then the two big matches for uh, for night two uh, We talked about the Adam Cole uh, Kyle O'Reilly one earlier If you didn't watch NXT uh, Make sure you go back and check out that Package the the build up for them talking about their history it is excellent you if you because I think a lot of people probably look at Kyle O'Reilly as someone that they're not emotionally attached to 
Right, someone that he's a good wrestler. I've seen him in in all these different iterations where whenever he's in the ring, he's excellent. But I don't know if I had a reason to like really, really think of him as like a big single star. I think you'll feel differently if you watch this video. You really will. It'll uh, it'll make you uh, sort of appreciate and uh, and and feel a little more for him in this spot. Um, and then, man, I mean, the the entrances alone for Finn Balor versus Karrion Cross. <laughs> are we going to get the demon ever back? Do you think, or what do you think with that? Man, if it, you know, that's a good question. I, I, you know, they really don't talk about it a whole lot. Not at all. They never mention it. But I would have thought this would be a good time for it since right? Karrion, Karrion Cross has that persona. But either way, you know, um, I, it, it, look, we we've, we've been looking forward to this before Karrion Cross got hurt. Um, whether this match is, is probably your closer, um, I would hate to follow that up. Um, if it's going to be uh, the closing match and you follow Cole and O'Reilly, this is probably the type of match to do it. Um, it may not be the greatest wrestling match of all time. Karrion Cross is good. His persona is good. Of course, Scarlett. But Finn Balor is, you know, he's an ace. But it's time to move on from Finn Balor with the NXT Championship. It just is. It's Karrion Cross and... Not saying Finn Balor has to move up, but it's time to move on. It is. It is. It should be. Uh, it should be his time now, and we'll get some some new iterations of matches. And sure. you know, like we said last week, there's three or four people on this roster that could really inject some new some new energy onto the main roster, and they could use a Finn on one side and Adam Cole on another side and EO on one side. You know the. Those would all be very, very well served. I think uh, move ups. It just depends on how they're treated when they come up. You know, that's I think that's the worry that everybody has when some of these uh, these stars from NXT move up. How is Vince and how are the WWE going to treat them? Are they just going to be, you know, uh, in two or three weeks? Are they going to be back in catering with poor Ricochet? And uh, <laughs> I mean, geez, I- right? That was just <laughs> so brutal. Poor, poor Ricochet back there. You know, and it's like, oh man, as we. Uh, we head over to WWE. Let's talk about what they've got set up for their two nights. So, um, Ricochet is one that we'll mention. He's not uh, anywhere on the card. So, I guess they've got six matches listed for for night one, six listed for night two. We don't have a women's tag listed. We're probably thinking some kind of a four way. Is that what you, it looks like they're going? Like Shayna, Nia, Dana, Mandy, Naomi, Lana, even like Natty, Tamina. I I could see something like that. Try to get all get them all on the uh, on the show. This is, it's not going to be a lot out of it. I expect yeah. new tag team pins out of it. I, I do think uh, they've had it way too long. I don't know what direction they would go. You know, I hate that Carmella is not involved. I, I like Carmella. You know, okay, yeah, so proper. so we got Nikki, Cross, Peyton Royce, um, Reckoning, Mia, uh, Bailey, Billy Kay, Carmella, Liv Morgan, Ruby Riot, Natty, T- like, I'm just assuming Natty Tamina. They haven't even been announced, so. No, no. Do we, do we get, and then on the men's side, Cedric, Shelton, Elias, Jeff Hardy, Drew Gulak, Ricochet, Retribution, Lucha House Party, Kalisto, King Corbin. Um, what do we do with Jay uh, Uso, Nakamura? They all have not been announced for anything. Do we get? Do you think we get the Battle Royals, or do you think they're still worried about something like that with a COVID? I mean, we had the Royal Rumble this year. That's that's true, you know. And to be you know to be basically a week out, man, and the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal has not even. Not to my knowledge. Even no, they haven't announced it. it at all. No, so, but they haven't it, mentioned it. And so you would think they would have maybe mentioned it at one point before this. Yeah, and it could be one of these deals where you're watching the Hall of Fame ceremony and they go, oh, breaking news from the red carpet. You know, we're having a, 
uh, a pre-show. Right. You, you just never know, but there's a lot of WWE talent they just named. Liv, Liv Morgan needs to be on TV. She just does. She has the look. Peyton Royce, Jeff Hardy. There's a ton of WWE superstars that just don't have storylines. I mean, by God, Peyton Royce had to get hers from what? Uh, uh, one of those post-Raw shows crying and saying she deserves a, a, a shot, and she did. She worked Asuka the following night on Raw. It was a pretty decent match. You know, just three hours is 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 not a lot of time, and two hours, uh, you know, on Friday night. So, you know, you got to feel for these guys. Yeah, they're on. You don't feel, you know, oh, I don't feel sorry. They get paid. They get this. They're in the WWE. Hey, man. Yes, yeah, the dream to make it, but when 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 you're not working week in and week out, and there's no house shows, and you're not working on those either. It sucks, man. I, I've talked I, to I've talked to the guys and girls. This I, sucks. I've, I've talked to the right or uh, some of the writers too. They yeah. said it's so difficult for them when you have to go tell those people like, eh, we don't have anything for you." Right? You know, like w- you're like so talented and we've got all these goofy ass storylines going on, but nope, we don't have anything for you. No, and no, we, we've got Matt Riddle, you know, who on a scooter. Just, yeah. You know, and this is look, Matt Riddle has not Look, whether it's him, whether WWE's told him to do it, he has been a complete train wreck coming up. And Awful. And he was great in NXT. Yeah, and, and I don't know if he lost, didn't if he pulled a Shane McMahon and forgot his lines Monday night with Austin. He just said, oh, that was awful. Hey, I'm out. You know, I, I just and with all that talent, I hope something is put together where at least they get the WrestleMania call. But man, as of right now, I just don't see much. So and so here's like the point. You know, when I'm going through the the 12 matches that they have listed, we don't know about the women's tag, we don't know about the the men's or women's battle royal, and then there's one other. Men's Smackdown tags aren't listed So I can imagine we'd get something like Dolph, Rude, Street Profits Otis and Gable and then the Mysterios right. Maybe we'd get a four away with all of them Who have been sort of you know in the tag division But everything on the show Like of these 12 matches They have listed I genuinely think like 10 of them Are going to be really good in the ring The problem 9 or 10 of them The problem is like the getting there The build it, it's, it's very strange right because Let's look on paper. We got Sasha, Bianca, Lashley, Drew. Those are both going to be good. Sure. Bad Bunny, The Miz, Spectacle, whatever. New Day, AJ, almost. That should be good. Braun, yes. Braun, Shane, screw it. That's been terrible. But Cesaro, Seth should be really good in the oh, ring. Absolutely. And then on the night two, Roman, Edge, Debray. That'll be awesome in ring. Awesome. Oscar, Rhea Ripley. That'll be great. Big E, Apollo. That'll be very good. KO, Sammy will be great. Riddle, yeah. Sheamus, those guys are going to beat the hell out of each other I, I, The Fiend, Orton, who knows, they may have lost me a little bit with some of their stuff But like, none of these matches, from a match quality, I think are going to be bad Except for who knows what happens with Bra- uh, Braun, Shane, and who knows what happens with The Fiend But everything else will be solid to above average in ring It's just such a bummer that they couldn't get us more excited for these I, you, Look, I use... I, it just, it is what it is. It's a solid, solid card. And let's say it's one night. I mean, th- those are some some fantastic matches. But what do you do for hype? That's why we always liked, uh, you know, Conor McGregor. You may not like the guy, but his promos were out of this world. He would make you spend your $69 or go to Twin Peaks or, or go to Hooters and spend money and watch these UFC fights. Or the, or, or the Mayweathers, these boxing, you have to sell it, right? And with all these streaming platforms, okay, 
I'm having to make a choice. Look, I'm not a big streaming guy. So I sign up for the Peacock Network. Do I spend $4.99? Because I'm probably only going to watch the Peacock Network or Peacock app just for the WWE Network. Or do I spend the $9.99 with no commercials? I, you know, I just thought getting these people there to it, I, I guess they kind of underestimated us as the fan and said, hey, look, you're going to go anyway. So here it is. They did. They're kind of taking and it a little for granted right now. I think that's what happened after last year. Hey, we were, like I said a couple of weeks ago, Gino, hey, we were all thankful and happy. They pulled off a WrestleMania there in the Performance Center or where. I can't remember what it was. We watched it. You know, now you're bringing 45,000 in each day. There's a lot more eyes on it. The build is not there. The, we, hey, look, after those two nights, we may, the following week, Gino, me and you may say, you know what? We didn't know what build. We didn't, didn't need it. We didn't build. need it. Or maybe but, next week coming in when we preview, you know, after um, after we get one more SmackDown and one more Raw, maybe we feel a little different. But I just. I don't think so. I don't either. I think the fast lane in the middle of all of this screwed things up. That, and That killed it. Yeah. And, and also, you know what? It's been something that is. When you're Vince and you're sitting where you're sitting and you continue to get these massive TV deals, these Peacock streaming deals, why do you think you're doing anything wrong? Exactly. exactly. I mean, he that's sees a, his ratings point. going down a little bit, but everybody else's ratings are going down too. Right. And and he's comparing every week and seeing, hey, they're still towards the top of everything watched. The uh, demos or one, demos. two, three, four, you know? I so I wonder, you know, if if he's going like, why? What are we doing wrong? Everything that I'm doing is right. These companies, content, <laughs> content, content, and that's um, that, that's a bummer because I mean, like they said, we've seen what they did with Sasha Bianca. They they butchered that build with the tag stuff. Everything they've done with them, um, Lashley Drew and stuff. Doing has it been, again. I know, and they're doing it again with Oscar Rhea on the exact I, I same side. I don't get it. And, 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 it's lazy. You know, thank God, thank God, we only have to see that one time next week, right? It's, it's know, lazy. Match. I mean, everything, even as much as like Biggie Apollo, that would have been so much better if they just didn't have a match at Fastlane. We, that, we, that, you know, it just it's like just, why it, have the match there if you're going to build it to WrestleMania? Give us an angle on the show. Let Apollo yeah, come then, out like you used to do. And, and here's Nia and Shanna. Shanna, uh, they're losing. And then they're coming out again to interrupt the contract signing with Rhea and Asuka. Rhea just smoked Asuka with the table. Uh, hey, uh, we're the real badasses of the women's no division. Consistency. We're going to challenge you. T- what? I mean, what? I, I just get us to WrestleMania. You know, the, the bad taste will be out of our mouths after the first night, right? It Hopefully. will. It will. And, and, and we'll forget about this. But this is, they dropped the ball big time. They take yeah. it for granted. And uh, we just need to get there. And so next week we'll uh, when when Chad and I talk, it'll actually be after uh, it'll be after NXT. We'll get to be able to sort of react a little bit to that, and then we'll give you a nice big setup for uh, for WrestleMania, and we'll go through a little bit more, and we'll finalize everything in all of these matches. But overall, those are what the cards look like right now, and we'll uh, we'll put our bows on uh, on the build up to WrestleMania next week. When when I kind of quickly get through AEW because I think these are some of the shows where it's like. Taking notes, there were a lot of things that happened, but I don't really know if it was if there was anything that was incredibly memorable, all that memorable. Um, we got Christian versus Kazarian to start, and this was a, a very solid, solid, solid match. It's just about a 15-minute match. It's kind of slow, and I don't know if this yeah. is I don't know if this was the the best first 
kind of a match for Christian. And you know what's funny, Gino? If if, if, if you stay on Twitter like I do, because I like to I like to see reactions. I don't, Watch I don't, as it's going live, yeah. Right, and I don't post a whole lot of content, but when you see the AEW roster tweeting every five seconds, this is the greatest match. This Christian's never lost it. Uh, that kind of tells you, look, there was nothing wrong with the match. Christian no, nothing at all. Not in, a, in a vacuum, it's completely above average, like, good match. It's just, it's this isn't a vacuum. You just brought this at guy all. in as, like, supposed to be one of these big stars. He's talking about Kenny Omega going after him. Like, I didn't get the feeling that this was a massive, no. massive star that's going to be, no. like, able to beat Co- uh, Kenny Omega. No. I, I was okay with it. It, it seemed to no me talk. there was no urgency to the match, if you kind of yeah. know what I mean. It just felt like, hey... Yeah, he can go. Frankie Kazarian's good. He's always been solid match. You know, it was long, um, no complaints, but it wasn't the buzz that I thought it would be. We Just gotta wasn't. no, not at all. The I, I do like the uh, I, from what I've heard, Darby gets to do a lot of the the vignettes and stuff that he does. Um, sure. Yeah, some of Sorry. them look very good. They're creative. Yes. They're different. I like that they give him that responsibility and they let him run with that. He's a star. We've said it week in, week out. He needs to be on TV every week, and uh, they know it. And uh, I'm just glad he hasn't been, you know, put in a position where you're on YouTube on Mondays and Tuesday nights for AEW because that guy is a legitimate star. I don't think he needed Sting uh, with him, but I see why they did it. It probably helped him and some of the, you know, uh, a a non-hardcore wrestling fan's eyes. But that that kid's a star, man. He's, He's legitimately good. I think another star is Jade. Every time she comes on the TV, I think there, she man. she looks better and better, right? It's it's and I think they're doing a good job with her because they they're are. not they're not putting her in a situation where they're going to go have her win the title right now immediately, right? Slow build. We're getting to see her a little bit on our show each week. She's got a great look. She's very athletic. She can uh, she can cut a nice promo too. So um, I enjoy seeing her. The the I I don't. The, the faction warfare now, you know, we're talking if we talk about this. how many do we need a trios title for AEW? <laughs> we, we really need to start like we need it like a tracker on who's with who, you know, because we got Man. the nightmare family now, um, sort of turning on Cody with QT Marshall and his group. Um, the students, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't mind this story angle. Um, it's it's just a weird one to have be getting a lot of TV time when it feels like there are a lot of other. Angles, a lot of other people that we don't see get very much TV time. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess I'll see where they go with this. I, again, I think I feel similar. I don't really have a problem with this. Nothing amazing, nothing bad. Just, just kind of, eh. It was just there, you know. Yeah, I, look, I, I'm glad we're not having Cody uh, chasing major titles. I, I think he's already, he's already lost that early on in this AEW deal, where he can't challenge for a pick particular title for quote unquote the rest of his his career but i'm okay that him and qt marshall are going at it these students who will probably never know who they are because they're going to be on on aw dark and aw dark elevation there's just so much going on with so many factions i you know it's really hard to keep track it is it is it is you have dark order uh, then you have matt hardy you you have the pinnacle you have the circle team taz uh, team taz uh, you know it's just like what are we doing here yeah (laughs) there's a lot Um, lot. and then uh, this is what i don't get so you got scorpio sky (laughs) next (laughs) who's like furious that he's not getting opportunities which is fine and then all of a sudden ethan page comes on he's been there like three weeks (laughs) you know it's like so 
Look, Ethan, you debuted on a pay-per-view and lost the ladder match. Right? I know. You were in a big okay. spot immediately. Right off back the bat. Back of the line, were. pal. Um, <laughs> no offense. Back of the line. I know. So I don't. I, I, it's kind of funny. Like I, I actually laughed at it when I saw it. When I saw it, and 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 the best is that they're it's Scorpio and Paige talking about how they need more time and this and that, and it's all going to start Monday on Elevation. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, and they want and, more and, TV and look, time. And, and look, in Elevation, uh, I think it's been two or three episodes. They've been over two hours long. One of the episodes had like 16, 17 matches. Yeah. No one's going to watch that in its entirety. No one. Look at the numbers. No one is. It's just not happening. So you're, we're not going to follow Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky to, we, money, uh, to YouTube. Just no. not doing it. No, we got a mock squash um, Bononi, someone they've been trying to do a feature a little bit more. I think they they like him. He's got a good look and uh, and some good size there. We'll probably see him on the on our TV a, a little more often. the The inner circle uh, pinnacle stuff I, I I enjoy. I think it's funny, and I'm 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 sure. good, I'm gonna like when they when they battle. I did think this felt a little quick. Um, it was for yeah. for like the babyface team to already turn the tables on the heel team because. Generally, we see like the the heel team beat the babyface team week, 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 and then after a while they'll get back. Um, we suspend our disbelief a little bit when them hiding in the bathroom and all that stuff. That's fine. And 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 the beatdown was actually very good. It was very well done. I thought it looked good. Um, I would have just liked to see this maybe in a few more weeks from now, and and maybe a couple more weeks of the pinnacle having the upper hand on the inner circle before they get this big beatdown. Yeah, look and. Ultimately, this leads to MJF and Jericho. There, mm-hmm. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. But yeah, it, it felt like of all things that needs to be rushed, this is not one of them. You know, I, I, I'm with you. Look, I, I, I like if something's not going very well, either end it or, or quickly squash it. This is not one of them. No. I just I did not like I didn't like this turn. Didn't like yeah, it at all. Yeah, it's just too quick. Like just a little too quick for for me here. The MJF though, the, it's like the little things. He him opening the bathroom and then just closing it real quick and just like <laughs> yeah. we gotta go. You know, and it's just like he's a really good actor. This was funny. They open the back door and there's Hager there on the other side, and then they uh they they just get the absolute crap kicked out of him. And I think uh was it Dash that got actually. Got some stitches in his head he Yeah posted, he got sewed uh, up yeah. he, social, he was like bleeding all over And he said something <laughs> like uh, You put one of us in the hospital We're going to put one of you in a body bag <laughs> So so uh, this, this should be fun Like I'm, I'm enjoying this I wish I, I'm enjoying it I wanted it to To kind of be strung out a little bit more and With the long term storytelling um, Don't really need a whole lot of long term storytelling When you get guys like Phoenix, Penta, Laredo Kid, uh, Omega, and the Good Brothers. We we give them crap for a, a, some of the, uh, the the cutesy type shit, but th- this is good. This is what they do. Yeah, this is good. Was, yeah, it was. And look, all of them are great workers. I, I love the Good Brothers. One of my favorite tag teams of all time. I love Carl Anderson. I, I love Big Gallows. Um, I, you know, I, I'm okay with Omega doing this type of stuff as long as we get to see him in a a real wrestling match and you know not a hunky storyline and then again I, I i'm you know give credit where credit's due that was fantastic and then i just don't know if the callous stuff is working for me now no with the young buck stuff, the young buck stuff is just really convoluted um I, I mean we're still talking about the you know papa buck being attacked and i don't trust you i don't like you and getting I just don't know about this anymore. I don't know what this was leading. No, no, and and uh, yeah, I, I 
I think it's it, it's something that like looks better on paper. Yes. Than, than the execution of it, right? It's like, oh, this this makes a lot of sense. We're gonna hit on all these like real storylines that a lot of the people know and stuff. But it's like, did they really kick Callis a while ago? Was he faking it with makeup? There's like a lot of things they never really explained to us right. here. Um, yeah, I, I agree. It's getting. This is one that they need to kind of make a pivot quickly. Yes. Yes. Like, make a decision. Make a pivot. Have something happen because. This has been taking a little too long to get to where we need to get to. Um, nothing much there with like Nyla uh, and the Bunny with Matt Hardy versus yeah. uh, Conti in the Dark Order. Just, just a sort of little little filler match here. Um, they pumped up next week. Uh, Moxley and the Young Bucks versus Omega and the Good Brothers. That should be fun. Um, we got Darby versus JD Drake. Inner Circle to speak. Jurassic Express versus Bear Country. So they need to try to stack their show because they're going to be going head up with. Uh, WWE NXT takeover That Wrestlemania takeover for them The main event match Same sort of thing Like, I, I mean, I don't think this was a main event type feud I understand no. putting it in the main event slot Because it was a match that Same sort of thing If I'm just grading this match I didn't know anything else about it I thought it was entertaining sure. Right. I, the returns are fun You get uh, Statlander coming back You get Trent coming back with his mom In the van and all that stuff Like those are <laughs> those are fun, cool things um, I don't I don't really dislike much Of what happened, except I don't like Miro losing, he didn't lose So I guess I'm okay with that And if on Wednesday We finally get Miro coming over And just blasting Kip Telling him he should have never been with him All along, blah blah blah, Please. and and just be a badass guy If this was all leading to that Then I'm fine with it um, I just don't want on Wednesday This storyline to be continuing on I think this was the best way you could have ended A story that was not very good all along No, and I don't think we needed this You know, We didn't, I, like you said, I, we didn't. I, I'm, I'm okay with him being the badass If that leads us up But we already knew he was a bad badass We're not having to start over and reset Miro we I don't were know going who this did a lot could... for That's my point yeah. Like yeah. just do something for Chucky. Like Orange Cassidy was over well before any of this started. He didn't. He didn't need any any of this type stuff. I guess you bring Trent back. Like you get some cool feel good spots. It's just I don't know. We had a main event a couple weeks ago with uh, Britt bleeding, incredible stuff, and then we've got Legos here. You know. Um, yeah. It just I, look entertaining. Absolutely. Statlander coming back. That's going to help the women's division. I like she popped up in the. And the little game there, you know, I, I'm fun with that main event. No, um, but Miro from day one, he said, I'm the badass. I'm here. I'm the badass. Then he becomes a best friend and he's in a, a bad storyline where if somebody loses. They get to be the butler and there's video games involved. I just look, if this does not end with him Ending the relationship with Kip Saban and being a badass, then they are to cut this guy loose. They because have, this it's never is, going to work. Yeah, this is the moment you get a fresh start. Now, yes, you screwed up. You had about a, you had a, give it a, to you. What was it like six months where you basically butchered this guy? Now, absolutely. You, absolutely, you have to. And you know what? Like, if he could become a babyface instantly if he just turns on Kip and like become like a badass babyface right away and just say. All this crap, I'm done with this crap And people will cheer him And and, and like instantly you could hear the like Miro day being a thing You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And, and I could see him coming out Like like that version of Rusev Like the badass but, but 
he doesn't have to be like a Bulgarian, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't have to be like the stereotypical I'm the evil like foreign guy. He could he he could just be badass Rusev that ends up getting turned into a, a face because the people like him. Th- this has to be the end of this. And so um hopefully, you know, again, I don't I went through the show and everything in a vacuum was fine. It was like sure. okay. But it just didn't seem like there was anything that um, really would would move the needle a whole lot. Kind of curious to see where their uh, ratings end up and what it'll be like for them the next few weeks. With next week, you know, you think it'll probably be a very low week for AEW, and then the following le- week, everything is going to change because NXT moves to Tuesdays. What five days a week now? And you know, yeah. if, if you're a fight TV guy where you get New Japan. Um, NWA power is now on Fight TV. I, I don't know where that fits <laughs> anything, but man, it's five, six days a week. If you're a wrestling fan, you've got plenty of options. Um, it, it, you know, it, it's but you know, it all leads down to Tuesdays and really Wednesday nights. Will NXT continue to grind out with these great storylines, with these great matches? Will AEW pivot? Will NXT pivot and maybe try some other things? Some more guys getting called up. You would think a fresh start is about to come for both of these companies. I would think. Yeah, it feels like it's a good point because yeah. um, it's it will it's it's that point right. It's a reset time. It's a good sure. moment for all everyone. It it's WrestleMania weekend, right? This is like the time where you can start all your storylines over. You can bring new people up, and AEW can sort of do that. Um, Right now with some of these storylines that we've been seeing throughout the last few weeks It kind of feels that way There's probably not a whole lot left with Moxley and Omega Um, Darby's probably gonna, you know, and Sting and their Team Taz stuff is probably winding down Like he's gonna need like a a new sort of legitimate contender there Someone to build a feud with So I think some of their main storylines were just in the infancy of this inner circle pinnacle stuff Um they're, they're at a good point to reset NXT is at a great point to reset on the change to Tuesday And WWE, you know, with, with after Mania And the, the nights after Mania and, and some of the hopeful call-ups This, this is going to be, I mean, as like polarizing As, um, I mean, exhausting from what we're going to be watching But as fun, <laughs> like we're, we're wrestling fans Could you imagine when we were like kids saying we were going to have Monday night raw, Tuesday night this, Wednesday night this, Thursday night that, you know, like we would have loved it. So I guess on weeks like this, I kind of will, the, the kid in me will come out and I'll all embrace it. Cause the next, you know, two weeks, they're going to be a, a lot of fun. I just hope we don't have um, any of the, uh, the, the mishap sort of like eight, I, I, no swings and misses. We can have matches that don't, that aren't five stars, but I don't want them to try to do something weird in the fire, in the, Randy Orton, Bray, and that not work out. No. I don't want to see Shane getting hurt, trying to do something too crazy with <laughs> Braun. You know, like, like, um, I'm just excited for a, a pretty fun couple weeks coming up, Coop. So, like you said, we would have loved the build to be better. We're not going to sugarcoat it. It hasn't been that great. I think once we sit down on uh, Wednesday night for NXT, Thursday night for NXT, uh, and then Saturday and Sunday for WrestleMania, and we've, we're, we're having our beers and we're, we're having a nice time, we'll probably forget about a lot of the build. It's just, I hope moving forward, this does not become a trend. No, and hopefully it won't, but uh, it just seems like, man, <clears throat> quickly with, with AEW, you know, the thing with Impact has just been an utter failure, right? Their ratings for the past Tuesday night, Impact, was like didn't even get forty thousand, and your world champion is on that show. You know, Kenny Omega has been on Impact the last two weeks. We don't need to do 
I, I don't. It know just what, doesn't look good for you. No, I know. I know that he's got a match with Rich Swan. I don't know what that does with Kenny Omega. Maybe this has been the plan all along. This maybe that's what they want to do, but it just it's diluted. You've got your own product that's not a hundred percent over. So don't spend twenty percent of the time working with Impact. If you want to with New Japan that's on Fight TV, you know, and you've getting you're you're sending talent back and forth. That that's one thing, but Impact. Cut that off. It's not doing anything for Impact. It's not doing anything for AEW. And then with then with WWE, we're resetting. You know, after WrestleMania, we'll see the rematches on Monday Night Raw and and SmackDown. And then we're going to go forward, and uh, it's going to be really interesting who retains and who walks out uh, as new champion. Just one more week before Mania, Koopa yeah. Loop will have some fun previewing it next week and, uh, and talking about what we saw on NXT Night 1. Thank you so much for your time each and every week, buddy. Always yeah. appreciate it. Uh, at the Chad Cooper on Instagram and on Twitter, correct? You got it, my friend. Make sure to give him a follow along. Loves to chat about everything going on in the world of sports, wrestling with you, and things are going well for Coop and those Cougars. Best of luck, buddy, and I look forward to chatting with you again next week. Beat the Bears. There we go. Beat those Baylor Bears. Go Cougs. Uh, Chad Cooper. Scoops, Coops. Don't go anywhere, folks. We got plenty more on That's What She Said. And that will do it for this episode. Big thank you to Chad Cooper helping us out. We had Eric talking NCAA and NBA. We chatted Stable Duel, Friday Keeneland, Friday Sam Houston. Andrew Champagne joined me for the late pick five from Sam Houston. David Aragona with Aqueduct. Keeneland pick five for Saturday. We had Scott Schapp for the Keeneland Saturday Stakes. We had Chappie for the Santa Anita Saturday Stakes. We had Andy Villanueva for the early pick five for Sam Houston. We had Nick Tamaro for the Sam Houston Saturday Stakes. We closed it out with Chad Cooper on one of the more action-packed episodes of That's What G Said that we have ever had. Hopefully, we made you some money this week. Best of luck, and we'll be back next week with more That's What G Said. Joey, close this thing out.